the box. You opened it. We came. Three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host. The man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women, but hates the woman. From the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican. JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 129 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, Captain Elliot Spencer, also known as Moods. And of course, I have my two Cenobites by my side. First up, we have the Mexican Chattering Teeth Taco, also known as JP in the house. Last up, we have the demon just as known as the female Cenobite, a.k.a. Jeremy. What's going on, my Hellraisers? Yeah. I'm, rubbing my, I'm running my nipples right now. <laughs> Damn, you the female Cenobite. Which one? What was I? At least I could be the, the click ch- commander now. The chattering teeth. Dude, that's what? awesome because that's my favorite Cenobite. Yeah, man. I, I don't know why yeah, the female Cenobites never had any names. He's in the first film and he's in the last film. It's kind Who, of Chatterer? No, he's in two. He's, he's in not, like all of them in no, some capacity. Not. Well, I think not, that not those all of them, those are like those are like recreations of the original Chattering Teeth one. Yeah, he's in he's in one two. Um, there's versions of him throughout. That is right. That is right. The Cenobites are definitely the coolest in the you know in the first couple films for sure. But oh so yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll definitely get. I don't know why the female Cenobites didn't have specific names. It's kind of weird. Why did they well, never I mean, their damn tits? Like, come on. Even Pinhead didn't have a name until the second film. That third. is true. That is true. He was uh, lead Cenobite in the first one. It's I the believe. third film. Third film. What? They don't call him Pinhead till the third film. I think out loud, but I think in the credits he's as Pinhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's something weird like that, but... But yeah, man. Oh, yeah, I just wanted to say before we get started, uh, Tyler Jones, fuck you, you jabroni asshole, for saying that JP and Moods recommended Mother to you, but Moods never fucking talked about it in the first place on the year end show. So fuck you, Tyler Jones. You're <laughs> that no was good jabroni funny. asshole. Somebody who we're not going to say <laughs> fuck you to is the person who actually made this show happen. Uh, that's, uh, I believe, Jonathan Watkins, correct? Am I correct? Yeah, I that? think that is correct. Pronunciations yeah, he, there. He, uh, we wasn't gonna do this show. We were like, "Listen, we're we're burnt out on franchises, especially to take on the biggest franchise we've ever done in one sitting." And he ponied up. He was like, "You know what? I want you guys to do it, and I want everybody else to be able to have it too." So for that, thank you. Um, he sent along some questions for us. He's also going to get double entries in our February contest, which we'll do next episode, I believe. Uh, triple entries, actually. And we, I think we gave him a little extra what we watched pick to use in March as yeah. well. So um, pretty cool. Yeah, man. I actually, you know, for a second there, I didn't exactly think that this uh, show was going to happen. I didn't think anyone's going to bite on it. 
Yeah, but, I know, right? But it happened, right. you know. I mean, it's the Hellraiser franchise. I mean, someone's got to pull through and, you know, make it happen. So thank you we for... Will, we will definitely be the first podcast in the history of podcasts to cover these films. And witchcraft uh, coming soon. <laughs> That's right, all ten of them, at least. Yeah, because... Imagine, guys, I, if we do witchcraft, we only have to watch eight more films. Totally do it. <laughs> See, on this show, we have the balls because I've seen podcasts and I've seen, you know, other video makers and stuff. They, they always seem to cover the first three or four and then they get scared yeah. because they're like, like fuck exploding it. Exploding heads. I don't want to do five through nine. Fuck that shit. <laughs> and then so. But here we are with all 10 in its glorious original form. This is. Yeah. It, it's been an interesting week. This put you it guys that way. Wanna know, you guys want to know the positive thing about this show compared to our last dimension related franchise? Kyle is in here. How awesome is that? <laughs> Give it a round of applause to no Kyle. Oh, that was the uh, the children of the corn. Children of the corn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we never man. talked anyway, so it's no big difference. But round of applause but, but that show had one of the best moments in the history of the podcast at the end. Yeah. When you freaked out. Oh yeah, you you shut off the recording. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. That's funny. And. And uh, also, um, <laughs> with with this show, it's it's kind of interesting to me because the first time I ever did anything like online, like content wise, was actually I reviewed the Hellraiser films on my YouTube channel. Don't look at them, video one. <laughs> Please don't look at them because they are absolutely atrocious. To this day, I still get comments on those videos, and I still get people talking shit on me because I used to say Centobite instead of cenobite <laughs> so people still people still feel the need to correct me on that even though those videos are like six years old at this point man i i you know everybody has those videos that people still comment on that are like five six years old and stuff yours are your hellraiser ones i love when people leave comments like you did the video yesterday it's like, guys, yeah. look at the upload date. For, I mean, we talked mm-hmm. about this before, but it happens to me all the time too. I'll get, I'll get comments. I'm like, guys, this is like four years old. Like, yeah, they'll they'll mention something I said, and I'm like, I don't remember what the hell I said <laughs> six years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I said last week. Yeah, exactly. it's really funny. So this is kind of interesting to me. It's like it's come full circle. When I first got on YouTube, when I first started making content, right before I first met Moods. I actually watched all of these films in a row. So six years later, uh, I did it again for the first time. I mean, I've watched like the the earlier films again since then, but I've I've not watched uh, a couple of the later films since that time. I've definitely not marathoned them since that time. So I, I guess my first question to you guys before we get into it is how did you watch them? How did it go? And was you was it as painful as some of our other franchise shows? Was it easy? What, well, what, what do you got? I had a plan. I watched them all in six days. Yeah, you know what, Jeremy? You had, you had finished all ten before I'd even started the first one. <laughs> I was <laughs> I think impressed. I was on number two when he finished. I was impressed by that, man. Done with them. So I had a plan going into this, right? We had like a couple weeks to prep for this. The first week I was dog-fucking it around and just doing whatever. But I had the whole week off work. I was supposed to have the whole week off work. So I figured, you know, I'll start on Tuesday. I'll watch two on Tuesday and so on and so on. And I'll finish up on Saturday. So five times two equals ten films and I'll be good to go. So I started. I watched two on on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then total literal shitstorm happened here. 
and we got like three feet of fucking snow. Everything went to fucking hell. And I got called into work on Thursday and Friday. And I was like, I have to go in because it's, it's just a total mess. So that fucked my whole schedule up. And so I ended up only watching one on Thursday, one on Friday. So I had to watch four yesterday. <laughs> I had to watch four fucking films. And to top three it off, I'm starting to I watch. Is, you got 30 centimeters, which is one foot and one inch. I looked up that shit, mofo. Yeah, that's completely wrong. That's like complete. I'll I'll sh- do. We ha- I have eighteen foot <laughs> uh, snow piles in my front yard. It's ridiculous. Eighteen foot. It's almost to the roof. Yep. I'll show you. I'll send you pictures. It'll blow your shitter out. It's fucking ridiculous. But anyways, um, so so everything went to fucking hell here, man. Like it was just nasty and shit. And so you had I, to watch the last four in so, the last day of prep. It's so the last four. So I started deader yesterday morning, and the power goes out. I'm like, oh my god, huge car accident apparently. Knocks out the power, but you know, when it came back on about four hours later, so I was like, thank the fucking lords. But I was still up till midnight watching Hellraiser films last night, and so yeah, that was my that was what happened to me. (laughs) I started off solid, you know, I I was gonna space them out a good bit, I didn't want to rush them like Jeremy, and I didn't want to wait till last minute like you. Um, so I started, you know, the first couple. Um, and then I had some extra time, so I watched the Leviathan documentary, and then I listened to some commentaries on the first two films, and then um, all of a sudden I ran out of time, and then I was like, "Holy cow!" You know, I was flipping back from my my night shift. I'm finally back on daylights for permanent, probably, you know, unless something else happens. But uh, I was to the point where I had four left, and it was Friday. And Saturday morning, I was going to um, the John Carpenter Fest. They were showing four John Carpenter movies at this theater, um, which was going to be an all-day event. And then we obviously record on Sunday. So I was like, okay, I need to watch at least two of these tonight on Friday. I fell asleep in the middle of debtor. <laughs> so uh, Saturday morning, I woke up early and, wa- and finished debtor and I actually got through Hell World as well. And then Saturday night when I got home, I watched Revelations, which was last night. And then this morning, I, I watched Judgment. Uh, no. Huh. That's oh, funny. yeah. Actually, I fell asleep Saturday night. I finished it up in the morning. Yeah, so it did, technically. <laughs> I guess I guess Revelations wouldn't put me to sleep. It would actually keep me up because I'd get so sick because the acting's so horrible that I just wouldn't be able to fall asleep because I'd be so nauseous. But in terms of, like, the pain, we did have an extra week for this one. So I didn't find it overly painful um, at all, actually. Uh, I, I still rank some other franchises higher, such as The Howling. And such as Silent Night, Deadly Night for just a hard watch, you know, hard to get through. Um, I don't think anything will ever top The Howling unless we do those witchcraft films because I just had such an awful time watching those movies. But this is, in fact, the biggest franchise we've ever covered on one episode um, here. You know, we did the Halloween show, but that was a two episode arc. Only time we've done that, actually. (laughs) In one city. Yeah, I guess the next would be. Uh, Children of the Corn, which had nine, nine, nine films, yeah, and Kyle, and Kyle, yeah. and Kyle, <laughs> yeah. So my fucking dick, he never posts, but whenever he gets a cool Japanese VHS, he has to post on the fucking page, even though nobody gives two shits. But he has to show us his Japanese Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well, at least he doesn't take it seriously. He pokes fun at himself when he posts it, so you know oh. that's true. 
That hipster man. So it's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> so Hellraiser, we're here. We finally did it. This is a long requested show, one of the most requested, other than maybe like Elm Street. Um, so this is n- knocking another franchise off of the board. We, there's only we, two left. Well, there's more than two. Well, two. I think I I, pr- I, mean, I personally think that Friday the Thirteenth, Friday the Thirteenth gets more requests. Yeah, yeah. Well, than... Exploding Heads are about to do it Friday the Thirteenth, so the the they'll be doing that one. Um, they, they, I think they're doing the whole franchise, or they're going to split it up into seven. They're doing shows? the whole franchise. Oh, branching oh, out. No, they're doing three. They're doing three. Three films per show, I think. Oh, that that's exactly. My, oh, come what on! What a bunch of bitches. We do ten in one show. Well, you guys, you guys well smell they that? are. They are Pussy. claiming that it's going to be the greatest retro of all time. So they're setting themselves up for failure. you know either failure or you know they're calling their shot. Which I, I think I think with Dave and Christian, that's definitely possible for them to to do the greatest retro ever because they are both huge fans. Yeah, they're fan um, fanboys. Yeah, I'm franchise. curious to hear what Brandon has to say about them, considering I don't really know what he feels too much about those films. So I'm looking forward to that show. But, I mean, we still have Psycho. We still have Elm Street. We still have Friday the 13th. Scream we never did. You know, that's that's one that's never even been requested. I and think. coming soon to the airwaves near you, Scary Movie. Jeremy wants to do the Scary Movie show. <laughs> Man, I don't think I can handle watching those later it, ones, man. I told you, I told you, you would say no, JP. I, I I said the same thing. I mean, I, I'll do it, but those later ones are like. Is there five of them now? Yeah, I think there is. Okay, because yeah. I think I seen. The, now I did see bits of the fourth one. And it was like horrible. Yeah, like not even funny, man. I mean, there's there's a bunch of other franchises not as popular. You know, critters. Um, there's. You know, obviously, how does, how does Critters never get? Well. That one never gets requested. <laughs> That'd be fun to do. If we do that, I think we would have to have Chris on the show, right? The the biggest Critters fan of all time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised that got, you know Critters yeah. hasn't had another sequel or a remake or anything. Well, they 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 announced a TV series apparently. That's yeah, happening. yeah. Um, According to Chris, that's old news. So, well, it was old news, but new yeah. news came out about it. Along with uh, so, yeah. uh, the Child's Play TV show coming out too. What the yeah. fuck? Jer- Jeremy wants to do the prophecy films one day. Um, <laughs> all, the, all the Dimension franchises. Yeah, there's yeah, lots so, of. Them. I think there's six of those too. No, there's five. Five. Oh, there's five. five. Yeah. yeah. And two of them uh, came out in 2005, along with two Hellraiser films, Feast. Yeah, Dimension was was putting in work in 2005. <laughs> um, but yeah, Are there so, Children of the Corn in 2005. Probably. I know. I don't. I don't think there is actually. Yeah. I looked that up, but uh, obviously we have we have a lot of franchises we could still do. Um, we're kicking around some ideas of what to do next, but f- probably for for the most part, this this is going to be the biggest one for a while. So I hope you guys enjoy this because it, it was a massive undertaking. Uh, I took a lot of notes. I I look. I tried to look into it a little bit more. You know, there honestly there is not enough time, like to to fully look into these films we could have done so much more but it would have almost had to be in a format where we did it you know we recorded each film mm-hmm. as its own show and then you know edited them together because mm-hmm. there's a lot of interesting backstory to to almost all of these films and mm-hmm. i'm sure we'll scratch the surface on some of it but it will be just scratching the surface so jeremy 
how many of these films had you seen before? All the theatrical ones, so up to part so one to four. four. So, you, okay, so these were all fresh one. watches. That's kind of interesting. I only had one in here that was a fresh watch for me. Yeah, Judgment, of course. Yeah. I've never seen, but yeah, I wasn't overly that stoked on having to watch it just on my laptop. That kind of bugged me, but oh yeah, it just it just seemed like it downgraded. You know, I got the first ones on Blu-ray, and then the rest were on DVD. <laughs> which I, I will say, like the DVDs don't even look that bad. It, 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 I've seen a lot worse, and then you know, get past. Revelations. I actually watched them all on Blu-ray, except for uh, the only one I didn't watch on Blu-ray was Deader. Yeah, I don't have any of those sequels on Blu-ray. I, I mean, the DVDs, the individual releases are fucking stupid. Out of well, I remember I pa- had them all. I remember I passing them, them up. Blu-ray. I remember passing then, up those Blu-rays lots of times because I was like, then wow. JP's like, oh, you're retarded if you don't sell Deader and Hellworld for like, yeah, but $50 I mean, dude, I also said sell them and then just get the multi-pack on oh, Blu-ray. They look like shit. No, they don't. They're the same transfer, man. Yeah, but they're all compressed on one fucking disc. Dude, they can all fit on one disc. Four movies on one Blu-ray? Yeah, Blu-rays are gigantic. Not really. Unless they use a 50 gig one, they should be fine. I'll tell you right now. The transfers are fine on... I think the... Like, Bloodline's good. Um, One of the transfers was spotty. I think it was uh, Inferno. But... That's the only way to get it on Blu-rays. Inferno. Yeah. Doesn't have an individual hmm. release... Um, an interesting little fact here though the original releases like put out by uh dimension themselves uh they actually had special features on their dvds so like for example like debtor had deleted and extended scenes the making of debtor behind the scenes visual effects uh and two commentaries actually I did not get to those commentaries by the way i think Um, hellworld has features on the re-release yeah, they have a behind-the-scenes look. Not on the re-release, on the original release. Okay, well, maybe uh, the original. Yeah, because there's a commentary on there, too, I think. Yeah, commentary as yeah. well. Yep. So, pretty interesting <laughs> that, that those those original DVDs are kind of more yeah. valuable than the, the Echo Bridge re-releases. And well, I own World and, and Debtor, um, but I, I've passed up Inferno and Hellseeker a few times. Echo, but I'll grab them eventually. Echo Bridge releases are assholes. Oh yeah, for sure. For Fucking sure. VHS rip quality. They're shit. I wouldn't go that far, but you know. I mean, they're not, they're not good. <laughs> yeah. But what do you expect from Echo Bridge? <laughs> yeah, it's Echo Bridge, man. They're a budget company. What are they going to do? Put yeah. some time and so, money into their transfers? No. Well, I remember actually when Echo Bridge put those films out, it was actually really exciting because Hellraiser 3 had been out of print for a long time. And you couldn't get it for under, you know, 60 bucks on a bare bones DVD at that time. The, they None of the films were on Blu-ray yet. And Echo Bridge came out with a double pack first with Hellraiser 3 and Bloodline. And that was pretty cool for me because oh, yeah, I yeah. picked that up and, and actually owned Hellraiser 3. I always hated that. I, I used to have the Hellraiser 3 uh, DVD, you know the one that says special edition, like special down the edition. Sur- There's a leprechaun one of those. Too. I fucking <laughs> leprechaun hate four. That was yeah. covers so much. And, like, the, yeah. and you know what the special features were? Nothing. <laughs> Interactive menus. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, I got rid of it. I was like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> that thing's so ugly. <laughs> it is ugly. Leprechaun. I own leprechaun four like that. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I own it too. It's disgusting. <laughs> All right, so uh, I think we better get into these films here. 
Must have been a space thing. I don't know. Just just saying. Both those films have to do with space. Like I said, like special features on the side, right? Like special edition on the side. Yeah, it's yeah. just gaudy. Yeah. Just fucking gaudy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, man. Let's uh, let's move along and we'll start these films off because this is probably going to be super long. Such sights to show you. Alright, well, we'll start with the original one here from 1987, written and directed by the one and only Clive Barker. Of course, simply titled Hellraiser. Yep, 1987, based on his novella, The Hellbound Heart. Uh, this was also Barker's directorial debut. I think he might have did some shorts before that, uh, starring Ashley Lawrence, Claire Higgins, Andrew Robinson, and uh, Sean chapman uh this was kind of an interesting um if you want to get into the plot i guess first right yeah i'll just read it's actually a quick one here um an unfaithful wife encounters the zombie of her dead lover the demonic <laughs> cenobites are pursuing him after he escaped their sadomasochistic underworld that's a pretty retarded synopsis yeah i, I hate that they say zombie yeah he's not a zombie but no. that that would lead to the argument, right? Like, no, it, it's stupid. It should not say zombie there. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Zombies eat He's... people. He doesn't eat. Well, I guess he. Well, yeah, he fucking actually does <laughs> eat people. <laughs> well, he drinks their blood. He doesn't like. Yeah, eat them. technically not eating the flesh. It's more he, ingesting. He like, consumes it. that. I would yeah, say consume. It's that's like, like ingesting. the perfect word for that. Ingesting. Yeah. Uh, so the one thing that's really interesting about the Hellraiser franchise, and I think we'll point that out as we go along, but. It's actually quite an incestuous production. Like a lot of people, like for example, Tony Randall, who edited this one, goes on to I believe direct part two and write part three. And then we we know that in the future sequels, there's like a very incestuous type of production staff too. People go from special effects all the way to directors with the films. It's very very kind of interesting how. Um, even Barker was, I think, still involved with the third film as like a consultant or, or something along those lines. Um, I think it's like he's like in. I think it was like he had something to say with Bloodline too. I think I was like the last one. Yeah, it, it might have been. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think so. Um, I can't remember. I, I know that he was like going to write part three, I believe, and then he didn't and. We'll get to that, but so this film is kind of interesting that it came out in 1987. We have at that point a very comedy-heavy horror landscape. If you look at, at the films that were, were coming out in, in 80, I think it started in about 86, and then 87, 88, 89. Very, very comedic. You know, 85 was I, the big kind of forerunner in the in the comedic horror films yeah. with you know reanimated there was a few other ones that were you know kind of started i think out. in every genre 85 was a big year for comedies by this in point general. i think freddy's beginning to to become more comedic as well um i think this is elm street three territory yeah uh i think uh, obviously like friday seven and and it kind of uh, slasher killers are at the height as well um and along comes pinhead who might actually have became sort of a, a slasher-esque character eventually but in this first film it's not even like a very big character yeah 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 and, and even the whole like cenobites thing isn't like that big of a deal in this movie it's more about julia no th this movie is basically Frank. a really 
it's like a horrific love story essentially uh-huh. is yeah, what it is yeah, it's a romantic drama with some horror shit yeah, exactly i mean <laughs> pretty much the whole story up until about what 67 68 minutes into the film that's when we first get a glimpse of you know the cenobites so yeah. it's it's really revolving about this kind of destructive uh love story that's happening it's kind of an interesting approach to a film really i mean especially for the times i mean you never seen films like this you know we were in this comedy slash area like you said and all of a sudden this kind of story you would never think would even work it's very dark too like the yeah. whole concept of this movie and it does have a little bit of hiccups you know throughout throughout the low budget process of this film but at its core heart it's actually it's a very very interesting and original thing yeah. Mm-hmm. Do I like mm. the I like the storyline in this How film? So it is thing. It's it is very well, dark. It's actually mean spirited well, at one point in this film too. Very very mean spirited. Yeah, it, it's very original because it's the characters alone, like the Cenobites, are yeah. extremely original looking. Yeah. But yeah. also, there's the the concept of a, a portal to hell. But it's not the hell that we know. At least in this first film, yeah. it's not like the Christian hell. This yeah, is yeah, but this we is don't know that completely... in this movie, though. I mean, we kind of we, well, it doesn't we never look really, like anything. Because we really don't talk seen. about. We don't really like. But we never see it though. No, we, we don't. We, we don't really know how it looks see, like. We just see the wall open up and and the cenobites. But, but, but what I'm saying it. is, w- when you think of demons and you think of like the Christian version of of mm-hmm. demonic, you think devil, pitchfork. You think of all these things. You don't think of these like sadomasochist um, S and M wearing. Uh, pleasure pain thing that's that's thrown around once human you know see i've always interpreted this film that you know the cenobites were just part of that world like they're just one section of it like hell as a whole is like is like reality it's like the earth but it's hell you know you say you could probably have you know this satan there with the pitchfork stuff but this is like one realm of it you know and that's where these sadomasochistic demons who who basically um, deal with you know pain and pleasure and things like that. It's just it's just one portion of hell because we're not really shown or given any other glimpse into what it possibly could be. You know, it's just like one certain area or it's like a different part of hell. You know, yeah. Um, there's no rules. There's really no rules set to it, so we don't. Re- you can interpret it any way you want, which is kind of well, interesting. Well, in the first film, obviously, in the second film, we're given exactly yeah, what it is. But in this one, you you can use your imagination. And just be like, well, if you do picture, I know Clive Barker's vision wasn't to have it like the Christian hell, you know, with a devil and a pitchfork mm-hmm. and stuff. But if you envision it like that, you know, that's way off in left field. This is just one part. Like these demons th- that deal with sadomasochistic shit, um, it's just that's just one part of hell. I mean, there's probably you see many them as different demons, though. I mean, they they are demons. They're just a different version of demons than what we're taught and and have yeah, learned they're, throughout they're, time. Cenobite is basically a fancy name for demon, is how I've, I've always you know interpreted. I mm-hmm. mean, they're after souls and shit, kind of like demons are in the world that we know of demons. You know, demons are always trying to do that. You know, take these souls well, back and shit. So it's just. It's I a also different type think that the, the the biggest thing that I think is the huge well, difference it says between... here like the word cenobite is a word meaning a member of a communal religious order 
Yeah. Yeah. So, Which so is I, part of, you know, hell is yeah, a religion, I mean, you know, very see, religious, see. obviously. Yes. I think it's a very different religion than Christianity or, yeah. or Catholicism that we're yeah. used to. But, and I think that was also Clive Barker's intention, but I think the big, huge difference that, that this film particularly uh, has between religion as we know it is it doesn't really matter if you're good or bad. It just, it, these people are created to torture and take you to the, the furthest reaches of feeling, whether it's pleasure or pain. Uh, most of the time we witness the pain, but the concept also has to do with pleasure and, in fact, taking pleasure from pain, which deals with the whole S&M thing to begin with. Uh, but we see that, you know, Frank opens this box and, you know, the, we, we see when he gets it, the guy, I think he says a line like it was always yours or something, meaning that we hear I that guess, a billion other times throughout I, the franchise. It's it's kind of um, not truly defined, I guess, where is it predetermined? Are we dealing with a predetermined destiny here? And if so, is it possible to break that predetermined destiny uh, by Frank escaping them and then the box falling into the hands of Kersey or was Kersey intended to open the box all along? It's it's kind of very interesting. I've yeah, never quite there's a lot of pointed what I think, but I like to think that um, because Frank escaped them, uh, it threw a curveball into what is the normality of it, of what normally happens in these situations. And Jesus Christ, I, this is turning into the well, time the, continuum from Back to the Future. Yeah, right? right? <laughs> It, it, it is but, it, it is interesting. I, I like how you know the the puzzle box, as it's just known as in the first film, um, is like this gateway, and it doesn't matter if you're good or bad. It's like if you open up this thing because you know the Cenobites they they don't take into consideration you know good people or innocent people or bad people. It's not about yeah, that. So which completely throws out the window of the concept of hell and heaven in which yes. we've been learned. You know, and it's it's very interesting because Kirstie opens the box by mistake. Like she's not seeking what Frank was seeking when he opens the box, which I think is a, a neat commentary on the Frank character to begin with. That he is a complete sleazebag for one, a womanizer, but he also is seeking something. You get the sense that he's he's banged every broad on the planet, you know, and he's just seeking something beyond that right he's he's bored with sex he's bored with that he wants you, to find something hmm, further he, so i, I think, don't know if he's like i don't see him as a ladies man really well i think the that way he, that he seduces uh, julia i think yeah, that, mm. i think that he was a total sleazebag and he was looking for i think he was bored in in the world and you know he was looking for something more than what he was getting there and he this offer was presented to him where and i think what happens in this film like obviously he wasn't his intention wasn't to be you know his soul to be taken to hell and tortured like that so obviously well, you know obviously he's going to try and escape like that after but i think that you know yeah. but he wanted he wanted what he got he just got too much of it that's he why got he, too much of it yeah exactly yes. so, and, and i mean i'm not going to reference the novella too much because i i've only actually read a little bit of it but i know that that was a very high concept of the novella is that um it it goes beyond what we know as regular pleasure and kind of uh it, it doesn't start out with all the torture like chains and stuff it starts out as like 
a description of a dust particle landing on an eyeball and the intense feeling that is heightened times a hundred of that. And, and, you know, so there is that part of the, the novella is definitely left out of this movie. Um, mm. and it's more just focused on the actual pain, but I think the intentions still remain the same for Frank, uh, looking for something beyond yeah, exactly. the regular pleasures of, of, of normal life. Yeah. And he just he gets something that that he isn't expecting. Of course, we know that he eventually gets resurrected, and it's not quite. I never understood it as a kid, but from what what it is 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 he died in the attic, and then mm. his brother's blood. Apparently, any blood can do this in the sequels, but I was was under the impression that it was because it was his brother's blood that just so happened to land on his you know dried blood that he was able to reincarnate i think that's but, maybe what what the intention was maybe you had to be resurrected by you know a bloodline or something yeah. but it just never was fully explored yeah. later on because i mean if you look yeah. at the second they, well film, they change it up for yeah. sure they change they change second it up right film. away so i always thought that maybe that's what the intention was but then because like, it's like he, he's able to get resurrected by his bloodline but he's able to regenerate himself from other people. So yeah. yeah. So it could be that it was never the intention. Maybe yeah. I just looked into it that way. It does come across was... like that. Like you could only be resurrected, but then you could, yeah, then you could fully regenerate from, I don't know. It, it kind of loses yeah. itself a little bit there. I mean, it's up for debate, but I don't know. Which to this day, I, I love that special effect when he's, oh, when he comes back. Yeah. I, I think it's amazing. Like yeah. it still holds up. Uh, I know that they use like tons of KY jelly. And like, that's wait, exactly and what like, it looks like, too. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, but uh, he's he's very, very like, I guess, zombified in a way, like skinless zombified, like almost like a skeleton with some meat on it. Uh, and and he convinces Julia, who is is just as twisted as Frank in, in this first well, film. She, because, is she, is she, they're perfect for each other because they're both scumbags. You know, he's obviously a womanizer scumbag and she is a scumbag because she has been fucking her husband's brother. And, yeah. but I mean, she's so easily swayed though too, right? Like he's like, Oh, you know, I got resurrected. You know, if we, uh, you I need you to, to go, I, you need to help me. And she's like, okay. You know, she's fucking, yeah. you know, maybe it's, because she's, I just think it's cause she hates her relationship with, well, she, she, husband, she definitely so gives she's... senses that she's bored in yeah. that. You yeah. Know what for I mean? sure. Like, for sure. And they kind of paint Larry a little bit as a pansy as well. Which uh, is a good contrast to this manly man that is Frank. You know what I mean? This this more alpha brother. And you have Larry who is is more of like, you know, scared of blood and and stuff like that. I think he's Um, the security. That's why she's still with him. You know, mm -hmm. like he's got the security, but Frank is the is her. He's the wild (laughs) side of her. She he basically is her. They're the same kind of person. Yeah, and and there is a little bit of a deeper depth to Julia in in an aspect as well because there is a scene. I, I think she does have feelings towards Larry in a way because there is a scene where she is, you know, Larry is is you know having like trying to have sex with her, and Frank is approaching from behind, and and she clearly looks worried and and kind of doesn't want Frank to kill him, and I was always. kind of confused on is that just showing that there is a little bit of humanity left in her at that point and she does you know have some feelings towards the man she married or 
what is that? I always yeah, thought at at the end point it was still the same. Like Frank still killed Larry, mm-hmm. and she seemed perfectly fine with it at the end when they're like when they're corning Kirsty. So it's like, what's the? It's kind of stupid. Yeah. Well, I mean, is it stupid or is it a uh, evolution of Julia to you know the mm-hmm. point where she's like fully depraved at that? Yeah, but that, like, I don't think that much. People. I don't. Th- I I, I because, because that... the first person she kills. You know that she takes up there for Frank to kill. Yeah, she's clearly nervous. She clearly is. Well, is no, she killed. She kills the guy. The first guy with the hammer. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, but I, she she definitely has a little bit of a reluctant reluctance to do so. I, but I mean, I, I, I think I that's think showing that. the human nature of somebody in general. Yeah. It's like I am actually going to kill somebody to kind of feed to somebody i mean there's the realization of what you're doing there too well th- there's an ar- there's definitely an arc there because the first guy that she takes up there it's the the, the filmmakers do a little trick on the audience here they, they make him to be sort of a pig where he gets pissed when she like stops like like when he she pulls away and and almost to the point where like you think like oh this guy would freaking rape her you know what i mean and uh by the end, we have a guy who's clearly like a dorky looking dude who's like super nervous and stuff. And then they kill. So so there's like a an arc where you see like it's almost if they would have had a complete innocent person get killed there. It's almost like too hard, too fast. So they put like kind of a scumbag there and then, you, you know have the the nicer character who's like yeah it's sort of it's, out of his it's justification it's justification yeah. you know for the audience like oh so it's not ex- extremely fucking dark and just yeah <laughs> just crazy like okay we're just killing innocent fucking people here but well it also makes, it makes julia sense. probably more capable of killing that person than well of course the, the guy of that course. you see later you create controversy you create a little bit yeah. of you know animosity there something's going on you know it mm-hmm. just makes everything a lot bit easier and for the audience to accept also but yeah. you know at heart she's still she's still a fucking cunt I mean, yeah. she's, she's like, oh, a, yeah. she's, she's one terrible. of the most said it first, not me. She is a fucking, she's like one of the worst characters in this entire franchise. Like, she's just so in, cold-hearted. In history, dude. She's, brutal. She's one of the the most vile I, I, I female you, characters. I, she is, man. I, she's terrible. I never liked her character. Oh, you're not, I, I never have either. I mean, I mean like, like oh, I don't know. It just irks me. Oh yeah, and and that's completely the intention of of her character. Like she's, especially by the second film, which we'll we'll get to later. Um, I yeah. do want an interesting little fact here. I know that the blood actually in the novella mixes with semen. <laughs> I noticed they cut that out. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> bad um, cock. Yeah, but uh, so I think that. You know, there's all these interesting elements with that love triangle thing going on there. And then there's like Kirsty thrown in the middle of this whole thing. Uh, and even further, somebody else thrown in, which is one of my complaints with this film. And I almost feel like it has to be some sort of studio involvement. And that is the introduction of the uh, love interest for Kirsty. Like, does yeah, this guy was, not feel like so away. pointless? And then like, he comes back. He goes away, comes back. He just shows up at the end. So I know, but like even like as, as, as the yeah, movie, they, they don't explore like, that at all. Continues like in the next film, it's like he's just like up. Oh, they like mention him, but like yeah, they said he like, went home. Yeah, <laughs> so like, he why, just bailed on her. He's like, this he, chick's too yeah. crazy. Why is he allowed to go home and she's not? It's fucking retarded. They both saw the same shit. 
We'll get into that. Maybe later. I don't. Like, I don't know I if they nothing. That bitch is crazy. <laughs> I don't know if they had. You know, if anything was cut out of this film, if they filmed scenes with you know their relationship building and stuff. But it does seem so forced in this one. All of a sudden, this guy just kind of shows up, and they have this relationship, and then. It, well, he does that cigarette trick, which is like the coolest thing that he does in the entire movie, where yeah. he has a cigarette in his mouth, he puts it like sucks it into his mouth, and then flips it back out, which is pretty damn cool, honestly. Like, like that's a pretty cool little trick. I mean, I can <laughs> see it though from the editor's standpoint here. I mean, this whole movie's dealing with these relationships as it is. I mean, you're dealing with this three way relationship that's already going on, and plus, I mean, do they need to explore that one a little bit more? I mean, we get it, we get it. We kind of figure she that somebody of her a love interest, and it almost takes away from her character of being like strong and independent. Um, I, I, don't, I I've never liked that guy. I think I think it's just the way. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they look at it as you know, and considering you know, she turns into a total lesbian, a high a high or you know, a high school like high school girl, but you know, a young girl and stuff. Maybe she just needs that that male help. You know, maybe that's. Why they yeah. threw it in there? I don't know. It does feel a little bit forced, and I've always thought that too. But one of my biggest complaints with this film is just how the editing to me in this film is so clunky at times. Um, just with the uh, the relationship part of um, of Julie and uh, Frank, it does cut to that shit a lot. And like we we kind of get it, you know, that they've had this love interest and stuff, but they kind of cut back to it so much. They even have like a recap in part two of this too, and it just mm-hmm. always bugs me. But I always felt like the pace in this film is very, very much halted by this. I mean, we get it, we yeah, we understand I think, I think it. Like, See, I kind of like that stuff though because I think, like it, having him I think it just happens so much and so frequently throughout the film. I mean, the first like fifteen minutes of the film, that's fine. We get a little bit of. Uh, their passionate relationship so we can fully understand their relationship and why she's going to turn into this cunt to help this guy um but it just keeps happening throughout the film and i'm just like holy fuck it's always something that's bugged me about this film i feel like okay i get it we don't need to understand that they had this well there's actually even more stuff shot for that that they didn't show (laughs) i'm glad that they didn't i'm glad that they didn't because for me it's always been a huge problem for me i'm like we get it i mean you don't need to keep showing the audience or the viewer you know, all these different types of scenarios and situations of Frank and Julie's sexual relationship over and over I, I again. I never got the sense that they overdid it. I honestly, I never did. It's always been my but, main complaint. Ever since I've watched this film, I always thought it was just completely over time. And even watch it again a couple of days ago. I'm just like, again, it's just something I can't get away from. But I think it's like having a problem like with him being on the top floor and most of the movie taking place on like even the first or second floor, like they have to cut back and forth to different different settings. So I think it gets a little bit well. The, I mean, annoying at, and at heart, at heart of the, at heart of this film, though, Jeremy, it's the the story's not that complex. I mean, it's just yeah. they have to yeah they have to throw in this to kind of pad the running time a little bit too. I mean, mm-hmm. there's not really a whole lot going in the film besides him getting resurrected. Uh, Julie going out and, you know, getting these people to kill and stuff. I mean, that's essentially what the film is, right? So you have to pad it a little bit. I mean, without a lot of those scenes, I mean, it'd be a lot fucking shorter. <laughs> it really would be. But I guess that's what they use as a transitions. I don't know. But it's something that's always kind of bugged me about this film. But Yeah. So I know that this movie had tons of interesting, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, if you've never seen Leviathan... Uh, the story of Hellraiser 1 and 2. Definitely check it out. Uh, can you believe that Clive Barker originally wanted to call this sadomasochist from beyond the grave? <laughs> like, Jesus, I, is that not coming soon? I could not character. imagine. You said Inferno. <laughs> could you imagine being on, you know, the board 
and being like, oh, that would it would just crack the shit out of me if someone sent me in a title for a film and it was called that. I just burst out laughing like, there's no way you could never sell that. <laughs> the word, first of all, half you know half the population probably can't even say the word sadomasochism or sadomasochistic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is like it's too yeah. fucking long. Hellraiser is so perfect. It's yeah, like straight and, to the and, point. And it honestly, is it's perfect. Yeah, it's. it's really really awesome and uh, like one of my favorite scenes in this movie and in horror history like uh, this is one of my favorite moments ever mm-hmm. and that's when the the you know bl- almost like blue lighting uh from the cracks of the wall pop up and and all the cenobites show up yeah that's very film noir oh my god it's so beautiful and oh, then yeah. they come in and the lines are just amazing like the lines are so good like and and even throughout this entire series like pinhead always has some great dialogue um just just some amazing dialogue dude with, you know you, you have to have amazing dialogue for the character that only has like five to eight minutes of screen time per film i mean if he had shitty dialogue you'd be like oh man that character's boring like but <laughs> to make him the fucking star like he really does they came up with some really good lines you know for yeah, him. demons to some angels to other yeah, everything that, that he is. spits is very powerful. And I mean, if you actually, if you looked at, at a transcript of the dialogue that he spits in the first couple, it's not much at all. Yeah, but no, everything is super effective. Not. But everything's super effective, and you remember those lines, you know. And yeah. that's that's what they really accomplished with this film so well. Even though the story is so basic, there's still those moments where you're like, "Damn, that's really yeah. fucking good." It's kind of like, mean, dude, it's kind of like presence. <laughs> The presence of Doug Bradley as Pinhead is so amazing. Yeah, and yeah. I know that you've probably seen this in Leviathan, but originally he was going to play the guy moving the mattress. Yes, yes. <laughs> because he, he was offered a part and they're like, hey, you could either be this Cenobite with the, these pins in his head or you can be this mattress mover. And he was trying to start his acting career. So he's like, well, I don't want to cover my face with stuff. If I say that, you know, I was in this movie as this guy that can see my face and, and things like that. Like, what a what a huge, this disappointing move that would have been, right? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he does have a point, though, right? If you want to, you know, start breaking out in films, covering your face probably isn't the best idea. I mean. Yeah, I mean, uh, other yeah, but I think people like have said that as well. Yeah, but I think you would want to be, like, well. a recognizable force, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, you got to think also, you don't know that this movie is going to be anything, like a hit or anything. I don't know? think it was a hit in the first place. Well, I mean, it definitely it definitely was a hit, but just not like the hits we see More today. the niche crowd, I think. I think this movie was a pretty much un- misunderstood by a lot of people that uh, saw it, it at the time. It definitely was misunderstood, but I, I think that it was definitely iconic and people kind of gravitated towards it, especially after... Definitely know, the visual. The visuals was what was iconic about the film. I mean, Pinhead and the Cenobites. I mean, for the little amount of time, screen time that you, you get to see these awesome characters, um, you know, they, it was that memorable, you know, really. I mean, people don't remember this film for the flashback scenes with Frank and Julie. They really don't. They remember for the Julia, um, geez, what a snob. They remember, they, (laughs) they remember for the awesome gore effects and basically the last 20 minutes. Well, see, I I mean, yeah. that's what i known with the film for the longest time. But as I've become more of a fan of this movie, I've really gravitated towards the stuff with Julia and Frank. And I've really kind of completely understand that a little bit better than I used to. I like it and, more than I used to. I used mm-hmm. to I used to think Hellraiser was so fucking overrated. 
Yeah, like, I, I used to be like, it's got I great. I literally said that and back on Burial Grounds when Clive said Hellraiser was one of his top five favorite horror films ever. I the first thing I said on the first show was I personally think Hellraiser is overrated. It is yeah. overrated. But I mean, in a sense, I mean, when you look at the core of this film, it's a fucking love story. And I think that's the way I always interpreted the film. I'm like, it has good gore effects. It's got some really cool characters. But the story is so basic in this movie. They never explore anything. And that's what makes part two so cool. You know. But there's also so much to it that you kind of learn from watching it over yeah. and over again and filling in details yourself along with things that you've learned uh, from the, the, the next film, as well as things that have came out since and, and you know, the, the mind state of the creators, uh, like, I feel like I completely understand this movie way more than I ever did as a child. And mm. I want, I used to watch this movie as like, like six years old, which is just crazy. You know, <laughs> you know it is funny about. when you watch Hellraiser and Hellraiser two back to back, you see the limitations in this movie. I mean, the storyline is mm-hmm. so basic. It's basically set in one location. Like it's in a house, you know, it yeah. is. It, there's I, not, we like don't the really only... know where that location is. Like, no, it, I mean, like you get the sense that it could be in England with some Americans. Yeah. But, it's and it's never really fully we know it was shot in london or or mm-hmm. yeah it's there. a british film yeah yeah but <laughs> we don't we like we don't know i don't think we fully know until part 3 that it's 100% in america yeah um <laughs> which because is weird but there's only three locations the house where julia goes to get the first guy the office at the bar and then, and those are very well. Brief there's a few exterior shots with Kirsty and and uh, you know that homeless yeah. vagrant and stuff. And they're yeah. all so brief. They're very, very, very brief scenes. Yeah. You know, so yeah. But but you know, back to the Cenobites. I think that they're definitely the strongest point in the film. And when they are on screen, they're captivating. Uh, the lines, you know, that that even even the female Cenobite is really good in this film yeah uh, but you know yeah. the the box you opened it we came um uh it's a means to summon up like everything they say is just so terrifying to me you know it's it's they say it with such conviction mm-hmm. you know and i think that you know when they come out and and Kersey makes a deal with them and says and, which is something I never understood as a as a kid, and I still don't fully grasp it. But I guess what it is is they arrive and they're gonna take Kirsty, and Kirsty's like, you know, being cunning, knows that Frank is back, and they she says, hey, you know, Fr- Frank, do you know him? And they're like, yeah, we like we know him, which is kind of interesting to think that they don't know that he escaped. And it really well, they don't know until wonder. So what happens here is that when Kirsty, when or Christy, when she, you know, when she opens up the box, um, her life is in danger now. So basically, yeah. what she does is she tells the Cenobites that you know to save her own ass, and this is when she cuts the deal with them that Frank has escaped. Yeah, and for some odd reason, I never could understand why the Cenobites didn't know, know how Frank I never understood that either considering he is the subject of pain and torture by them and in hell you think that he would be a focus 
<laughs> considering they just got his soul. Well, but I never understood that. But anyways, so, this is what leads up to her making the deal. This is what mm-hmm. saves her own ass is because she says to the Cenobite, she's like, well, Frank has escaped. I can lure him in here and you guys can get yeah. him back. Because that's essentially what it comes down to is that, you know, the Cenobites don't want to be letting souls go. So they have to get that one back that they already got. So, you know. And I, I, I think that it's very interesting the concept of what happens because we don't see it a ton in these films like where they go after they're took into the box you know after they're taken into the box yeah and you know the hooks come out and the torture begins and stuff like that um like i know that in the novella after they're done torturing him he's basically in the same place he was but he's behind a wall like a a metaphysical wall that where he can see the room and he's just left there forever. You know what I mean? And he's just hmm. with with no anything, no entertainment. Like you're just there. And I think that the concept kind of is that they after they they have their way with you for a while, maybe they'll come back to you eventually, you know, but they just it's endless. So they have endless amount of time to come back to the person <laughs> that they want to. And they kind of just probably have a bunch of souls that they're torturing. And they're like, yeah. they forgot about Frank I mean, for a little while. <laughs> see, it works. It works. It That works when you're reading in a, uh, in a, like in a novel novel. Yeah. But on screen, it's kind of hard to adapt to screen. You can't do that because you need something to progress the story a little bit. Like Frank escaping. Yeah. Now we, now we can create a subplot where Kirstie's trying to save her ass, blah, 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 set him up. You know, that kind of makes sense. Could you imagine watching this film and we're watching, you know, 1987 torture porn. They're torturing the shit out of this guy, getting pleasure out of it. And uh, they, they leave him behind this metaphysical wall. And, he, and it just it goes on for like 20 minutes of him just standing there. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it, I think that it's I mean, the 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 what we don't know about what they do is is very interesting to me. Yeah. And I, I, I honestly wish that some of the films would have explored it a little bit more eventually. Like we get hints of it here and there um, throughout the series. But it's so interesting to wonder, like, where they are. Are, you know and we see that um the engineer in this film like that's a name that's used again later in the series but but we know the engineer as that monster that runs down the hallway that you can see the people pushing it on the dolly yes. yeah <laughs> yeah with, with uh kirsty um after the wall closes you can still hear that monster on the other side so it, like you get the sense that there's some kind of barrier or like that that or like realm or dimension or it's something the world that... inside the world yeah it's like it's, it's it... kind of like it's like this middle ground it's not like it's not heaven and hell it's like it's their the own world ground. it's the middle ground it's not purgatory though and that's that's where it gets confused because you know if you're getting into that territory you're getting into the whole christian heaven and yeah. hell thing it's not yeah. purgatory it's their own world well, don't, don't yeah and, and you get the sense that they're capable of being just beyond yes. just a little bit beyond which is terrifying because th- they can venture into our uh you know reality uh from time to time and the idea that they are so close and watching is is really interesting and and you know adds to the depth of hellraiser and and the mythology behind it which is kind of ironic too because again getting back to the whole cenobites you know torturing uh, you know, Frank's soul and shit like that. I mean, w- there's a long process in this film of him being resurrected, right? Of, of course, he gets 
partially resurrected by his brother's blood, but then he needs a whole pot. There's there's a lengthy period of time here where it seems like, like the Cenobites, minutes, right? the, yeah, the Cenobites, the, the majority of the film is you know this progression of him trying to be resurrected fully again, but it, it just seems like you know the Cenobites went to dinner or something like. <laughs> Like they didn't, there's a whole time where he is gone, you know, like they don't notice forever. And I always kind of thought that was very intriguing. It seems like a plot hole a little bit because you think they don't notice because, you know, they haven't been informed yet by Kirsty. Yeah, I know. But if they, if, if he's in hell, supposedly being tortured, you think that they they would, they would, they would know he's there, you know, if he's being internally, uh, tortured. You know, that's well, what they do. I mean, you think that over a certain amount of time, you think that they would eventually be the ones to realize that Frank is gone, not be told by a mortal on Earth. Well, again, that <laughs> that comes down to the fact that, you know, we don't know much about the the vastness of their world. Yeah. We don't know how. I mean, we just um, we can only speculate on what they give us. Right. OK, these souls are taken yeah, and they're yeah. tortured and stuff. So, so you take it for what it is. I right? take it as, you know, for one, people like I mean, obviously, later in the series, we know it's pretty easy to come back. But in this first film here, I I take it as that's not something that happens to them. Like people don't escape them. And and they even say, you know, they even brush it off that people can't escape them. You know, they never explain how he escapes, though. Well, yeah, they do. They, the blood, the blood resurrects him. And, and that goes back to this, you know, the world within, you know, the world just outside of our world. I mean, yeah. obviously the blood that drips, that partially resurrects him. I mean, he's that close, right? Yeah. It's not like this uh-huh. blood went through fucking six dimensions to get to him. It was like, <laughs> it, you know what I'm saying? Like it dripped and it, he was like resurrecting. So that goes to prove that he's right there. It's like a world inside our world almost. So if you look yeah. at it like that, it actually does make sense. I'm just, I'm kind of lost on where, I mean, Pinhead seems very smart. I mean, you know, he's the lead Cenobite in this. He's not Pinhead yet, mm-hmm. but you know, the Cenobites seem like they're, they're motivated. They have, they have an agenda and they have a focus to their, their pain and suffering world. It just, it's, it is mind blowing to think that they could just lose a soul like that. <laughs> so yeah i mean it definitely is it it definitely is interesting but i also like the almost professionalism of them where they they're almost like you know businessmen in in a sense you know they 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 come in and they're like this is what we do and this is why we do it you know and and uh she tells them something different and then they're like hmm that's kind of interesting you know like it's it's very it's very much unexplained but at the same time you know the box itself is a gateway so you know the blood can also be a gateway i guess you know yeah Yeah. the Mm -hmm. centibites are like realtors man that's what every realtor looks like underneath their their mortal yeah. skin. <laughs> trying Kings to sell you some shit. And... Yeah, they're trying to sell you some shit, man. <laughs> Fucking awesome, man. But yeah, um, yeah. And, I, I believe that, Pinhead. It even says there that he says nobody escapes us. Yes, he he actually does say that. He does say yeah. that. Yeah. So um, clearly, he's surprised by this as uh, something that can happen. You know, it's not, it's not a surprise to me that the Cenobites in this film look the best they do in the entire 10 film franchise because, you know, they're, you know, Barker's mm. vision. Also, I think they're that, pretty good at part three. 
they're not bad. They're not bad. Uh, yeah. I think these ones are the best. <laughs> and I think all the films, you know, pretty much after part two, like all of a sudden, but they're just kind of knockoffs and they seem yeah. like they're half assed throughout the whole thing. We don't get, you know, these, these classic look ones. I think these are the best well, looking well, ones. I love the female one in this. Um, yeah. I think she's like very, very, very scary as well as chatter and butterball butterball is like you almost get the sense that he's like the enforcer like he's like the bouncer of the crew i know i've always thought he's the bouncer (laughs) yeah and 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 like pinhead is the leader and the female is like his his right hand chick you know what i mean yep like they do the they do the bidding together like like he's she's second in command almost and um Kind of interesting. Uh, originally, Chatter and the uh, Butterball had lines, um, but the makeup was it was like muffled. He never seems like somebody who would be able to talk. Chatter, I know, right? <laughs> like how is I? I think that would have been that's a smart decision. Yeah, I, would, I agree. But he would just have like a major stutter. <laughs> it'd, it'd come off being comical, man. Way too comical. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I, I 100%. but I will say though, even throughout the whole franchise, like every time you, you see kind of one of those half-assed chattering Cenobite demons, man, that sound grits on me, man. I don't know yeah, if it's it just my system that I'm listening, I'm watching it because it sounds really good, and I'm that yeah. teeth hitting. I'm like, fuck off. They don't overdo it in like any of the films, but yeah. when it happens, I'm just like, fuck, shut up. It's so yeah. irritating, but it gets your attention though. It makes it uneasy too. It's like nails on a chalkboard man Ugh. yeah or- originally i know that the pins uh for pinhead were actual pins but they weren't showing up you know they th- so they changed them to sort of nails almost um originally they were like pins but they were too small and like they didn't they didn't give that definition yeah um that you look for and uh with w- in terms of uh you know the the cenobites uh i think that whoever did the makeup effects in here just absolutely killed it throughout the entire film. Um, I think the only, I think the only weak point is that damn monster running down the hall who, which, you know, it, it looks good. It just, uh, that shit know, gets the, worse as time goes on. Yeah. The, the, you know, I mean, I will give this franchise credit, even though some of the later sequels are pretty bad and stuff. They didn't go like the full CG route and like just destroy it. In fact, I mean, there was, there's a lot of practical effects in every film, which I was, mm-hmm. you know, surprised yeah. about rewatching these yeah. films. Cause I couldn't remember. Oh. It's been years and stuff, but not I mean, hell world. Th- there is CG effects <laughs> and stuff, but you know, surprisingly, there's a lot of practical effects, which, you know, that was pretty consistent throughout the franchise. And another thing, too, is one thing about this franchise that I noticed is it never becomes comedic. This has got to be one of the only yeah. full-blown it, franchises. It really doesn't. There's, like, there's the odd line in, like, the new one in Judgment that actually made me laugh. But... Mm. But otherwise, like this, no, none of these films became comedies. They always took themselves serious, which is kind of funny in itself. <laughs> you know, I guess it depends on how you look at it. But uh, it never becomes like all the other franchises. The majority yeah. of franchises, they become more or less horror comedies, and this one doesn't. So I, I will uh, give I will give them kudos on that. That's that's kind yeah. of interesting. A little bit of interesting facts that I learned from the commentary. So, one, get this. I, I mentioned this to Jeremy. Here comes the facts, peeps. <laughs> Jennifer Tilly was originally considered for the role of Kirsty. Uh, did they not say that in Leviathan too? They they might have said it. In Leviathan yeah, I think too, I think I knew that. Jesus Christ! Could you imagine that? 
<laughs> oh, that would have been Jennifer Big movie. Tits Tilly. Ah, yummy. That would have been a very Was her tits big movie. at that point, though. I don't think so. Yeah, they were still pretty. Yeah, yeah man. I think regular sized tits Tilly. Yeah, yeah and then um, Lance Henriksen was considered for the role of Frank. Yes, yep. I knew that. Um, yeah. I know that. I know that Frank is an English actor, and they dubbed his voice. Um, which you don't really notice. Did you Did you ever pick that up before you learned that fact? Uh, no, actually, you know that's kind of interesting because in Hellraiser Revelation, the guy that plays Pinhead is not the voice. There's actually a different voice actor for Pinhead in that. You mean there were two doofuses in that? Yeah, there's there there's the physical actor, and then someone dubbed the voiceover. I think what I'm they about want Judgment, not th- Revelations, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, in Revelations. Um. Because I, Are I'm you assuming about revelations or judgment. Revelations, yeah. Oh, there wow. was actually two people that played Pinhead. Technically, there's a body and there's a voice, which well, I thought was technically in... three people that plays Pinhead in that one. <laughs> yeah, true. There's like another Pinhead there. <laughs> yeah, which is oh god. <laughs> um. Oh god. <laughs> but, but yeah, so uh, hmm, man, I don't know. I, I mean, that's. What, there's the I guess the you only mean you're not going to enlighten us with your 800 minutes of facts about how <laughs> no I told you that I didn't learn much from it I mean like there's tons of stuff that everybody knows you know as well like, I was planning on rewatching maybe part one and two with the commentaries in Leviathan again but like I said yeah. shit happens <laughs> didn't get around yeah. to it so we, yeah. we haven't mentioned the score, which is is really good. I believe the same composer comes back for part two, oh, which also the, has a really good score. I love the music in this movie. It's just Me it's too. so fitting. It's so good. Yeah, it is so good. Yeah, and uh, the odd incestuous relationship between Frank, um, he wants to bang Kirsty all of a sudden. It's kind you of know, weird, huh? Okay, now I have a question about that. Now, yeah. is it is it hinted that Frank possibly wanted to do that? Before he became a tortured soul, or does he become that incestuous uncle after he becomes a tortured soul? Is it part of uh, him because he's I, evil I now? I think that he was just a bad guy from the get-go. I mean, that's not even bad. That's just sick, dude. That's your fucking well, niece. I, I like, think he was sick as well. I mean, um, I have always wondered why he was at this house. You know? Like... Yeah, what, I mean like, that that's been a question. Yeah, for, uh, Larry I, comes to that house and he says Frank's must have been here or something. Like whose house is that? Like how do they Well, they had just they, they mentioned it. They, they just mentioned it. They bought the okay. house. They bought the house. I think that Yeah, I think Frank was informed that he that they were moving into this. It was like a full rebuild of a house, right? Uh-huh. So Frank was able uh, to get in. That's, well, Jeremy says they inherited it. Yeah, I thought they said something about them like, oh, we used to come here as a kid. We haven't been here in a while. Well, who'd uh, they inherit it from? Probably their mom. Yeah, I thought oh, they said something about okay. that. I, th- I thought I that they... I don't think they say exactly, but, I mean, you would assume their mom. I thought they yeah. just purchased it. I find it weird that, that Frank is there before Larry. You well, know, he and... obviously knows that the family's moving in there, and it's he knew it was a place to stay. Because you get the impression that Frank is very Well, I homeless. don't think you ever get the sense that Frank was waiting on them to arrive there. Like, to me, it looks like he was just living there. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess and, it depends how you look at it. I don't know. It's... And also, like, I, I always wonder, like, what their relationship was like. Those two brothers, like, beforehand, you know? they didn't, Like, nobody knows he's missing or dead. Yeah. As well. Well, I kind of, like, I kind of, like, put a piece together is when 
Frank shows up for the wedding at the front door when it's raining. I kind of like think like Larry doesn't really talk about Frank that much from Julia's reaction because she didn't really know what he looked like. Well, she knew what he looked like, but she didn't was like he wasn't like recognizable. Like, oh, hey, Frank. Like, I don't think they like saw each other very often. <laughs> I mean, I think I, that they were close enough to. Well, I get the impression be considering... invited to the wedding. Right. I mean, I, I always got the impression that Frank was just a nomadic person. Yeah, right? like yeah, a hundred percent. I totally get that. Hence him too. kind of squatting in there and finding this box and wherever the fuck it is, and you know, he's just he gets around. He gets around. He, I mean, he's kind of, you know, he lives his life like his mentality is kind of lost. You yeah, know? and he's, I he's think a wanderer. Larry, Larry, like knows his brother as that, like as like maybe like a, a you know, I think that's why they don't get along either. Partier because, and stuff like that, but kind of a bad character yeah i mean you yeah. get that from it too like larry's obviously a very kind of grounded person you know he's not very adventurous and i think that frank is the polar opposite you know and opposites generally sometimes attract but in this case they don't i think they clash like a motherfucker and it's kind of what i get from it you know yeah and i think that you know his shitty ass julie's you know she's kind of like frank wants mm. to be a little more adventurous and yeah so so what do we have for uh, budget and box office, Jeremy? So the budget for this movie was one million dollars. One okay. million dollars. Oh, okay. And it made fourteen times back its money, so it made fourteen million at the box office. Technically, that would be thirteen, wouldn't it be? Sure. You know, it's not bad. I mean, still fourteen million at the box office is. Well, I mean. I think that this film was also like super low, low budget, like in terms of like press, like post production. I wonder how many. And like me and Moots, me and Moots were talking about this before, but like uh, it says, Hellraiser was initially banned in Ontario by the Ontario Film and Video Review Board yeah. by a three to two majority vote. The film was deemed not approved in its entirety as it. Uh, messes up community standards. It was banned because of its brutal graphic violence with bloodletting throughout horror and torture. In August 1987, Hellraiser was passed by the Ontario Film Review Board, but only after several cuts were made to the film. Mm-hmm. New World Mutual Pictures Canada cut about 40 seconds to get the film passed with an R rating. 35 seconds of an extended torture scene featuring hooks pulling apart a body and face were removed as well as a scene of squirming rats nailed to the wall. <laughs> Damn. Different yeah, time. That's so, crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the movie um, was successful enough to start a sequel right away. Um, you know, that that they I believe they say that they actually started beginning development before this one was even released. Um, so they knew they had something, you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, so that, I mean, that's pretty much Hellraiser. Do you guys have much more on it? Negator. No, I think they've pretty much said everything I need to say about it. I will rate first. Um, I have found a new love for Hellraiser. Uh, it's, it's definitely etched its way into, you know, my favorite horror films of all time. Uh, I do think that it has massive depth that, I completely missed for the years that I've seen it. Uh, I think it has a few problems. Um, obviously, the one major problem is being able to see them push that monster. Like that's that's not cool. Like that's you can't do that. 
um, which is probably what I take most my points away for, uh, as well as that doofus guy who's like the love interest. But um, believe it or not, and I'm as shocked as you, but I'm coming in clear with a 9.5 out of 10. Jeremy. 8.5 out of 10. Um, yeah, man. I mean, my biggest complaints with the film I mentioned before is just the editing, too much of the backstory and things like that. It's, you know, I, I feel like it's just padding it a lot of the times. But overall, this is one of those films that it's grown on me over the years. I always liked it, but it seems like every time I watch it, I do take something else away from it, which is a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's not there's not a lot of horror films that do that. You know, they're so basic at times. I mean, even though this one is so basic in story, um, it still has so much substance there <laughs> that you're willing to mm-hmm. find uh, or to discover new stuff, which is amazing. It doesn't really happen a lot, so I can respect. It's that a too. very thought provoking film. Like yeah. you fill in details, uh, you you have so many questions about this world yeah. that you kind of start filling in details yourself. It's very fun. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think, uh, you know, I don't know if that was the intent of it or if it was just budget constraints, but it does allow you to really kind of use your imagination on a lot of things. Like, you know, when we talk about what the hell world is, you know, mm-hmm. where does it exist in, in time and space? Apparently in a PC. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's like a million things. There's a million things. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, man. The ending has always kind of cracked me up a little bit <laughs> with the... Jesus wept. Yeah, I, things like that. I don't know, um, but I'm I'm gonna come in at a nine out of ten on this one. So All that's right. one point five minus. That's twenty seven out of thirty. Hall of Famer. No, Jesus Christ, you're dumb Jeremy. as hell. You've literally been on the show for so I long. Oh, it's twenty eight. <laughs> he knows that. I've you done know. it a million times. Yeah, <laughs> I've learned my lesson. All right, so, oh, um, so funny. Let's move on here. Jesus Christ. Not quite. For God's sake. Do I look like someone who cares what God thinks? All right. So moving into the glorious year of 1988 uh, with um, Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. And I will start off by saying that that still annoys the shit out of me. (laughs) I know. I wish it was just Hellraiser 2, Hellbound. I know. Why? What the fuck is Hellbound, Hellraiser 2? It's a British thing. Yeah, stupid. It's it's, uh, yeah. I've always hated that as well. <laughs> At least it's not Inferno Hellraiser five. Oh, oh my god! All those ones, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, directed by Tony Randall, who I always remember him for directing the movie Ticks. Yeah, which apparently had a Fangoria cover. I noticed that the other day. Really? Wow. A whole Fangoria cover. <laughs> uh, dedicated to Ticks. So, yeah, uh, he, he directed Ticks, which I love. Ticks is awesome. He also directed Amityville. It's about time. <laughs> that's awesome. Which is what? Which one is that? Uh, that's the one from 92. So, that's um, part five? Is it part five? I don't know. I, I that... No, it's five or six. I always get those ones fucked up. No, I think it's part five. I think it is five. I don't know. I like the one. I like. I think I like Dollhouse. Yeah. Dollhouse oh, isn't bad. Smart. It's about time is the one with like the clock, the blue cover with the clock. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that one. Yeah, but yeah, um, he also, I know he wrote one of the Godzillas, like the, uh, the American version or something like that. Um, Shit. I always thought Tony Randall had done a lot more stuff, but 
Yeah, apparently not. I mean, he he no. wrote Hellraiser three, which we'll get to. Uh, Rattled, nineteen ninety six TV movie. Um, Power Rangers in space, which is like a uh, killer snake movie. I think it stars Cat Williams actually. Which I, I yeah, I like that movie. William Cat rather. Cat Williams. <laughs> I was gonna say Cat Williams. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. The fucking snake in the hood or what? Very different movie. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Uh, yeah, man. Quick little synopsis here. Kirsty is brought. You didn't even mention Peter Atkins. Oh, I did. Yeah, Peter Atkins wrote the screenplay. Yeah. Uh, Peter Atkins um, wrote. Uh, the next one too, as well as Bloodline did you just say and fucking Tommy Randall fucking wrote the next. They both one? did. Oh. Um, and then uh, Wish he wrote Wishmaster one, as well. It's pretty prolific. So, no, he yeah. wrote two. Oh no, no, the characters were. Yeah, he just got a credit for creating the the Jin. Um, yeah. So we also have you know a bunch of. Uh, reoccurring actors and you know obviously characters in this one we got ashley lawrence returns to play kirsty cotton of course um you know doug bradley as pinhead uh you know a couple other people we got same julie i i will say julie actually looks a lot better in this movie than she did in the first one i never mentioned that in the first film but man her fucking hairdo oh that thing <laughs> that's just i hate that fucking haircut <laughs> so sleazy and shitty Work that up, too. She looked a little bit better in this. Different hair color, totally different hairstyle, uh, which is actually another thing I'll get into here in a second, too. But um, Kirstie is brought to an institution after the death of her family, where the occult obsessive head resurrects Julie and unleashes the Cenobites once again. Uh, that's one thing you notice right off the hop in this film is um, Ashley Lawrence's hair. Like, this is taking place, like, right after the first yeah. film. Her yeah, it's hair, like the next day. Yeah, her hair is completely different. It just bugs the shit out of me. I'm like, I know this is a year later in real time, and obviously in real life she's got a new haircut, but you could still style it to have it the same, you know, create or maintain that continuity, right? <laughs> like it just they didn't do it in Halloween too, and this film had a lesser budget, so bug the shit out of me. It's like it's so different. Her hairstyle is completely yeah. different. It's just like fucking stupid, but. Yeah, just a little so, nitpick, but of course I would notice hair. I, I always notice hair. So, um, are the movers the same in this one? I, I, I think they are. To be honest, when I was watching, I am not sure, same man. Fucking dudes. <laughs> I'm not Dude, sure. For some reason, I thought that Clive wrote this one, but he didn't. No. Yeah. No, yeah, it was just based off just based off his characters. So this one kind of explores the mythology way more. Like even the opening scene. With, uh, I guess, Elliot Spencer, who we find out. I don't know if we know that that's his name in this one. But we see him become Pinhead. And and that's the first time that we are let in on the fact that, that Cenobites are, in fact, people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we, we are introduced to that backstory. Which is interesting, because before we didn't know that. In, yeah. in well, I was going to write, I wrote that down. I said, was it a smart idea to show Pinhead's backstory so early in the franchise? Well, I mean, you it's not much of one. I guess one. you don't know that it's going to be a franchise, though. Yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. not much of a backstory. They basically, the point of it was to show that the Cenobites were human once. And yeah. it's actually kind of cool because they don't overdo it. They just kind of give you a glimpse of their their human form. But they also tell you by pin, like, he didn't even know 
like there's a point where well, he, that that's a huge plot point in the in this movie yeah like and he, it is the same moving men by the way yeah and i i think oh, really? i think wow. that's really cool that they didn't even realize because they've been in hell i mean once they became these demons these cenobites they just kind of lost all memory and in, in touch with their former selves. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah. So Hellraiser 2 was always my favorite one growing up. I absolutely yeah. loved it. It was just balls to the wall, like much faster pace, like way more gore and just craziness. I did notice like a ton more problems with this film than I than I ever had. I always liked this one more. I always thought it was the better movie. Um, but there's definitely a lot more issues with this film than there was the previous film. However, I do think this movie on a pure fun factor is the funner movie. Oh, I, th- I man, I couldn't agree more with the, with the fun factor. I, the thing I like about <laughs> this movie right here is that it explores, you know, the, it, it gives you a visual of their hell. And, you know, it gives you, you know, the Lamar very, configuration. Again, very different from the hell that we Yeah, <laughs> so it gives you, like, I think this is, I think when they actually name it the Lamont configuration, I don't know, maybe they do in the first one, I'm not no, sure. No, no, th- this one's, it's still not the, I don't think it's still think named it's the as the Lamont configuration. They don't, they don't uh, say Lamont. We do learn. No, uh, no, they do. do. They, no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure they say this Lamont configuration because they also give you, you know, who Leviathan is. He's the god. Well, right. we get we get Leviathan in this film. Yes, but I didn't know if we got Le- the Lamont configuration or not. Um, but so uh, this one is <laughs> like I find this this one is a very convenient movie. So right away, well, of we course, have- of course, I know where, I know where you're going with this right away. Okay, Kirsty is brought to an institution that is run by this guy that you know the head of the institution is been obsessed with this mythology of uh, the configurations I'm, and stuff yeah how does so, nobody know that he's torturing people in the basement well of course i mean there's that aspect too but the well, fact the simple fact that kirsty the kirsty the torturing in the basement kirsty people hostage pretty no much. that's a mental hospital dude. no 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 those <laughs> those people were yeah so those yeah. people were like way gone that you stick them in the basement that dude there are tons of like yeah they're just waiting out their like, life history with like the mistreatment of of severely mentally uh deranged people it like and a lot of the this is actually pretty accurate to like what a mental hospital could look like there's been many a cases of like craziness with that stuff okay um, so it's also you. his mental hospital. It's the Chenard Institute. Yes, so who yes. the hell's gonna yeah. <laughs> tell him what to do? Who knows? Maybe yeah. maybe the uh maybe the RN or the nurses or whatever don't even know about the basement. Who fucking knows? But yeah. anyways, yeah, it is convenient. Kirstie's brought to this institution that's housed by this crazy ass doctor who has been infatuated with, you know, the mm. the puzzle box and uh the mythology and he's all into that, wanting to resurrect and and he's trying to figure out a way to do it and shit. But of course, Kirsty comes along, and it yes, that adds to the convenience factor right there. <laughs> okay, so. well, my, my one possible explanation for it is that again, we learn in the first film that when the uh, I guess merchant says, you know, it was always yours, or like the the box finds that we get the sense that the box finds the people, so it would just be it would just make sense that this guy would eventually 
happen upon it. You know what I mean? So like if there is a uh, deeper meaning and, and sort of a predetermined sort of destiny to an extent but uh, it, where the box finds but people. I know I've always, you know, I've thought of that too, where the box seems to find people, but isn't it kind of a contradiction where it doesn't matter who opens up the box? Like, I mean, if it was predestined, well, see, they if kind it, of changed that though. Yeah. Right. Because in the first film curse, but, but we also have to factor in the fact that, a loophole happened right the 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 box got out of its rotation because frank came back and caused a event in which kirsty ended up with the box yeah so it it's almost some like final destination type shit you know mm-hmm. what i mean but yeah like just theorizing because if that had not happened frank never escaped kirsty would have never ended up with the box never opened the box yeah it would have just went on to the next person or whatever um, and we also do know that, you know, this, that, that creature at the end, the vagrant, you know, picks up the box and, and we assume is, is delivering it to its next person. Yeah. Um, which we, we, in this film, it's Chenard. Um, very, very, you know, very convenient, but I, I think you might be able to explain it away with like the box, but also to back to that point where you said where it doesn't matter who opens it. Well, they kind of changed that up in this film mm-hmm. because the deaf, uh, the mute girl opens the box and the Cenobites come out and the female is about to, you know, do her thing. And Pinhead says no. And she's like, what do you mean? No, they do. And, they and do change says up. that line. It is not hands that call us. It is desire, yeah. meaning Chenard. Yeah. So they change that from the first film, hundred percent. They do change it know, because, because because Chenard needs he needs that girl to open up the box. He can't, like he can't do it himself. Yeah, right. And, so that that's the thing, and that's why they. And I think that's where it loses a lot of people too, because I've heard people say like, "Why didn't they kill the girl?" Like, I mean, she opened up the box. And I'm like, because yeah. it wasn't about her. It was about the she desire. Forced into she was, and it, she had nothing to do with it. And it was it wasn't yeah. her desire now, to open up the maybe, box. M- so. Maybe you can theorize that the yeah. reason the difference between Kirsty opening the box and this girl opening the box is maybe this girl truly is an innocent. And Kirsty w- had whatever type of uh, yeah, you know. Again, you have to, her, do, yeah. or, or you know, who knows? Like you have Kirstie... to suspend it. You have to suspend the belief, though, too, right? Because I mean, they are changing the mythology right there on the spot, kind of thing, right? So, it, it, it... well, we don't know for sure if it's changed because we don't know if Kirsty doesn't have something. I mean, we do know, like way later on, yeah, like in the series that she might not be the best person ever, mm-hmm. but that's a whole nother debate there. But yes. you know, at this time, Kirsty is portrayed as an, an, as an innocent when she opens the box, as is this mute girl, they do change the mythology, but you can speculate that maybe there's something going on with Kirsty deeper than this mute girl. I actually really but, like the mythology here where, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It makes more sense. It's, it brings in the fact of good and evil, well, it makes for Good a better story, a though, too. In. You know, this Chernard needs somebody to open up the box so he can accomplish his goals and stuff. But, you know, like, he can't do it himself. Before, like, if you were to go back to the first film, it was like anyone that figured mm-hmm. out this box was, you know, probably destined for hell for eternity kind of thing. But in this one, they changed the rules. And I actually really enjoy that because it makes it for a little bit more interesting. It adds in characters. It adds in a little bit more depth 
to the it whole adds story. A different dynamic. It does. It, There's so much more. Depth did you to know? It. Like one of the f- funny things that I did pull from that commentary on on Hellraiser two. Not a lot, but there was one funny thing. The writer Peter Atkins says that when he was you know wrote this script and he was you know coming up with his awesome lines for Pinhead and stuff like that, when he says to the female Cenobite, it is not hands who call us. It is desire. The the <laughs> this is this is like such a like just a prime example of why studios suck sometimes. This studio head female said, "Well, I don't like that. Why can't why can't this one just say she didn't call us? He called us." <laughs> and he and 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 Peter Atkins is like, "What? Look." Because it's poetic. What do you mean? It's like that. I worked hard oh, on that line. Good lord. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, like, and then t- uh, Tony Randall came in, and I apparently was like, "Oh hell no, that line is not changing." But could you like, like, just the thought process of some of these studio people <laughs> to take that beautifully poetic line and turn it to, well, can't she just say he say that it wasn't her who called us, it was him? <laughs> and I'm like. Oh my god! You know what I mean? That was one of the funniest things that that I learned about about the behind the scenes stuff on this one. It was just like, wow. Of course, that would <laughs> well, I think that like I think that like happens all the time. Oh like, yeah, you never learn. Adam Green tells like one of the best stories ever about how this studio person wanted him to make this stove scary, like, <laughs> and it's it's one of the funniest things ever. But um, oh, alert. oh lord. So, uh, yeah, so that's one of the one of the differences, right? So that now it's it's desire who calls them and not just anybody. Yeah, it adds it adds a good uh, good depth to it, man. I like that. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool when they roll into the house at the beginning, uh, like the the massacre that was at the, um, you know, the the cotton house. Mm-hmm. And that's where they get the mattress from. But <laughs> that guy, the police officer, I wrote this down. He, a, a dead body spooks him and he shoots it five times. <laughs> I know, right? It's so stupid. <laughs> and the guy actually um, makes a, a joke about it too, man. <laughs> it might have damaged some evidence or something like that. Yeah. After it's yeah. like, dude, really? <laughs> yeah, five right, shots? Like, like five shots? <laughs> <laughs> um, so he... Kurt, so Chenard hears about Julia because Kirsty starts yapping out that they need to destroy the mattress because Julia can come back. Yeah. Um. So she knows that people can come back now, which is kind of, I guess, interesting. But uh, I guess is like from the rest of the series, like this is like a full on like reoccurring theme in the series that people can come back afterwards now. But so I, I'll say this. With, with that whole thing, um, do we actually see Julia die on a bed? Like I could not remember for yeah, life. because she's she's tied to the bed, and yeah, we see it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I did, I know we see it in this film. They show a shot of her dead body on the bed, but I'm saying in the first film when she dies, uh, I couldn't for the life of me because I thought that she gets stabbed or something, and then like oh, from the, the first film, yeah, yeah. Hmm. You remember in the first film when when she you know Frank well, turns assume on that her or you whatever? make her you make it you assume that Frank just ties her up in the bed I don't know yeah I don't, yeah, yeah I, I don't remember yeah I don't know actually <laughs> but um, uh, some 
one of the shot they do this weird recap in this one that shit never works for me when i watch a movie back to back i'm just like god damn it i hate when they do these recaps yeah i know of like the first <laughs> film like they do that in the friday the 13th films too but in this one, they actually show a shot of the of the wedding, which we didn't see in the first film. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. And that was some of the extra footage that they had left over that they didn't. <laughs> Thank God, Moods, they didn't put in there or else Moods would have been even more pissed. Oh, that was, that, that was extra footage? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, one of the, one of my favorite el- scenes to this film, period is when Kirsty is in the hospital and she gets a vision of what she assumes is her father, um, which is a plot device to get her to go into Leviathan and hell and stuff to go after her father. Yeah. Um, it's the, the skinned, you know, torso thing, Frank, we know it's Frank, but, uh, and it says, help me. I'm in hell written on the wall in blood, dude. Like that is one of my favorite images. That's why it's on my painting, bro. Yeah, yeah like man. I almost want to get that tattooed on me because yeah. it's just so amazing looking. Um, it, and it's kind of weird though. Like, why can he do that? You know, that's another one of those mythologies that, like, why can Frank reach out to this side? Is it because he came back once? Like, what is that? I don't know. There's there's always things that happen throughout the franchise that things like that where you're always questioning. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Like it literally <laughs> makes no sense. Like try try to explain that. Yeah, because it's like he doesn't get brought back, so it's like how does he No, it's it's like does... but it's just to hurt like he can communicate kind of with her. Yeah, and the only thing I could think of is because he came back once that the the is it because they have you that know, connection? Is, she, is the, because the she, line between that world is thinner than I, than it was before? I just thought yeah, maybe they had some type. Way. They had some type of weird bond because she's the one that kind of theoretically sent him back. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I mean, there's no real right or wrong answer here. I don't think so. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So, <laughs> I don't know. Well, but I mean, dude. So like this Chenard dude. Mm-hmm. Finds out about this mattress, somehow gets it. Yeah, I don't get, like, how does he get it? Like, he's in with the cop, well, he, but it's like... He no, 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 talks no, he, to no, the people he, he, who are moving. Yeah, he overhears like, it. Yeah. Uh-huh. About the mattress. And he con- you, you hear him on the phone talking to one of the people. Um, he's an opportunist, he, because this guy... Which I've never really fully understood, because he was all obsessed with, you know, the puzzle boxes and the mythology and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and how was he? How into, is he what? Into all this stuff? Uh, he just is. <laughs> Same way anybody gets into it, I guess, right? Um, yeah, it's it's strange. I don't know. But um, I mean I mean, we know that his he wants to like go to hell. Like he whatever he learned about it, he wants to be involved in it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like he But it's like, like we you do know, get that. He, we don't know why. I mean, why would anybody want that? But power, yeah. I guess. But, it, you know, you see, it, you're almost under the impression that he knows about the Lamont configuration and, and things like oh, that. Oh, he definitely does. Yeah, he has, he has the three of them in the house. And he has, he has some of his own. That, yeah. that, but I'm saying, um, but like, how does he have this knowledge of like, where does this mythology to it almost? I mean, if he knows about it, like, doesn't it seem like it should be out to the general public? 
Well, I mean, I assume. How do you know? Uh, it's I, not? I, yeah, I, I, well, the general it. public might not be the the appropriate word, but um, you know what I meant. Cult, to, to, yeah, the, to like the, the, the cult people that are into the cult. Yeah, I, I mean, it's yeah, probably exactly. a mythological thing. I mean, once you go further into the franchise and you learn about its creation, I mean, it definitely would make sense that it would be in history at some point. Well, by uh, hell as, world, it's literally a pop culture thing. Well, yeah, right? the way the well, way they do it. But I'm I'm just saying, like in yeah. this world. It, it's nowhere near that pop culture status. I mean, this guy, no, it's, it's a very niche thing. I, I assume he, if you are into the occult, you could find out about this stuff because... So you're talking to other people that, that know are, about the Lamont configuration and, and possibly what this thing leads to. They're, so. they're, well, the, I mean, even in the first film, we know that Frank has learned something about this device by that point because he buys it, you know? Well, so, he doesn't buy it; he gives it to him. Well, yeah, but I mean, he's he's going. Yeah, for I never, that. I never got that impression. Like, I, I got the impression maybe that he was he was offered it up, and he took the opportunity because you know it was what he was wanting to get into, kind of thing. I I didn't see as Frank knowing about it previously. It, it felt like well, it was an opportunity. He, I, I don't think that he knows about it to the extent that this guy knows about it. Yeah. I think he just knows about... Well, that's my like, point. That's my point. See, just Frank, about the puzzle box. Yeah, see, Frank was offered this thing. He took the opportunity because the guy basically sold it to him without money. You know, he gave it to him, yeah. but, you know, he sold on them. He sold him the idea of what this thing can but do for him. But he was looking for something. But my he point is... He didn't know what he was looking for. See, my point is, is, like, it seems like it's so fucking underground and this guy, like, has an obsession with it you know like he's got all the you know he's got his uh his configurations and he's you know doing all the the history and you know he's looking at the mythology he's trying to figure it all out and it's like holy shit dude like to me it seemed like it was almost set in a different world it's like damn dude this guy knows a lot about this shit where it seems like i I believe the intention is that that, that this exists forever and that there's there is info on it if you know where to look i guess like I, i i do know that you know that was sort of the intention with with this character, and uh, there also is heavily have have a lot of evidence that there are more than one of these puzzle boxes out in the world yeah. as well. Clearly, if he has fucking four of them, well, those are just like we don't know for sure if those are actual. I think they're like replicas, ones that can do it, but but they don't actually. They they actually do not in the commentary. They actually mentioned that. It's possible that they do that they are actual other boxes. Oh, really? Because I always took it as they were just replicas. Like they were. Yeah, like they, I that, took it as that for the longest time ever. But he was a collector, yeah. and this is what I want. He wanted the real thing. That he was obsessed with they, getting the well, real thing. Well, you assume that like, the toy makers. Do Do you think they made more than one? Well, no, we d- well, we're never shown that the 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 toy maker makes one. Well, blood bloodline <laughs> yeah. is fucked because there was so much more to that that. That didn't. There was an anti one too that doesn't. Yeah. Really well, we'll get we'll get to fucking bloodline in a minute, but but, but um. So so what he does here, you know, obviously he's obsessed with this stuff. I like that. I I, think I do too. Like I just always questioned it. I was like, creepy. He seems yeah. to know way too much, and I'm like, you know, I don't have a problem with that. I just questioned it, right? You just that's what you do. So yeah. So he gets this mattress, and he gets this guy, and this. This is one of the scenes yeah. that scared me more than every anything as a kid, that's, dude. Like, that's definitely the scene stealer of the film. This is it's one of the up. greatest <laughs> scenes in horror movie history. He gets this guy, super sketched out guy who thinks there's bugs crawling through his skin, and he takes him to his house, 
and he gives him a razor blade and he just allows him to mutilate himself on that mattress. And then Julia, like if that wasn't horrific enough, Julia comes out from this thing covered in blood. And in my opinion, one of the greatest special effects of all time is Julia's skin, skinless Julia. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. That thing is amazing. I like, I, to this day, I can't find any fault flaws in it. I agree, man. It's it's a fucking nasty scene to watch him, man. Just shaving that shit off, and it is one of the most terrifying scenes. Oh, it is nasty. out of a goddamn nightmare. I'm like the the way she comes out of the bed, grabs a hold of him. He's screaming and trying to get away from her, and she's just crawling on the floor towards him. Yeah. And this guy's watching it, who's like behind the curtain, and that's like you know obviously like a voyeuristic look, like as in the audience. Um, but it is just, it, it is one of the best scenes ever. The only thing that would have made that down. scene even more uncomfortable when he was shaving his shit off, if he had to like cut off his penis or some shit, had some oh, penis mutilation on. in there. <laughs> I mean, sir, you know, when you watch that shit in a movie, far. Oh, of course, but pe penis mutilation is like the most uncomfortable thing to watch ever in film. I mean, that's just retarded then. They're just throwing it in just for the shock value. It's like, that's stupid. Dude, it's a joke. I don't feel like it's a fucking joke, Jeremy. Ah, Settle down. You. Settle fuck down. <laughs> Look at this guy taking shit seriously there over you, there. There you go. You're the one who takes the shit seriously with that blurriness bullshit. But I was right, though. But, but isn't it interesting that Chenard won't actually just kill that guy, right? Because he brings him there. He could easily just kill him on the mattress. Yeah, because he and and Julio come out, but he chooses to pick somebody who is going to mutilate themselves so that he doesn't have to do that. Yeah, I Isn't mean, that it, kind of interesting. Doesn't it, it's that speak a to his character? It's a conscious thing, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, like one, I think it's I, I think he's a pussy. That's what it comes down to. Like he wants to be hard, but oh, he becomes not. hard later. I mean, though. if you ever want, if you ever wanted to, you know. <laughs> I mean, you can look at it so many different ways, right? Like, yeah, he's a pussy or... I mean, how do you ever explain that? Say if shit didn't work out the way he wanted to, doesn't resurrect Julie. Um, <laughs> well, Julia. <laughs> Julia. Whatever. Julia, Julie, same fucking name. Um, oh, oh, give one me a fucking a break, Jeremy. You, Mr. A a fucking can't pronounce anything goddamn right and he's giving me shit over Julie and Julia. Give me a fucking... A Julia, a Julia, 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 Julia. Shut the fuck it's up. It's just like JP saying... Poot instead of pet, like Julia, Julie, Julie. It's fuck. Give me I'm a break. Saying, it's one what? fucking vowel. It's one oh, fucking vowel. Get over it. On your um, Twitter's post about the drive, and you said poot. I was instead of pet. No, I was actually trying to say out. I always wondered the same thing actually in that scene that he doesn't do it himself, but. Uh -huh. I mean, maybe it's, you know, it's one of those things where if the shit goes wrong, then he can I, probably, I, but you could never explain it I because he takes this guy to his to... house because he takes this guy he to his is... house. Even if, you know, the guy kills him, like, why would you have that deranged motherfucker at your house? <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's no well, way around. I, it. So... I, 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 I truly think that it's supposed to be his character is like, he's seeking power because he doesn't have the balls to do it himself. That's why he wants of course, to go to hell of course. and get power. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? And that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's showcased when he gets there and what he's trying to do. And yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a prelude to his, to his character, but, uh, which by the way, can we just give a, a round of applause to the set design people, uh, to, for de decorating children's house in nothing but white, <laughs> because, uh, you get some great, uh, contrast between the the red blood of Julia and oh, yeah. the white, and how she even gets a white suit. Yep, <laughs> I love shit. that stuff. That's man. good shit, man. 
one like that's some of my favorite scenes ever in in horror history. It's just so good. It's scary. Yeah, it's good shit, man. Really, really but good effects. Kind of another thing. Like, so this is another plot hole that I noticed in this watch. So, okay, Julia needs the same deal as Frank, right? She needs bodies to get more skin. And, and well, when she comes back, she's definitely a little bit more fuller than Frank was. Like, she has, like, tendons and muscles and veins and stuff. She's just pretty much missing skin at that point. Um, maybe you could say that her size is smaller as a petite female. That one male kind of filled her body up more. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But so, but then, so Chinorda is bringing her all these, these females and stuff like that. But there's like a million of them <laughs> in that room. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But mm-hmm. all she needed was like, one to become like skin like so it was like kind of weird that they needed that many for that for when frank like she already has more skin like more bodily stuff than frank did when he came back and he only needed they were just overdoing it man (laughs) yeah which also completely this is a a huge plot hole so the guy shows up at that house he sees julia come out of the bed he goes back to kirsty tells her hey this is all real kirsty's like i gotta get over there and stop this shit and when by the time they get over there there's like 12 dead bodies in that house (laughs) but what's the what's the plot hole they they were just put like an ad in the paper for an orgy and then like all these people came over and like oh this is not a gangbang and then he's just like i'm gonna kill you all before anybody else could get out there you go but I mean, we don't really know the time frame in that, though. Yeah, but you don't think it's, it would be that much time. Well, it's it's kind of alluded to that it's the same day they leave there and go there. It could have been you like eight I mean? hours later. I mean, you got time to to get some more people and and do some well, more damage. So. Well, it's definitely still daylight when they arrive. I believe. Well, I mean, it could have been early morning, right? I mean, you got daylight till <laughs> oh, whatever okay. time. Here we go. Here goes. Uh, I mean. Maybe, but, but you do, I, I think dude. In the dead of summer, here we have twenty hours of daylight here. <laughs> so I'm just saying, it's okay. But why would it have took them so long to get there? I don't know. Maybe they stopped at Denny's or something. Well, I mean, <laughs> it could be anything. Who knows, man? Who knows? Maybe, maybe he couldn't get her signed out of the hospital. I don't know. Fuck who? No, but, but the other guys are out. But the other guys allowed to take out this guy from the basement. Yeah. Nobody's well, he's not, it. but he's taking the guy to the basement. Yeah, nobody knows that he did that. Yeah, right. So that was his little secret, and then he comes back secret. and gets the mute girl too. Yeah, which does. So he comes back and gets the mute girl, and then okay, I've always questioned this, by the way. Okay, so the mute girl is a, the expert on puzzles. Oh, and, and that's that, also that's how she being it. She's an expert. Exactly. And she's an expert. So good at puzzles. It yeah. is also in this uh, mental it, hospital. But yeah. okay, it's always, I mean, up to this point in the franchise, it's only been two films. It seems like solving the puzzle box is it's very hard. It's very, very easy. So why do All they you have do is to have your finger over the top? Yeah. And it so why opens. do you need an expert puzzle? puzzle maker to, and to rub their it finger on there. by itself yeah you know? I, I never fucking i actually it's it's well, honestly a little bit laughable i mean i understand why they're using her in there you know but okay it, it, so well the, the thing is i don't think chenard needed an expert puzzle solver but this girl 
he could easily convince to, to solve a puzzle because she does do that. And he doesn't want to do it himself because, again, he has no balls. Um, he wants to go in <laughs> well, there and check not... it all out and stuff, but he doesn't want to be the one that they. But does he not have the knowledge? Them. But does he not have the knowledge that if he opens up the box, then he's going to be the one that's condemned to hell? Does he uh, not? I don't think he does, or I don't think he plans on doing that. I think he plans on whether he learned this from Julia or what, but he plans on bypassing them and meeting Leviathan and becoming uh, a Cenobite himself instead of being a tortured soul. Yeah, um, so that, but that's, yeah, because I think that, I, I was always under the impression that he had the knowledge that, you know, if he does it himself, he's he's going to be instantly, you know. I just have one more question, like, could anybody become a fucking Cenobite if they go in that freaking circle thingy that he goes yeah. into? So, Maybe. like, how does he decide who becomes a Cenobite? Like, I don't know. Anybody, anybody can become a Cenobite? Yeah. I guess, I guess. Yeah, if you if you if you roll into Leviathan's chamber and he's like, all right, let's see what I got here. All right, let's get some fish and twine. It's probably it's probably a case of more the better, right? If you're gonna come here, I'll I'll create more centipedes because you get more souls. Because the way they interpret it, nobody knows. He has extra knowledge. Like some random dude opening this box is not gonna know to to do that. Like he's gonna create these centipedes because the centipedes are the ones that are bringing in these souls, and it's more power for you know their world so he doesn't give a well, shit it could be endless amounts of set, because of what happens with this but but back okay. to the main point so he, okay so th- yeah, this I is the way that he knows that you know if he opens it himself then he'll then be condemned just gonna come and take him so that's why he gets the girl to do it yes um and i think now, that is what's the going on there. point to the plot of what she does something different with the box than anybody else has been able to do she like turns it from like a triangle like to something else it turns into a weapon it. it turns into like like, the, a, like a pyramid looking like what diamond shape yeah That's what like it looks like yeah it, it's yeah. basically so yeah so that's where her expertise comes in because kirstie might not have been able to do that herself exactly. you know um but uh yeah very convenient with that character and and almost completely unnecessary in a way um Really, when you th- boil it down, couldn't Kirsty have just done all that stuff herself? Well, he probably could sure. have. The doctor, see, exactly. I've thought about this before too. I mean, the doctor probably could have made Kirsty do that. You know, well, it, that mean, would that have been the point the of having her there. That she's needed for is for the doctor to open it, but couldn't he just got any random person to do that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it, I, I, I don't know. know. It, it just seems like I mean they went so, bigger. They went bigger in this film. Let's put it this way: characters that yeah, they didn't they, need they to do, do things. Go, they definitely go bigger. <laughs> and and this is another thing that so he goes into the Leviathan thing and he becomes a Cenobite, mm-hmm. and yeah. he seems to be like I don't know if the Leviathan dude was like getting tired of Pinhead. Maybe one too many people escaped or something, and he was trying to get rid of them because it's not like he just joins up like okay chenard is now a cenobite with those guys he's like against them you know what i mean why is that yeah you know i i've kind of interpreted it like he is you know he's a power mongrel right he's really all about the power and i think I don't think Leviathan is necessarily allowing this shit to happen. It's just happening. So the way the doc, the way the doctor sees it is that if he 
like in his mind, if he's the one that takes out all the Cenobites, then he becomes more powerful and he'll be running. And, the, and he's the guy that's going to be. He's the ruling. one that's going to gain all the power and stuff. So it becomes this battle, not only between Kirsty, you know, trying to get her dad back. And it, it, there's all these kind of like subplots in this film. It's very strange with the doctor becoming, you know, the main power in Leviathan and, and you know, in the hell world and stuff, which is, it, it kind of makes sense because that's what he was all about. He was all about power. So mm-hmm. that was his main focus, and I think that's what they do. And um, I just always had the problem with the way the Cenobites actually die in this film. It just seems so damn fucking easy. Well, was it not easy in the first film? It was, but this one just seemed like he comes out of nowhere, and all of a sudden he's like, bam, bam, bam. Oh, so you, you have an issue with the fact that Chenard's able to take out these warriors. All four of them. With- in a matter of, like, a okay. minute. But, you know, I understand, too, because they were also shown their... Humanity. Uh, they were showing their humanity, and I think that actually kind of captivated it, it him to the point. Them. It did. It definitely weakened him and captivated him, and it, it allowed him to uh, take the opportunity and uh, yeah, take so him out. That's so that's something that yeah. I also learned from the commentary was that for the longest time, I always thought that it was like, okay, you got badass pinhead, you got chatter up in his yeah, bitch. yeah. That now can see, by the way. The other one didn't have eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have the that's female right. center by and Butterball, and this new dude. This lame ass dude with no balls comes in here and he just wrecks them <laughs> with the quickness. And I always had a problem with that. And then I realized through the commentary that it's because they were just showed their humanity. So, you know, clever ass Kirsty is like, you know, you were once a person. A general. Like, no, I've always been this way. And yeah, then yeah. W- when he remembers, then that that is some interesting stuff right there. When we see who see it's the center of like were, this. It's points like, like yeah, this too. like a kid, right? The chatter is a kid, yeah. and you're like, yeah. "What the hell happened with that?" It, it's like a you great... wonder, you wonder what was like. I love that they show that. A lot of people don't like that, but I think that it's just like you think of all sort of twisted stuff that that went like what how that kid became a centib. It was centibite, a great you know point I mean? to weaken the centibites so he could accomplish what he was trying to accomplish. But yeah. it, it it was, I think it was awesome. And just, you know, to throw in the point that they didn't know that they're human. All that was really damn cool. I think it was all yeah. necessary. Well, it's, because it's, there's, cause there's a good, good po- side to each one, too, right? Yeah. Well, we there's, with, there's with the, the humanity, so there's, like the human side. The so human each side. one of those people have some sort of some sort of other, you know, maybe good side to them. Well, it's not necessarily good. It's just the fact that they weren't, that they were people. That mm-hmm. kind of strikes it with. It's almost like showing world. their their human life form in hell was yeah. the trigger, right? Like it, yeah. That's you know, it, it's if you show that to them, it totally weakens. Yeah. I think that's really fucking cool. Actually, that's no, really cool. Super neat. I, I love. It's that something concept. that's not really. It's not force fed in your face, and you actually kind of have to think about what just happened there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's another great point to this film. That's why I like the, you know, the little bit more complexity to this film, you know, just exploring a lot of things like that yeah. and showing these other elements, which really, really heightens this one for me. Yeah. Even though there's a little bit of convenience in this film for sure. But, yeah, but there, overall, there's also some like there's also some like really just dumb moments in it. Like that Kyle dude who's like with Kirstie, like helping her, like he just runs nice. into Julia and, he, and she's like, oh, he's doing some crazy stuff in that room and he walks in and sees all the bodies and then he just gets murked. Cause you, cause you think like he's like an important character throughout yeah. the interaction that he has with Kirsty, and then he just dies. It's like, well, I guess he wasn't important. Also, also it's like weird that like Julia says a line in this one where she says something along the lines of, 
I was allowed to come back. So it was like different than what happened with Frank. So to bring them like it was weird. Like I don't understand why. I think she was that she was. I think she was referring to the fact that she had sparked up a deal with Leviathan. That if she was able to come back, uh, it was almost like she lied and well, not lie, but she. Well, yeah, she sparked a deal and said, you know, if I'm allowed to go back, I can bring you more souls. Yeah, so I think which, that's what. But then they, doesn't that lead to you to believe that? leviathan was like sick of pinhead and gang if if like he was I down never, with this like it's so weird how that happens i don't know i never really got the in, the impression that's the way it might have been i don't know i i never really saw it like that i just kind of saw it as she was just the new one in town and she, that was her role like her role was to bring in the souls maybe to give those well, guys no, no, more no, no, power no. I though know too that but i'm saying like like she was allowed to bring Chenard to yes the the Leviathan, and then yeah. obviously we see what happens with Chenard after that. He yeah. goes after the Cenobites. So is it like, like to me that leads me to believe that Leviathan was either cool with it, planned it, or like I don't see, know. It's I don't it's see it like super that. I, unexplained. I see Leviathan as like a world. It's it's a force, but it it almost can't enforced i don't know it's it is kind of strange when you really kind of break it down and think about it um i, don't I guess know. he just gives them free will i guess so right i mean what happens in there what happens i guess it happens i mean you could look at it as leviathan being this force that is basically the ground for the centibites to stand on hence you know the hell right it doesn't matter what happens in there if you're gonna be in there I mean, you could almost have a civil war in there for fuck's sakes. Leviathan is Leviathan. He doesn't give a shit. As long as he gets, you know, the, the, the food, which is the souls, you know, to survive. I don't think anything else that happens in there really fucking matters. Yeah. You know, that's the way I kind of see it. And that's the way I interpret her saying I'm allowed to come out is he's just, she's basically feeding the master, you know, yeah. it didn't really matter. But this conflict obviously happens with Chernobyl. And yeah, so it, it is pretty interesting though. It's pretty interesting how everything kind of develops in this film. I think it's really fun. I think the aesthetic of this, this film is awesome too. Like just the idea of Leviathan being this huge um, kind of diamond shaped world, you know, or, yeah. it, or the hell is, you know, Leviathan's the God, but uh, I think it's fucking cool looking, man. It's so, mm-hmm. it's so sci-fi I mean, it's and spacey and a little boring. Yeah. Like, I think it's, it's just not like, like, it's just like a triangle pyramid. Type of thing. I it's like that like, simplicity. Yeah, like, I love that simplicity of it. I like how it doesn't get too crazy because there's so much mystery to it because it's a fucking labyrinth. It's literally a yeah. labyrinth. It's Leviathan labyrinth. And or a labyrinth. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Or labyrinth. a labyrinth. Yeah, whatever. You, however, I can't even pronounce it wrong. <laughs> but I think that's very cool because it adds, and that's where I always was disappointed with this franchise because I wanted more of the exploration of that in the later films, which they never did. It never comes back to the labyrinth, you know, and the Leviathan world. And How did JP say it. <laughs> so yours is so much worse i'm just like enunciating it differently you're adding letters <laughs> you're, like, it's true they're both equally retarded. but don't you agree no, though like yours is more retarded <laughs> wouldn't it have been cool for you know another sequel to explore the labyrinth of leviathan yeah, yeah i think would be. Nah, i think one film's enough no um, i i think so, that's totally wrong i think it'd be so fucking cool man I think that, like, 
Because it never goes back to hell. Messy. It never goes back I, I to think, hell. You know. I think this movie is a little messy though. Like, it, there's a lot of subplots. There's all this different stuff happening. I like the overall themes of it. Um, apparently, Andrew Robertson was supposed to reprise his role as Larry, but uh, had some scheduling conflicts, so they actually like rewrote that whole thing. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's probably why that feels a little sloppy. Because oh, like, he just left. <laughs> What's that? He just left. Left what? Is Larry the boyfriend? Oh no! No, Larry's the the father. Father. Yeah. So, um, also, I know that like there was a deeper backstory with Pinhead that they originally was gonna do and they didn't. Um, as well as just just some uh, overall like this was a quick production. This movie came out at, right after the next year. You know what I mean? So I think if they would have took like another year they could have tightened up a lot of stuff and explored some, some different interesting things. Um, but yeah, uh, the guy who plays the dude that thinks that there's bugs in his arms, that is actually the guy who played skinless Frank in the first film. Oh yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously the, the, uh, the actress playing skinless Julia in this film is actually not Claire Higgins when she's skinless. Yeah, I, 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 that too. I the only flaw to that makeup, and I noticed it this time, is you can see her eyelashes. Did you guys notice that? No. Be- because if she didn't have skin, she wouldn't have eyelids, which wouldn't have eyelashes. Or maybe she would have eyelids, but no lashes. I don't know. Probably no eyelids, huh? Skinless. <laughs> yeah. Um. There's a little bit of interesting trivia here. Uh, the uh, horn sound that you hear during the Leviathan scene is actually Morse code for God. <laughs> what? It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Some subliminal stuff going on there. Um, and I think that, uh, th- I mean, this, Roger Ebert hated this movie. Didn't he hate the first one too? Yeah, but he really hated this one. He he said it should have been called Skinned Alive. Um, and he put it on his most hated film list that he did. Skinned Alive? It should have been called Skin Deep. <laughs> so um, we also – like the way that this one ends is, is kind of weird. So like Pinhead becomes a pillar, which sets up the next film. But So like he's kind of beat by Chenard. So yeah. do you think that they had the third one planned or they just took they just kind of roll with that? Cuz if they if they plan on just making two of them that's just the way they were going to end it. I think they I think they 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 actually did have plans for a third film, but it was not what we end up getting. Yeah. I kind of figured that. And I don't think the pillar had much to do with what they were they were actually going to do a prequel next. Um but prequel. Yeah. So um and also Julia, if they were going to do a sequel, they were actually going to um, keep Julia like she was going to be the lead person going uh-huh. forward here, which would have been a nice trilogy of Julia films. Because, like, I always kind of thought she she was, is like a really good horror villain. Yeah. Plus, she didn't look that bad in this movie. Uh, I don't know. I don't think she looks great. In yeah, I would have had enough. But I would pick the first. I would pick first Julia over this one. Oh God, that fucking hair is so <laughs> sleazy and shitty. Oh man, she looks so much better in this one. Um. Also, but. 
Pinhead, one of my favorite lines in this one, he says, your suffering will be legendary even in hell. Like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> like, that is a good one. That is, yeah. some cra- that is some scary thoughts right there. Like, like even in hell, which is so bad already, like, you're going to be known as this legendary yeah, situation. That, that's <laughs> like, a, that's God a, damn. That's a great fucking line, man, by Atkins. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, but uh, uh, what do we got for box office, Jamie? So I couldn't find a budget on this one anywhere. So, but it made twelve point one million dollars at the box office. So, two million less than the last one. Okay. And it says, uh, "Hellbomb was initially rated X by the MPAA, which would have have limited it to those seventeen and older." Barker attributed this to preferring explicit displays of the grotesque rather than hinting at it. Uh, released in 1988, Hellbound grossed $12 million, blah, 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 blah. It says yeah. it's estimated about $3 million, so this movie actually technically made way three. less. Yeah. Three, yeah. $3 million yeah. budget, so yeah. Hmm. Um, I think that this, again, like, I, I mean, I don't know who the audience is for a film like this. Like, you're not going to capture the mainstream audience with a film called Hellraiser, and especially if you know about it, if you know the gr- grotesque nature of it you know yeah i don't know i i guess i just have a different mentality when it comes to things like i mean if i the second i see a poster with a dude with pins in his head and it says hell i'm checking that out but yeah dude you (laughs) but that's the thing i can't speak for everybody else because like i just don't understand why some people don't like the shit that i like sometimes i'm just like what do you mean it's fucking amazing because i can't because we're weird yeah i guess so i guess most people don't like seeing the things we like to see yeah like robert ebert like hate like that everything we love about this movie like he despises which is so fucked to me because i mean at that point it kind of bugs me like i mean he can't even recognize the brilliance in the effects and stuff. It's like, no, it's just, that's just nasty and gross. And that's not yeah. even, you know, it's like more for shock stuff. value, but it's, he's probably think it's more for shock value and stuff. But at the same time, he's still not appreciating the, the art of the effects that are put into this too. It's pretty fucking good for a low budget film. Yeah. Did you guys check out the, uh, um, hospital scene or whatever? Yeah. I've seen it before. Yeah. There, there's like a cut scene. There. Oh yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. isn't fully intact and being being able to insert it or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. Anyway, ratings. Jeremy. Eight out of ten. Lower, lower. Yeah, this is uh, you know with all the the issues in this film, uh, it doesn't. This one doesn't bug me, man. It's got way better pacing. I think the aesthetic of it is so much more desirable. You know, I like how this one explores the hell. It, it does so much more, um, but it's just to me, it's so much more of a Hellraiser film because you get a lot more depth to it, a lot more story and stuff. Um, but I'm also coming in at a nine out of ten on this one. Same rating as the first one, even though I enjoy this film more. Um, but nine, nine out of ten. Yeah, uh, I really, really, really like Hellraiser too. I, I, I find it more entertaining for sure. Um, I don't think it's a better movie. Uh, I think that I've found way more problems in it this time watching it than I ever had before. Like even like stuff as simple as the wind tunnel makes no fucking sense whatsoever when they're, you know, being blown away and then like 
Kirsty has on Julia's skin, which doesn't make sense. And then like the fact that as soon as they get like up, the the wind just stops. So like it, like if you watch that scene, the scene makes no sense. But um, I'm still coming in pretty high on this one. Uh, I'm coming in at eight point five out of ten. Cool. Cool shit. So what's the uh, the addition on that one there, Brainiac Jeremy? <laughs> It all it made the uh, Hall of Fame. No, it didn't. No, that one definitely didn't. <laughs> That's minus two, minus one and a half, minus one. Definitely not. Yeah. That's kind of what I figured. Just coming in there. Who are you? Explorers in the further regions of experience. Demons to some, angels to others. Alright, so moving along here into the nineties. 1992 with Hellraiser 3 Hell on Earth <laughs> directed by Anthony Hickox uh what the fuck else does this guy do uh Hick- Hickox has done a bunch of stuff yeah, he's done like waxwork that's uh, why I know waxwork him as. 1 and 2 um he also did he do one of the hell uh one of the wishmasters can't remember what i know he he's did done warlock. Some stuff. he did no. warlock yeah, the coolest, too, the coolest right? thing this guy did, man, he directed yeah. Motorhead's Hellraiser video. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I like Anthony Hickox. He's he's fun to listen to talk about. I was bummed that Arrow didn't get him for a commentary because he's like down with doing that all the time. Um, so yeah, he did Warlock Two. Really? Not There's the no commentary one. on there. Fine, I never even looked. No, no. That's Which shitty. I was like coming. And and the ones that are on there are ported from the original DVDs. So there's no new commentary on that release. Wow. I was kind of annoyed by that. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh again written by Peter Atkins based on Clive Barker's characters obviously. Uh yeah. I don't know if I want to read that. That synopsis is fucking stupid. But that one's too long, so we're just going to go with this one. An investigative reporter must send the newly unbound Pinhead and his legions back to hell. (laughs) There we go. So this movie, um, originally, because Clive Barker was involved with the early development, maybe even producing, um, he wanted to set it in the ancient Egypt and the pyra- oh. one of the pyramids was going to be the puzzle box. I like that idea. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's kind of cool. No, Jeremy? Eh, I don't want to see a fucking ancient Egypt story. Fuck oh, what? Fuck, fuck you and your, and your fucking timepieces, man. What the hell is... You must have a real problem with Bloodline, then. No, it's okay. It's not fucking ancient Egypt. Ancient Egypt is fucking. That's cool shit, man. Yeah, pyramids and shit. That's very. Well, I mean, super hell, interesting, dude. They had like they had all sorts of crazy torture. Like, I want to see Pen. I want to see Penhead go out in the fucking modern world and fuck shit up like he does in this one. Ugh. See, you know, I, <laughs> oh, I I always man. I always appreciated this film for what it is, but it it, it completely is not what I ever wanted. You know, yeah. I wanted to explore, like I said, you know, Leviathan more. And it's still pretty interesting that this one is solely based on Earth, you know? This one is... It's kind of an interesting premise, but... Heavily inspired by Freddy Krueger. This is is Pinhead becoming a slasher villain. Like, that's... 
that's yeah. what the studio wanted for this film and and that's kind of what they they pushed heavily um i like certain aspects of this movie you know that it, it opens up like we have sort of like a re tread of frank's character with jp um i don't think that he's as vile as frank but they try to make him i just i don't know if the casting was right for him uh he just comes off like spoiled rich kid a little bit to me. What do yeah, you guys they, think? they they try to show that he's a womanizer and stuff, but it's not. We really. never like know like if he a spoiled rich kid or did he just build this bar and that's how he got his fucking money. Well, I don't. I assume somebody that young owning a nightclub and I and and he doesn't seem like the most intelligent dude in the not world. Not only did he know own the light, like that was he owned that whole building. Like he lived upstairs. Yeah, and he he collected rare art. And, yeah, and like he lived upstairs, like that, so. and the club was downstairs, and, and apparently it was like soundproof too. That's bizarre. I feel like he had to have <laughs> some money. Yeah, um. <laughs> Which, yeah they, they never tell you exactly, but he was obviously portrayed as that womanizer type person, piece of shit and stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, but I, I mean, I, I fucking, I do like the statue, whatever you want to call it in this. I the pillar, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, pil- the pillar like statue. How it even has like the uh, it has that face from the from the first film too in there. Um, mm. Who the fuck is in there? I'm totally slipping my mind. Anyways, but that I think that's kind of cool, kind of a nice little throwback. I mean, to the it first definitely film. looks different from the pillar we saw in the se- end of the second film, but <laughs> that's you know definitely true, definitely true. <laughs> but I kind of I kind of like the you know. But you know oh, th- this man. movie. This movie right here kind of starts off the whole investigative sequel idea. Yep. It <laughs> carries know? on through the entire fucking every fucking franchise. movie is something to do with somebody investigating, reporting, or detectiving something. And they don't know mm. if they're in hell or in reality. All that bullshit. Yeah. Well, that's later so, on, but this one's well, pretty straightforward. This one yeah, is. I mean, so we have this Joey character who. Uh, which this is one of the things that I never understood about this film. She goes, she's told to go down to the uh, hospital and and see if there's any news journalism type shit down there. And she sees this dude r- being rushed in with the chains, you know, the box and stuff like that. Yeah. And we that's where we're introduced to the Terry character who is like kind of a lost child type runaway looking type girl who she was JP's sort of girlfriend hot. that just got kicked out. Yeah. Sort of hot. Yeah, kind of dumb, yeah. ditzy. Um, you could tell definitely uh, naive. Oh, um, I used so- to fantasize <laughs> when this movie came out. I was twelve. I was pretty much jerking off a lot, so she was the main focus in my spank bank. I always liked her, man. She was <laughs> hot, man. Yeah, she's she's good looking. Um, yeah. so but one of the things I never understood is why this ha- guy has the puzzle box. Does he, or is it part of the statue? No, he has the puzzle box yeah. in, with the hooks and stuff. He opened the box, and then that's when Terry tells uh, Joey about JP and like all the stu- stuff that happened there, and, and that's when she goes and, and investigates JP. But why does this guy have the puzzle box? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. It is I don't know, maybe JP. just maybe the fucking puzzle box picked this guy just like you. But isn't fucking... the puzzle box in the pillar or something? Or isn't it like like well, that's why, what I said? I even like, wrote that why down. Why would he I have said... the pillar in the puzzle box? Actually, no, it I wasn't. Yeah, I don't know what happened to it. No, it was never in the in the pillar. Maybe it was just assumed no, it was yeah, supposed to be. Yeah, you're right. Well, it yeah. was in the pillar at the end of the second one, I think. 
No. Well, it says Pinhead is trapped along with the puzzle box, along with the figures and distorted faces etched into the surface of a carved pillar. So I guess it is in the pillar. But but my point remains the same: is they didn't like yeah. like like Pinhead comes out of the the pillar. Like, why was the box there too? Damn it! Uh-huh. And why does this random ass dude have it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good questions. And like, it's just. A, a, a plot hole to get Joey to have the puzzle box and to get them because at this point Pinhead hasn't even begun to be resurrected yet. Yeah. <laughs> so who the hell was the Cenobites that even came for that dude? <laughs> and how how are they coming open without the box being open? Well, he it's he opened the box. Obviously. Yeah, he opened he the box. The hooks in it. Yeah. Do we see him? But yeah, like box? how no, does he comes in with the hooks hanging out of his skin and. And Terry says he was fucking with this thing. <laughs> Maybe they're just fucking running. Oh, that guy. The head explosion. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Who so do you think we were talking about this whole time? It actually doesn't Jeez. even make sense at all. I never really thought of it like that. Yeah, but that's a good point. Yeah. So, um, what's, the, what's the name of the douchebag who owns the club? Isn't that JP? That's yeah. JP. But J, so we're not. We weren't talking about JP. We were talking about that dude at the beginning of the film that okay. comes in and his head all explodes. Right, right. Yeah. Which doesn't explode later on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, actually, you know what? Funny story about that. The original, like, cut release didn't have the head explosion at all. It just had the monitor flatlining. So I think, like, when they, like, there was some editing issues when they put that back in. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) The shit is ridiculous. Redonkulous. Yeah, it just so, made me laugh because it's like as clear as day. Like anybody notices it. Yeah, and there's something at the later in the film too where a car hits a tele like a light pole and the te- light pole breaks before the car hits it. <laughs> I I noticed that years ago. Nice, like, I'd never noticed that. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, so this JP dude, I don't know. Like he he resurrects Pinhead, kind of like he's he basically has sex with this girl and like he kicks her out or something and doesn't her blood like get on the pillar or something like that yeah and then pinhead's like hey like it it brings them half to life brings them half to life yeah but he's still stuck in the pillar and he's like hey bring me more souls which is like such an odd moment too because if you had this pillar with these faces on it and something like that happens something like that happens yeah just ate a girl in front of you wouldn't you fucking freak the fuck out and be like, okay? Yeah, because he's all into that fucking goth shit. Yeah, yeah but dude, but you don't know that's not going to happen to you like, at that present moment, though. Like he just sucked in the. He's not ch- like Chenard, where he knows all this stuff about it. He's going in blank. He's just into like he bought that as a, things. But Jeremy, he bought that as an art piece. He wasn't yeah. expecting to eat yeah. his fuck his fuck buddies. Right. Yeah. So and, and then Pinhead's like, "You like art, don't you? Like, I can show you all kind of cool art." And then like, yeah. and then he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah. Let me get my girlfriend Terry to feed you next." <laughs> like, it makes no sense why this JP dude would be like, "Okay, down with this yeah. at all." Like any normal person, any even douchebag person would be like, "I don't know." I but he's a total doucher, though. Guy. It's like, yeah, yeah. okay, this oh, guy's a, huge. this guy's a total womanizer. He can get any girl he wants because he owns a fucking club. He's got girls at his dispense all the time. But then yet he still calls up fucking Terry, you know, and and gets her to come down. It's like, dude, you have a million girls yeah, right downstairs. I, I why really, do you have, like why do you have to I call like her Harry. up? 
I like Terry, but at the same time, like she's annoying and dumb. Yeah, you know I mean, what I mean. Well, like, I she's mean, super dumb. Yeah, she's supposed to be that character though. But she's made all the wrong decisions in her life. She's all fucked up with this JP character, and she you can tell that she's into drugs and stuff. And yeah, she's just that character, right? She's just that lost soul. You know, it's kind of what they're alluding to. And, but and and the only thing that the only like depth that this one has is that we learn a little bit more about Elliot Spencer. Yeah, and the and um, we. We learn that, and like, there's a backstory with this Joey girl where her father was killed in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Which, which so, which kind of plays into the whole uh, Pinhead, the Elliot's story a little bit. Um, yeah. So, like, okay, so Elliot can visit this girl in her dreams, mm-hmm. and the only explanation we're given to that is well Elliot and Pinhead have been separated from the second film apparently we we learned that happened yes. so like Pinhead is now his sort of own entity and and Elliot is his sort of own entity yeah he's like in a different kind of realm he's like well, he said he says if you dream of one war you dream of all wars so that's yeah. the explanation to why he can communicate with Joey because she's dreaming of her dad in Vietnam <laughs> <laughs> and I believe that's a line that Elliot gives is if you dream of one more, you dream of all wars. Hmm. <laughs> but it, it, I mean, other than that, I mean, it makes no sense why she would be, he would be able to contact her. Right. Like he doesn't know her. I guess it's because she's the one that's trying to figure this whole thing out. I don't know. <laughs> that's a good point though. Uh, she, she's the link because she's that? involving herself into the situation, I guess. Yeah. I well, mean, I think I, right. So like, I guess that's happens, just the way it comes. I it's think like, like what happens at the end of Hellraiser two is that's what frees pinhead to know that he has two different selves. I think before Hellraiser two, he didn't know that he had his two sides. And I think it's the offense that happened at the end of Hellraiser two is what leads to this narrative in Hellraiser three, where he has two sides. Yeah. Yeah. But why can't he talk to Joey? Why can Elliot talk to Joey is what we were asking. Oh, because her father has connection to Vietnam. I don't know. That's yeah. But Elliot is from Vietnam. I know. No, no, no. Elliot. I always thought it's because she's involved herself into this story. I guess. I mean, if if you want to go with that, but why isn't he reaching out to Kirsty? Fuck. I don't know. She's not important for another four, three, three movies. Ashley Lawrence does have a cameo in this one, though, right? She she does, but I mean, Joey's you know she's the main attraction. Yeah, I mean, I, she's I, the I, one I that so. she's the one that's really involved herself into the story, and I think that that is the link. I mean, if he links her to her, then they can figure out how to destroy this, right? So yeah, it, I mean, it just, just, essentially we're making up more roles again. Yeah, yeah, and again, so, it's not told to you, but you kind of have to figure it out. But she is the link, yeah. though. So, yeah. And like, I don't know, like this one to me, like I used to love this one and I still do like it because it's kind of fun, but I don't think that it's great. And, and, no, it, and no. it's really kind of has no depth that the previous two films had. It's more of just like a romp because like it gets a, away like a, from everything that they were doing before. This one basically is like you said off the top of this, it's more of a, a slasher gore fest. Yeah. And, they're not even really trying is, to do much. I mean, like a, a little bit with the pinhead character, the Elliot character, but all in all, no, this one is pretty straightforward. And yeah, it's not, well, it's not giving know, any more depth. We know that pinhead now wants to be 
on like out of hell like he no longer wants that role of of the the cenobite guy he wants to now be like on earth which i never which i never fully understood like i don't know what is the intention had bad vibes with what happened in the previous film with uh the way things went down he's like fuck this i guess you could i don't know man it 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 seems like if you were pinhead you're you're kind of almost exposing yourself in the real world you know i think you're a little bit safer in the hell world is he able to even go back to the other world right he's stuck in a goddamn pillar I would assume maybe somehow like if you if you can get someone to open that box, maybe you could probably step through the the porthole again. I guess considering he still is technically a Cenobite, I don't see why he couldn't just go back through the way he came. Um, but who knows? I mean, that's yeah, why that, that's where the I power lies. It, that's where the I power lies it. is in hell. Like I mean, on Earth, he's exposed. He can die. Like he's basically you know when you step through that porthole into the real world. You become. I, that, I think that's Freddy rules, though. I don't think that applies to Pinhead. He he doesn't look like he's just able to be killed with like sh- being shot at or anything. I don't know. That's like Freddy's rules when he comes I, a little bit, a little, a little bit. It is kind of. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think Pinhead still has all the powers he had. But I just, in hell. he's just able to walk the earth now. I guess. I guess, but talk he talk about. Go ahead. I mean, if he's resurrected in Earth, I, I don't know. They don't really explain it, right? Who knows? I just feel like he loses a little bit of power because hell is it, his but domain. It doesn't look like Earth he does, isn't though, his, right? Like, it, there's it, nothing that indicates that he lost power. No, no. Can we talk about the insane Cenobites in this movie. <laughs> the, like uh, yeah, this fucking, was the movie the where the CD Cenobite is absolutely oh, the most ridiculous fucking thing it, in the entire it, series. It's it's now, CD the but DJ. Dude, I swear to God, when that when this movie was like in the '90s, like people thought that was cool. Like yeah, I swear yeah. to God, I thought people like always said that that was one of their favorite Cenobites. Like, like, I remember conversations on the playground, but like now it's just so damn dated. This one is yeah. so gimmicky with the Cenobites. Oh, big I think time. that the concept here is like, oh, like 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 every Hellraiser movie, we're just gonna have new Cenobites, and because everybody loved those, they were really cool. Yeah, but how do they like, get turned into Cenobites without going to Leviathan to get turned into fucking because Cenobites? Pinhead clearly has the powers to turn them into Cenobites too. Get the fuck out of here. Then why didn't he do it in the other two? They movies? do break all the rules in this, man. Yeah. Because, well, like, he why kills. Why he need to? He, he had his crew. So, why is only. I, I, I guess he just kind of picks and chooses after he kills who's going to get turned well, into a Cenobite. Yeah, that's because pretty much it. because what happened? This huge massacre happens. He kills fucking like four thousand people, and, and then of that, and then that like scene would never happen today. And then like six people come back as Cenobites. <laughs> it's like what? I guess he needed to create a little bit of an army though, too, right? But yeah, I mean, well, it is he super needs, gimmicky. And he even says a line like, "These guys aren't as good as my last crew, but they'll be fine," or something like that. He says something along those lines where he references his old comrades. Yeah, he does. That's so massacre scene, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's is, another pe- period piece. They they did that a lot because they do that in like one of the Wishmasters too. They just massacre everybody in a in a giant party setting. <laughs> so I was telling I was telling Jeremy actually in the in the unrated version, there's a little bit more footage that they inserted from the Laserdisc edition. Uh, it's in full screen. You can totally tell with with you know the inserted footages, which I do like that because it's nice to have that comparison. Um, but during that scene when it's kind of panning around the uh, the massacre, there is a lot more gore scenes. 
Like there's like I don't fucking, think I watched that version. Yeah, there's fucking feet hanging. There's like more gore and dead bodies and shit. And and actually, there's another scene too with uh, with Penhead's real character um, when it's kind of panning around in the war world. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot. There's dead soldiers everywhere, and there's carnage and shit like that. There's quite a bit that's actually cut out of the the theatrical oh. version. So Pinhead, yeah. I think like like we were talking about earlier, like part threes, like all the franchises have the best looking villain, like the best he looks in the entire franchise. Like Chucky looks the best in Child's Play Three, is my opinion. Freaking Freddy in Nightmare Three. This movie, Pinhead, definitely looks the best out of the entire franchise. Like when he. This is the first time, well, the only time we see Pinhead in color, and he looks, like, fucking amazing. That scene, that's my favorite scene in the movie, is the scene between, what the hell's her fucking name? Joey and and Pinhead in the in the battlefield. Like, that scene's fucking awesome. Mm. So, What do you mean, Pinhead, the only time we see him in color? What does that mean? Like, like that's the only time we see him in daylight in the entire franchise, oh. is that scene. Like bright colors like we see like his like his chest is like red like we don't see that in any other scene in or in the entire franchise if you really think about it like it's always like a bluish uh. tint to it like that's the only time like like wow this is like bright yeah greens and reds and and it's it's, it's one of my favorite scenes of the franchise actually it's really the the one of the problems I have with this one is it just doesn't add anything new to the franchise like other than creating new Cenobites like, it, it kind of plays on that dynamic that was set up in the previous film with Elliot and Pinhead, but that kind of doesn't go anywhere. They they morph heads and then Pinhead consumes him. And then, um, like, the same thing happens. Like, they just fuck with the box and they kill all the Cenobites. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's... It, it, like, the club scene is cool and stuff like that, but it really doesn't add anything new. No, it doesn't. I mean, Other it creates than being a little... on Earth. It actually raises a lot of questions, like all the kind of nonsensical things that are happening, like just with visions and, and odd things that are happening. Like he question, I think it's the there's a scene with the VHS tape, like how it's coming through. Like he, he can just project himself in the real world like that, you know, to kind, fucking Pennywise. Yeah, to kind of change things and kind of give those visions to people. And I don't know, it just happens throughout the film so often. You, you're always questioning, like, how the fuck is that happening? right like yeah there, there's some cool scenes with pinhead though i mean he has that um, yeah this is the most we see him oh this oh, is yeah. the most screen it is that it actually is he gets like yeah like triple the screen time in any other film it's crazy yeah so which is good you know you you learn more about his character yeah he has he has those like cool moments where he's like uh in the cathedral and stuff and he like does that thing where he like looks like jesus on the cross which is kind of dirty you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah uh so she drops it in concrete correct jp not quicksand it's concrete yeah i don't know where to fucking got quicksand at but yeah because it's sunk it was was yeah but they're they're in a construction yard damn it (laughs) um but so one of my favorite lines in this one is when this priest is all like, you're going to burn in hell for this. And Pinhead's like, burn? Oh, you have such a limited imagination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. again, like Pinhead just has like the greatest like poetic, like just badass lines ever, you know? Um, 
So we have those. What, okay, so what do we have for Cenobites in this one? We have oh, we CD got, dude. We got we the fucking the, the cameraman camera guy. guy. <laughs> camera Which is guy. like, why would you choose him as a Cenobite? He's old as fuck. What a retarded <laughs> choice. <laughs> yeah, it was her. It was to create dude. the gimmick of the yeah. camera. I mean, it's yeah. yeah. I know, but he's an old man. It's like if I was to pick a Cenobite, I'd pick somebody muscular and yeah, but ready age, to fuck shit up. I don't think age really matters when you become a Cenobite. I, I mean, yeah. And how, how come when he changes them into a Cenobite, they like don their like leather garbs and stuff like that, right? Like, and, he, and, and, <laughs> and like and that goth, comes with it. <laughs> the goth trick, she gets turned into a Cenobite. Yeah, she's like a smoker. Ter- Terry, yeah. Yeah, she just, that's her. She's and like the that, female Cenobite with it's one a thi- cigarette in her throat. That, that's one thing about Stupid. this film. That's one thing about this film that I noticed is so early 90s, that whole kind of. Uh, uh, coffee and cigarette time. You know, every fucking scene yeah. in this movie, well, somebody dude, is smoking. You know it's very, um, it's very hip, and you know, Tony, it's just smoking. One of the one of the creators of, I believe, the last one, like Tony Randall or Pete, whatever. Uh, like I forget what, which guy it was, but they said that today, if you write a scene with a cigarette or something, it has to get like approved through like all these studio heads and stuff like that. Jesus. It's like such a taboo. Now. Oh, really? Not a scene of massacring an entire room of people. Yeah, like That's you have totally to, okay. like you have to actually, like he said he was writing for a TV show, and um, and even like even when you think about it, like even that scene in Freddy vs Jason, like that would never happen today either, and that was, I don't know, dude, yeah. I don't know where you keep coming up with this, like you can't because they don't want to have people <laughs> because of all like, these shootings. It wasn't it wasn't a big deal, not as big as a big deal. They back do in Carrie today. Uh, I I um, I guess so. But, I mean, um, but the cigarette thing—that's just fucking stupid, man. Yeah. That's that's how that that's how he said he was writing a TV show and it was like set in like the forties or something where was, smoking like, was glamorous. And he was like he's like writing him with a cigar and he had to get it like approved. <laughs> Jeez, how times have changed, right? You got to get approved yeah. to smoke a cigarette on a Hollywood film. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> where it used to be but, like if you didn't smoke, you weren't cool. Yeah, right. Fuck. Just like if you didn't have CDs in your head, you weren't cool. Yeah, fucking rights, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, like I, I there's not. Oh, JP gets a centibite too. He gets pistons in his head for some reason. No, well, it shows you how much I remember him. Well, that's because he. Well, that's how he died. Right, so they just kind of yeah, kept yeah, him, just they just kind of kept him the way he was. I guess I don't know. He died from pistons in his head. Yeah, he got stabbed in the that. head with those things. Yeah, and then they just started working uh, in his head. <laughs> so okay, yeah. It feels like this movie, like at the end, it turns into like a full blown like Nightmare City action movie when she's fucking running and they're fucking blowing shit up. And yeah, that's kind of like dude. There is some cool imagery there, yeah. like with them walking on the down the, the streets street and stuff. Like it's totally, it's totally that. It feels like post-apocalyptic world right there. Yeah. Cars are yeah. blown up. Cenobites are walking the earth. <laughs> with more money, you could have even made this movie cooler. Like it does feel more like more low budget than the other two. It's funny because if you really look at reality, it's probably the biggest film that they've done in terms of like you know just Scope, visual yeah. visuals i mean exploding cars right there i mean that shit definitely didn't happen in the first two i mean that's yeah. that's production right there well, i bet you they but, just fucking how much you want to bet that they used the same set as wayne's world the gas works and they use in this movie it looks like literally the fucking same fucking place I, how much you want to bet you it's the same set but it probably is yeah i bet you it is but um 
anything else? My amazing thoughts on this movie, award-winning thoughts. There's some more, there's some more titties in the uncut version. I know they cut the scene in the. That's another the, thing with this movie. There's in the like, club, definitely don't show titties that much in this movie. As much in, in any of them, really. Well, no, the, I mean, yeah. there's there's tits in every film they managed to, ex- even the first one. I mean, there's even a quick little shot of uh, of Julia's tits. I think are shown. But is there is there boobs in the second one though? I believe I there is so. at one point. I think. Do they kill one of the girls upstairs? Th- yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like I'm pretty it. sure there is. I mean, tits make an appearance in every film. Um, it, there's not, just not an abundance considering oh, not the last one <laughs> consider yeah well considering you know like just the whole pain and sadomasochistic mm-hmm. angle and stuff you think that you would see a little bit more of that but i guess it it, it kind of goes it kind of goes down that going into nipples and shit well it goes it goes down that sleazy road right you know it, you show too much it might get a little bit too sleazy but i mean you're still dealing with sadomasochism and so but what's weird about this one is like it really feels very different from all the other Hellraisers. Like, how, Pinhead's kind of known as like a slasher villain, but this is really the only film in which he's like a slasher he's killer. Really guy. a slasher villain? He doesn't really like. Sl- no, 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 not like in the, the well. That's not what slasher means, first of all. But like, I'm not saying that this movie is a slasher. I'm saying like it's like this iconic like. Like he goes on a murdering rampage in that in that like you know it, this is the one that's pushed in the boundaries of trying to make him a slasher villain essentially not in the terms of the the setup of a slasher movie like picking people off one by one and stuff like that but I'm saying like pushing the narrative of him being like this the center killing motivator in yeah in well the the, the focus of the first two films the story was not there in this one I mean he was just. He's on Earth and he's just killing people. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, it was. Yeah, and, the motives and, were different. And, the motives were a lot and, different. It wasn't about getting that power. We don't see it again either, though. In, yeah. in any of the other films. So, like, this is really the only one where it was oh, like it, it gives it a completely different feel. Like slasher icon Pinhead is yeah. is what this one is. Kind of weird. They just really try to up the ante in this one, obviously with the club massacre and stuff. But there is a really cool scene actually uh, involved like, where that uh, that statue thing is. And the chick gets her fucking skin ripped off. I yeah. like that scene, man. It looks pretty gnarly. It just fucking tears off her body. You're like, oh yeah, that's good shit. That's <laughs> oh, good yeah. shit. It just looks. It looks like it fucking hurt, man. <laughs> like obviously your skin being torn off, you would hurt. But even in that scene, you're like, shit. Oh, but I don't know. I thought there so, were some pretty cool scenes. I, I like think that. like the only like the, I guess like the point is that Pinhead wants to like walk Earth and be like. Like maybe he wants he wants to turn Earth into hell too. He's showing his dominance. I mean, by causing but, that much carnage and shit, he's just trying to become. Like, he's almost so like a Hitler like, character for fuck's sakes in this film. So is it the, only like the box that could stop him? And like he's like after the box, like because mm. so, he like tries to get the box off. Of I her. think isn't it? His yeah, other, yeah. E- isn't it his good ego that could stop him too though? But he doesn't. He just absorbs him. Yeah. Does, like, no, he has to, he has to he has to retain that box or. If it's opened up, then he can be sent back through, right? And at this yeah, point, he's made the conscious annoying. decision. He's made the decision that he's, <laughs> I need to retain that box so I can stay on Earth and oh, be, basically become, basically become Hitler. He was a fucking Dude, Hitler. Kid. He was trying to take over the yeah. world, which is cool, I guess. Um, but fuck you. Like for Pinhead to do it in a yeah. movie, yeah. not like a real guy. Um, but like. I'm one thing I am very happy with with 
like th- this one sort of ending besides the next one kind of but like we don't see this the classic ending of them just rubbing the box and banishing the Cenobites back to hell like that doesn't happen again thank god I was like so burnt out on it on this one you know like they do the same shit every time yep so let's get into ratings what well box office what do we got for that 12.5 million from 898 theaters so this is their budget nope so it made it made more than the last one right didn't that one only make 12 yep and on release reviews of hellraiser 3 were overall more positive than hellbound uh kane attributes this to the film's more commercial aspirations than the previous two films you know what man this one was only shown in what close to 900 theaters yeah Yeah, it's so fucking crazy man it's so crazy because i actually saw this in the cinema remember i told the story one on here before and it was it was like a midnight showing or something like that we got one showing of it and uh but yeah i remember seeing this one was definitely promoted a fuck ton more I mean, I, I don't remember when Hellraiser 1 and 2 first came out. But, I mean, I remember seeing, you know, the trailers for this all the time. There was lots of promotion for this film. I'm surprised it was only in 900 theaters for how much they were promoting it. So Yeah, prob- but back then there wasn't, like, 20 movie theater multiplexes like there are now. So I guess so. I guess so. Makes but, sense. But, yeah, but they definitely promoted the shit out of this one. So that's probably why it did better commercially and stuff. But I'm surprised the reviews are better than Hellbound. Was yeah. this the first that's Miramax shocking. one? Correcto. That, yes, okay, I, I, I'm so shocked. The first, a little bit shocked about that, one. but but yeah, I do remember because I mean, you know, '92, and this one was definitely promoted to hell. So yeah, and and even Clive Barker it. promoted this one. Yeah. He was he he pushed this one. I think he was still ha- somewhat they, involved as a producer. They probably had quite a bit. You know, I, I imagine the budget was a lot higher, so they're like, "Hey, we need to, yeah. we need to put some money in, into this to make it back." So. But I, I do sense. know that um, Peter Jackson was actually asked to direct this one. Oh, that's right. That's right. I actually yeah. had it written down. That would have been cool. He would have fucking had some crazy shit at the massacre scene. I bet you yeah. the Cenobites would have looked cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not as cool as the CD one. CD the DJ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> CD the DJ. <laughs> I love that. So good. All right, what is what do you rate in this one, Mids? Oh man, Peter Atkins actually makes an appearance in this film. Yeah, isn't he like the camera dude or something? Rick the barman slash Barbie Cenobite. Oh yeah, he's the uh, the one that has the cocktails and he blows the flames. And oh stuff. yeah, okay, <laughs> that's hilarious. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, man, Hellraiser three not a, not the greatest movie in the world, but it's it's super fun. I have you know a lot of nostalgia with this film. Because this was like one of the earliest films I remember seeing in, in the cinema. Uh, horror films, I should say. Um, it was, you know, a little tougher to get into when I was, before I was 12. I probably shouldn't even have been allowed to go into this one. But I remember watching this in the cinema and being like, that is fucking, it was kick-ass. Always enjoyed this one. It's just more of the fun factor. It's a totally different film. doesn't add anything to the franchise except for the fun factor, which is enough to give me to give it a you learn some stuff about his you do side you do but it's just like this one goes so off base you know from the first two films you know that you know we're in this hell world and now we're in our hell world which is reality 
It's just not as cool. No, we're man. not in Hell World yet. We're on Hell we're in Hell on Earth. <laughs> yeah, we're on Hell. Yeah, we go to Hell World later on the computer. Yeah. So I, I'm coming in at a seven on this one. I've I think this movie's fun as hell. It's just it's good for it's a great popcorn flick. You know, you don't have to think too hard about it. It's got some hot chicks in it. Terry's hot. Uh, Joey's fucking smoking hot in this film. So that's cool enough. It's got mm. some titties and gore and the fun factors there. So yeah, you know what uh, I. I like this one as a, as a fun film. I don't think it's that overly that good, um, but it's definitely entertaining. And I, I always used to like watching this one. Like this was one that I would get excited when it would come on TV uh, as a, as a kid. It used to always air. And um, I came in at a seven as well. Seven for me too. Look at my letterbox. Wow. Triple sevens. Yeah, I was shocked you if they came in. This. I thought you were coming in lower than that, but. No, I've always liked this one. It's just, you know, it's definitely a step down, but still fun. Sevens all around. Wow. We'll tear your soul apart. Alrighty, so jumping a little bit more into the 90s here, into the year 1996 with Hellraiser Bloodline, which it's funny, man, the poster... That's on INDB here, looks like, or it says Hellraiser 4 Bloodline. Yep. But I don't think I've ever seen any That's edition. The UK poster. Yeah, I've I never think. seen any other edition or anything say 4 on it, but. Which annoys me. I wish they had to put the numbers in there. No, because I think 1 through 4 is fine to have the numbers because they follow a chronological story. But after 4, fuck that. I mean, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, honestly, I wish they were all numbered, but that's just. Nah. Uh, Peter Atkins also wrote this film here, directed by Kevin Yeager. 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 As Alan Smithy, um, this guy really hasn't. I was about dir- to say Kevin Yeager didn't direct his shit. Alan Smithy did. Yeah. Well, it's just because he didn't want his name to be on it. That's right. Um, I know, I'm making a joke. So that's a pseudonym for directors in the, uh, I believe, the Directors Guild. That <clears throat> if you are unhappy you can take your name off of it and replace it with alan smithy um unless you publicly bash the film in the case of american history x where the director was not allowed to take his name off of the film because he publicly bashed it so there is that rule mighty ducks the animated series alan smithy (laughs) um yeah he hasn't really directed much this was the last movie that he directed uh, he directed a it was couple. The only movie he directed. Yeah, yeah, the one and only. Uh, before that, he directed a couple episodes of Tales from the Crypt, which was Lower Birth and Strung Along. That's it. That's it for his uh, directing career. Yeah, but he was a makeup artist on the final chapter, Nightmare Two, Nightmare Three. Really? Child's Play. That's pretty cool. Nightmare Four. Worked in lots of major franchises. Bill and Ted: Excellent Adventure. Nice. Wow! So he actually was—he did a lot for the children. Uh, children in the Corn Three. Yeah, too bad he couldn't. Of... Too bad he didn't know how to make Chicago look like Chicago. But that's another. He's kind of like a director for hire, you know. Yeah. Doesn't have so, much credentials, so they get him for cheap to direct a film. But yeah. What do we have for. Oh. All right. So, quick little synopsis here in the. 22nd century a scientist attempts <laughs> <laughs> attempts to right the wrong his ancestor created the puzzle box that opens the gates of hell and unleash pinhead and his cenobite legions so the last film in the timeline 
uh, for now. Pretty interesting one. No, it is. For now. Uh, for now. <laughs> do, you think any film is, do you think any film after Judgment's going to go past 21, 27? Oh, you mean... Okay. I it's the last the final the film that was con- con- had continuity with no, the other no. films. Yeah. It's the last in the timeline. Well, yeah, obviously. Any film set in space is going to be the, the yeah, final Yeah, but you have fucking line. six films after it, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, this one this one was originally pitched from, as Clive, from Clive Barker as, like, an anthology-type series. I think the comic books were uh, gaining steam at the time, uh, which I believe are in individual, like, anthology format stories involving the Cenobites and, and the puzzle box and stuff. And, and he kind of pitched it as a, as a three-part series, like, like a three-part anthology almost, where it was going to be like past, present, and future. Um, and it was supposed to be set in Victorian London in the early stages. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of didn't like his idea so much, and they kind of took the basic idea of the past, present, future, and then um, kind of changed it around a bit. But they said it in France instead of yeah. So in London. So the initial part of the story starts in twenty one twenty seven in space, and it, and it follows. Uh, of course, what's a part four without space? One of the one of the characters uh, played by Bruce Ramsey plays all the characters in the film. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's basically on this spaceship and he's trying to create a way to. To right the wrongs he wants to create a way that he can you know kind of essentially crush uh hell you know he's trying to figure a way he can totally annihilate it uh but here's where my question comes in i don't know if i missed this this time around or so he's on the space ship thing <laughs> and he's trying to do what he's trying to do here and uh so the space police come in and basically arrest him for yeah. doing whatever yeah. and shit like that. So what exactly is their motives for arresting him? Because they just don't understand what he's doing or he is... Well, I would think like the police... This isn't his spaceship. It's somebody else's spaceship who probably has the laminate configuration. And he found out that this person has it. So he's trying to fucking close it. So... Somebody else doesn't um, open by, it. By creating, by creating a way with, with the lights and all that shit to, to close out hell. So they come yeah. in and arrest him. So he's, so the reason why he's being arrested is because he's on a foreign ship. He's on a, not on his yeah. own ship. Okay. So then the story proceeds. He starts to tell this, uh, this character, this female character, um, you know, that he, he needs to be let go, you know, you, See, I'm not to finish his work. sure based on the ending that we get. Yeah. That it wasn't his ship because we see the ending like, I was, what happens i was always confused but I, I don't know but anyways so he sits down he has a one-on-one with this chick and he's like hey this is what i'm trying to accomplish here you need to let me go because you guys are all doomed right now and then mm-hmm. the story goes back into it, it basically goes into an origin story um i think it takes place like in the 1700s i believe or something like yep, that it, like almost the 1800s like 1796 where his ancestor um has created this uh has built the lamont configuration for somebody else who ultimately turns into the portal for to hell <laughs> which in itself try and explain that to me so he cre- he builds this box for this dude 
and how does it become the porthole to hell? Uh, it's kind of unexplained, but yes. it, it very led much to believe that this guy um, like was he has some the occult, and he knows something about stuff, but he doesn't know anything about you know architecture or we whatever. D- we do get that that we understand like this guy that he builds it for is into the occult and stuff, but I just like, I've always been confused by the fact of how this thing is is created like there it doesn't show you anything it just happens you know it just kind of well, creates this portal i assume that you know whatever occult this guy's into he knows the specifications for the talks to make it maker. yeah that's i mean it's kind of um alluded that that's the case but the toy maker was totally unaware of what exactly he was creating then yeah sure yeah but yeah. Th- but he still gets damned the whole bloodline gets damned because he still created this thing, even though he was not fully aware that he was creating the porthole to, to hell. Um, <laughs> wait, what, who damns the bloodline? Well, they say, they say in dialogue in the film that since the toy maker was the one that created this, his whole bloodline gets basically damned. But nothing happens to him. They're all like successful architects. I don't know. That's what they say. There's the retarded. <laughs> that, that, they literally say that in the film, and I'm like, hence yeah. the bloodlines, right? How it's all passed well, down. Everyone in the I, I, in the I family's mean, been damned. Well, we all anything. know what we all know in debt or what that guy's doing. <laughs> so so fucking. Bitch. It's a very odd setup to the film because, like, 20 minutes in the film, you're like, "What the fuck? Like, how did that happen? Like, you're asking so many questions." I find the first yeah half an hour of this film is just nothing but questions you're asking. Well, okay, so one thing about this movie that should be noted is that it had heavy, heavy, heavy um, studio involvement and uh, reshoots. And in fact, I believe when our Jaeger dude was on board, they didn't even have the space stuff that was added later. That was it wasn't supposed to take place in space. Well, you can actually you can actually tell that, though, because the least amount of time period they spent in the film is in space. It's basically yeah. the beginning. Yeah. There's like a little mini part and, and kind of like the end. But most yeah, of it actually so, takes place in – there's a lot of story, in, you know, the origin story. And then in the present day, which I honestly I, – I said to Jeremy before too. I said this film right here, I've always had major problems with that. I wish they had to just set it in the present day in 96 and then see, told the origin I, story I from like that. I like the stuff before that more. Well, like, no, I no, like the no, 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 but origin stuff. No, this that's one. No, I, that I, I, I'm not saying I didn't like the origin story. I'm just saying I wish they had to cut out the space stuff. Oh, yeah, they had the to set the major, sucks. like the core story in the present day, which is '96, and then told the origin story for the majority of the film. Yeah, and then, then jump to the, the present day. The so yeah, but who cares? Um, yeah, so, but yeah, but who? Dude, but like, honestly, no, but who cares? Like, I mean, I just the space stuff is just so fucking cheeseball. It really yeah, is. It, it's it so really cheese. is. It's it so definitely cheese. drags the film down. Dimension. This was like the like they were fully involved with this one, you know, and they they did reshoots. Apparently, there's also like a work print cut that has since disappeared from online. There is a version of it on YouTube, but it's not the version that I knew about before. Mm-hmm. I, I had seen it years and years and years ago. It was like a work print edition that um, apparently in Germany. I think there is an actual uncut edition, like of the um, original cut. I, it's like heavily out of print, though, so um, I don't know if there's a good way to see it. I can't find it online anymore. 
But apparently there's like plenty more stuff to do with the Paris, France, uh, 1796 stuff. Uh, and I think the like space stuff is cut out. Like apparently it's like a lot different, but it's almost like a Halloween six situation where there's another cut of the movie. Well, I just want to know how he comes up with the idea to make a second box to fuck up the first box. Well, that's actually, I know that that's some of the stuff that is involved in the other cut where they bring up the idea that there's like an anti Lamont configuration. Yeah. But how does he know about it? I think they say in I well, think they somebody actually tells stated, him there's yeah. somebody there's another character who like goes uh, into it and like lets him know about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. So So yeah, like when when he makes it oh, I think when he makes the box for the dude and finds out like that it's the hell portal, like another person like he or he goes back and he starts designing a like anti one or whatever. Yeah, I think they do state and, that in the film that if yeah. you build something that can kind of counteract what you built, mm-hmm. you'd be able to, you know, kind of close the doors on hell. So, that's retarded. So that's what leads up into the space. I mean, release. it makes sense. So that's like the balance of good and evil. Like all that stuff, you know, is so why is it just bringing up now? And why hasn't nobody else fucking made? Cause one? this is a different movie than the other two. Like we've stated that like, they kind of get more towards like the almost Christian version of hell, the deeper they go. Um, yeah. Unless away from like the bizarre hell that we discussed in the first two films, but um, it, it's very, very convoluted. Like this, this movie is a mess. Dude. It is such a mess. It's just it's frustrating to watch too because you know you can tell budget constraint. I mean, I don't know if this is a good thing, but for myself, it's kind of a it's an annoying thing to see the same person playing all the different mm-hmm. bloodline characters because it's like. It's I don't know. It's just I find it super annoying. I guess it would be a little bit confusing for some people. I guess you know if you weren't following the names because he plays Philip Lemarchand or whatever and uh, John Marchant and Doctor Paul Marchant. You know, and <laughs> it's just like and 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 actually everybody like they all play these different characters. You know, the yeah, same what is actors. He fucking Austin Powers and fucking Fat oh, Bastard fuck and Doctor Evil. It's like Jesus. I just fuck. I just find that so cheeseball. They have the same actor playing all these different roles. It's, I don't know. It's it's irritating to me. And Adam Scott's um, in the film. The, see, yeah. I don't know. Like that that stuff doesn't bother it, me it too does. much. It but does. um, I like it, it's one of those things where it's like I don't know. They do that in like Tremors Four and like Back to the Future and stuff. Like I don't know. <laughs> but they try to make him look a little bit different, at least in Back to the Future. Yeah, they put makeup well, on I, it, like, you know, with Marty's mom. I mean, like, you know, in, you know, back in the 50s, she's young. And then in, as a mom, she's got makeup. She looks completely different, you know? And these ones, they just, it's like the same person in every scene, but in a different time period. <laughs> it's yeah. fucking, it's, I don't know, it's annoying. I mean, it's, I guess it's like easier on the audience to know. Well, as that I that's said, it's, it's less confusing, so. right? I mean, if you can't mm-hmm. follow the characters, but. So, like okay so one like okay there's a few things but um i can't remember why do the people like what's her name what's the girl's name that is Uh, angelique angelique why does angelique not know that the bloodline of that dude survived did she not know that i guess that his girlfriend was pregnant right i would i guess so yeah God, I, I don't know i'm gonna make my head explode okay so, yeah there's so, so many questions in this film yeah so basically she comes to america when she sees him on a like what the hell has yeah, she been doing all this time i know i, that... I want to know how she doesn't age like, well she's a demon so uh, 
Yeah, you I mean, the dumbest question. That, that, I, I kind of just gathered that that she's this timeless demon, right? Yeah, <laughs> so. well, she clearly, she, clearly she is. She's like the the queen. She's like a princess uh, of hell. She, it's essentially it's like vampires. You know, yeah. they live through centuries. They always look the same. And 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 essentially, like she comes to America, and she finds the puzzle box mm-hmm. in the fucking. Like floor, pillar, the, which what, it's not even in the floor; it's in a pillar that she what, dropped in Hellraiser three, which she dropped in a floor, a setting floor. So well, it's supposed to be the pillar, same one. I don't know. I don't know. She should have punched the ground, but um. So she gets this puzzle box, <laughs> and she has the idea that like, oh, if I, I'm gonna, like, I don't know, like, bring Pinhead in here for some reason. Because well, they clearly is... butt heads, and also another thing that makes no sense. Yeah, that, 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 that's totally not even explained. Yeah, it's so stupid. So, so about she deduction. when she brings Pinhead in, they talk like they know each other, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I would assume they would know each other. Why? Well, if she's a demon, wouldn't she be in hell too? Yeah, but would she be? She got out of hell in 1796, mm-hmm. and she's been on Earth since then. How do we know she's been on Earth since then? Because it shows her on Earth. Yeah. Not from 1776 until present day. I mean, well, it doesn't show really. It, it jumps to that show time her period. Go back to hell. Yeah. It, it How do does... you know? Because well, what it doesn't mean? show it. It, it doesn't, doesn't show it. it. What the fuck are you talking about? So <laughs> we're led to believe that she's been on Earth that entire time into the present yeah, that's day. That's what. That's what it looks like. She looks like you know, she's. Still got that other dude who was on Earth, and and they're like in France still, and she sees this dude and she's like, oh, gotta go to America. See, that's the problem but, with the, with that timeline. You know, jumping from the 1700s to the to the 1990s is they don't show anything in between. Like there should have been a but, little but, but bit more time periods. One where of the maybe some battles or something that doesn't make sense that often people don't pay attention to is that if she had. You know what? What we're led to see, we see that she comes out of hell in 1796, and we see she's on in France in 1996. Okay, and she goes to America. She resurrects. She like pulls Pinhead out of of hell. They know each other, but she wouldn't know Pinhead because Pinhead wasn't made until like the 20s at the earliest, um, the 1920s. That is yeah. when Elliot Spencer opened the box. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So they would have never had a chance to meet in hell. That's why I think that she went back to hell. Okay, you could think that, but oh, every evidence leads you to not. There's no evidence to to lay, lead. There's you no to evidence. Hell. Well, that's that what I'm saying because they they jump from the 1796 to to 1990s, and it's just it, it's just, you're just led to believe that she's been on Earth the whole time. There was nothing to be. They should have had some different time periods in there. Yeah, you know, to kind of to lead up to that, you know, at least to show that she's been on Earth, or then you got Jeremy going, maybe she went back to hell. <laughs> it's like you never know; they don't. Say we just that don't either. fucking know what well, happened well, they, in the two hundred no, years. They don't show any way that, like, they show her be resurrected as a demon. Like, like it doesn't show that she has the power to just travel through hell and back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like but she it got doesn't show that she doesn't though. To, but this whole movie's a fucking mess that, because the, Pinhead. You can't say that though. You can't just. You can't lead these wild accusations with no proof. We have proof that she's in America. Mm-hmm. We have proof that she's in 
the real world. What we don't have proof is that she can go back to hell. So you can only go like with what the screen tells you. And there's some speculation that you can have. But how would you know she saying? be able to it's go back to hell? It's literally setting it up to where it looks as if she's been here the whole time. But how would she have the power to do that anyways? They're just like, yeah, she doesn't have a box. She doesn't have a box. I mean, she doesn't have, we're not showing that she has this special power to do this. So you would have to assume that she was on earth the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you guys But said. if she was on earth for 200 years, how is it she doesn't, I mean, the story jumps from the late, uh, you know, 1700s to the nineties. Like what happens in that time period? Like, even the Wikipedia page, it says, when like, she brings Pinhead out, the two immediately clash as Pinhead represents a shift in ideologies yeah, of hell, he's about, she left behind 200 years ago. He's about pain, and she's about seduction, and that's what yeah, it says. Yeah, but, but, but you hear what that says? Yes, I heard what but it there says. Was still, the, but there's still family members, there's still a bloodline in those 200 years. How has nothing been accomplished in those 200 years until 19... It's like, she couldn't yep. find him? She couldn't well, find she it for didn't two- know that there was a bloodline until she saw that magazine. No, but she he was on TV. He wasn't in a magazine. Huh? Oh, wasn't on he TV. on TV? I thought it was a magazine or something. But okay, whatever. She sees him on TV and then realizes that, oh, that's the dude who created the box. I need to go kill him for whatever reason. Well, a bloodline member, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 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 in itself, it's so stupid. I mean. Like, I mean, if there was an agenda here from the time she became a demon, you know, it would have been, okay, we need to kill this this person now, right? But no, but she didn't have an agenda. You get what I'm saying? She didn't know there was a bloodline. She thought she ended it when she killed the dude. Oh, okay. I see. I, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so what the hell was she doing on Earth all that time in between? Well, Rubbing going back going back to my point, the two hundred years, what the fuck was she doing? <laughs> Rubbing her cooter. Eh? It's like a massive fucking plot hole. It's like what the fuck? It's just it jumps two hundred years and like nothing happens sense, there. Dude. Like I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know how she couldn't know that there was descendants though. Well, because she killed the guy. Yeah. But like there's always I mean, it's not like you killed him and the whole fucking family. Well, well I mean, it would only be his direct him. yeah, son, which she apparently she didn't know his wife was pregnant. Yeah. I mean, you would think you would check that out just in case. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, he's trying to fucking shut you down but, here. But another thing I mean, that is weird cover is all angles. If, if she would never go after this guy, he wouldn't know to create a to like a, a computer, a computer I mean? anti. Like he wouldn't know to do that, and like like once demons show up, that's when he realizes to. This might be one of the stupidest movies ever made. Oh my god, dude! The more I talk about it, the less my rating is getting. Yeah, me too. It's really, really bad. Like every time I yeah. watch this movie, I'm just like question, question, question. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you lose interest in it, man. It's like fuck. It's so stupid. Ugh, what a mess. I I would love to see that other cut of this though. Yeah, maybe it would. Maybe it might tie up some loose ends. I don't know. I, I really yeah. don't know. I, I can't imagine it's going to do that much that it's like, oh, wow, Bloodline's actually pretty damn good. 
I can't imagine <laughs> happening. But yeah, I used to like this one a little bit, and the more I watch it, the more like we watch it for prep ninety for the ninety six show. Didn't we both say that we kind of enjoyed it? You know, it's like no, 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 no. I said I enjoyed Hellseeker. This what oh, that was oh yeah, that's right too. That's right. Yeah. yeah, this one I was like, I was like, oh boy, this one. This well, one my, just put sank. it this way, my rating went down since last time I watched it. Yeah, my rating has went down twice now since I've watched it. <laughs> Like the, the when I watched it for ninety six, it went down from what it previously was at, and then w- watching it this time, it went down again. So, um, yeah, this movie is bad. Like it actually does not have very much redeemable qualities at all. No. Um, I guess the Angelique Cenobite looks kind of cool with the pills. There's not scalp. even that many Cenobites in it, to be honest. The like, the twins are stupid. Yeah, no, it's like it's... they just took the side road. The, the chattering looks... dog is okay, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Janet forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. And then you have Kim Myers as uh Bobby, who I know from Elm Street 2. She plays Lisa in Elm Street 2, the love interest. I think like the only half cool thing in, in the film is when they talk about like who 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 summons the demons, commands the demons. I think that's like yeah. the only fucking cool kind of well, the the cool text like dialogue beef in this. between Angelique and Pinhead is kind of cool. Like where where he's like he like likes how shit was in hell, and she's like trying to change it and stuff. But yeah, they don't really go too far pain. with it. And she's about pleasure or seduction. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean that's part of it for sure. But like, it's. It's it's a mess, dude. And another thing, like I do like the one scene where Pinhead has the son by the hand. Like that's some creepy imagery. I don't know why, really. I hate that kid. That kid's so fucking annoying. All kids are annoying. (laughs) I know, but him especially. But yeah, I mean, dude, that's it. Like this movie. Like I think that like people say, like I hear them say this all the time. Like, like that Bloodlines okay, and that like everything after that should not exist but i'm like fuck dude bloodline shouldn't have existed like this movie is not good no in the slightest no it's not man i was i was struggling watching this one the other night and it's again. kind of fucking boring honestly it is this is the most it's so fucking boring it's so boring that's a major problem yeah i mean this thing's jumping around from different time periods and it still can't hold your attention that's brutal I don't know, man. I don't have much more for it. What was the uh, box office, Jeremy? Nine point three million. Yeah, it's it on 9. a point three. No, on four million. It's definitely the lower end. Five million. So it probably didn't make any money. Yeah, the budget was four million. Mm. Good lord. Yeah, no wonder they didn't get any more theatrical releases. <laughs> Apparently, Guillermo del Toro was attached to this film at one time. Again? <laughs> uh, no, you're thinking of uh, no, that P- was Jackson. P- oh. Peter Jackson. Yeah. They yeah. look the same. Man, dude, like, you know what's crazy, dude? Dimension, like, they all they have is Scream. Like, that's all they did good. Like, they fucked up Halloween... They fucked up Hellraiser even worse. Like, like they didn't do anything good. <laughs> Children of the Corn four. Children of the Corns four. I just like, I'm just thinking about like 
the you know the pinhead and angelique like they're having like this beef you know like in the film too i just oh my god this one's fucking stupid <laughs> just thinking about it it's so fucking stupid uh, uh let's see variety calls it a pointless mess without a likable protagonist the reviewer further criticized the acting and said the gross text special effects have become tiresome since the first film, except for the space-based effects. Um, also criticizing the special effects, Richard Harrington wrote in the Washington Post that they are decidedly gross but not particularly frightening. Harrington said the film would need a far bigger budget and some real input from horror meister Clive Barker to realize its inspiration. Stephen yeah, Holden the, of the, the New York original Times. script apparently is online and apparently it's like really solid like from what i was reading from like hellraiser fans and stuff like that apparently like the script was way better than what happened so it's like alien 3 uh yeah yeah so yeah i I know that we i didn't mention this last time on the last film but um one of the makeup people on this one is uh gary j tunicliffe okay uh and that name will get very familiar as we move on but he he did he started his makeup effects on the last film hellraiser 3 and he did them on this film hellraiser bloodline as well hmm interesting so uh yeah i don't know you guys want to rate might as well. This, this, did this I one just, not suck the energy out of you? Like, it just oh yeah, like you just it feel really, like sad. Yeah, like, I mean, the like review this. is as boring as the film. I mean, there's nothing. Yeah. there's just so much stupid. Sh- I, I just I, I can't stand the clash in this film with Angelique. You know, like how she, when she after she fails to like, you know, seduce um uh the fucking the dude, <laughs> forget his his name right now. And then of course she summons the merchant. Yeah, the merchant. And then she summons Pinhead. And then, of course, they clash, and then all the mythology kind of changes a little bit. And, like, dude, this movie's fucking stupid. It, it's so fucking... I, I just lose so much interest in that shit, man. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I don't know. Shaking my head. It, it's just stupid. Yeah. Her it's, seduction, and he's, he's all about right? pain and su- suffering, and it's just like, no, we're going to clash. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. Stupid. All right, so um, I I like the early stages of this film. I like the concept of it and what it could have been, but it's an absolute mess. Literally, nothing in this movie makes sense. Like no no characters have purpose or reason behind anything they're doing. They just are are, are written to do things to make a movie. But it, it's like it all makes little sense why any of these characters would do any of this stuff. Um. The one saving grace is the pinhead Angelique angle, which it doesn't even get fully developed. And that's kind of it, man. Uh, I came in, I, I initially, last time I watched this movie, I went from a six to a five. And this time I'm going all the way down to a three. Three? Three out of ten. Damn, I gave it a five. You still sticking with your five out of ten? Even after that? Yeah. <laughs> is, are you sticking with it because you wrote it down and you don't want people to talk shit? No. <laughs> Do you actually think it's a five? Yeah. You think this movie, There's after way everything we said, 
Well, after every fucking thing we said, you think this movie's a five, an yeah. average movie, yeah, not below average, yeah, an average movie. Yeah. Well, You're I not. I thought for a hundred percent I was going to be the lowest on this one, but I came in at a three and a half on this one because I just this is the worst experience I've ever had with it, man. It's, yeah, it's so it's goddamn boring. Movie. I just find myself watching this film and asking questions to myself every two minutes. That's yeah. not good. It makes no sense. Like nothing is nothing is getting resolved. I like. I mean, you said you know the Angelique and Pinhead clash is kind of interesting stuff, but it, it it's so. I just find it so ridiculous. You know, her whole seduction mm-hmm. thing is just so fucking lame to me. At least Pinhead is still about you know the pain and suffering and shit. Of course, that's going to clash and stuff. But it just it just it, it feels forced. Nothing is really coming of anything, and uh, fuck. The acting is shit in this film too. I will say that the acting and the Dude, effects. Yeah. There's some it really gets so worse. There's some really cheesy effects in this film too, and it was you know just not it a lot to take. Doesn't get that much worse. Oh yeah, it gets extremely bad in Hellworld, bro. But yeah, Jeremy, five out of ten. Yeah, that's a travesty. So you're saying this one is on the same level at... No, I'm just joking. Because you, you know how you always question me when I do that. Yeah. But. But trick us again, child. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. So moving along here into uh, the year 2000. Four years later, we get Hellraiser Inferno. The longest of the Hellraiser films, I believe. Yeah, this one's like 100 minutes long. It's ridiculous, man. It's way too fucking long. Apparently, this thing came out on video October 3rd, which is my birthday. Um, Happy birthday to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Directly from the director, Scott Derrickson gave you a birthday present. Scott Scott Derrickson, we know pretty well like yeah he, he's he you know made his debut with hellraiser inferno mm-hmm. he did uh, watson's one of him, watson's favorite films exorcism of emily rose um he did sinister which i absolutely love deliver us That's from so evil good. wasn't too bad and now he's directing doctor strange he already did directed you dumbass did it come out already like no. a year ago <laughs> okay i don't keep up with those <laughs> yeah um but he also i think he wrote sinister 2 as well yeah yeah so uh oh and remember we covered his other film on here that he wrote uh the same year as hellraiser inferno which i must must say was a far worse film uh and that's urban legends final cut the final cut's pretty good no that's the last oh no 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 oh, that's yeah, the final cut's one. good yeah 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 Never mind. yeah you're right that one's pretty good. Final Cut, I like. The other yeah, one, no, the last Bloody one, Mary. The last one's oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought he did Bloody Mary. Okay. All right. So what's the uh, plot synopsis on this one? Plot synopsis: A shady police detective becomes embroiled in a strange world of murder, sadism, and madness after being assigned a murder investigation against a, a madman known only as the Engineer. Yeah. So, so they take my the voice is so monotone. I was trying to hunt down the engineer, but I didn't know where he was. So I decided to go back to the police station. Fucking <laughs> shoot me in the head. <laughs> God damn this voice. This fucking narration is so fucking bad in this movie. I like the narration. Oh, I find it to be. I find it to be so cheesy, man. It just. Uh, it's kind of given this angle of like you know. 
I don't it, know. It, old it detective has this, like, films. Noir feel that I like. Yeah, noir and like you know old detective films and shit. It's, it's a just kind of movie. It's not bad. I mean, some of the some of the dream sequences are actually shot pretty. Cool I, I think the cinematography and cinematography in this film throughout's good. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. It's just it's, that fucking. It's good. Film, you know? it got good cinematography. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, watch yep. it back and pay attention to the shots. Um, but. Okay, so there was a lot like okay, this film always used to run on Showtime. This and Hellseeker all the time. Like literally in the mid two thousands, they were on there all the time. And I remember always watching them and I would just be like thinking that the fucking movies were like the wrong movies. I'm like because I was like, Where the hell is Pinhead? I didn't like because I hadn't seen any like I had seen the first four and then I didn't know which one was which after that for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I seen all these Hellraiser movies. I was like, where the fuck is Pinhead at in these? But I'll tell you what. I, like After time has passed with these movies, um, like Inferno, I appreciate it way more. Like I kind of yeah. get it now. Um, it's, it's, less of, it's, it's a completely different angle. And apparently we heard rumors that Inferno, Hellseeker, and uh, I yeah. believe Deader were all other film scripts that were peppered in with Pinhead. Uh, those those were the rumors for a long time. Um, and I do believe that it could still be the case with Hellseeker and Detter. I almost am certain it is with Detter because i seen another person say that it was who was involved with the film. I believe Doug Bradley himself. Um, but I actually asked Scott Derrickson on Twitter... If the if that rumor was true, and he actually wrote back, which was really cool, and he said no, that him and the other writer Paul Boardman actually pitched this version of Hellraiser to the Weinstein's. What? Jesus Christ, man! Why? Why? Why this idea? Well, I I assumed that it was because um, maybe Pinhead. They just trying to put like a too much of the focus on like and I believe, I mean even Clyde Barker has said that Pinhead was never supposed to be the focus of the story. It was you know the the characters and he was a background character that just happened to exist and you know and and I kind of I kind of see that a little bit like and with this film I I like I kind of like where it goes. It's it's a like almost like a noir style mystery with uh all this um i guess what you would call like psychological elements to it um and you're not really sure what's reality and what's not and it all kind of wraps up in the end and makes sense but does it make sense though uh i mean what, like, the, the, like the way everything is perceived to you throughout the film does does the outcome actually make complete sense um, I don't know. What, let's explore that. Well, I don't want to give away the whole thing, but Why? I don't know. What do we spoil on here? I don't know, man. This the movie spoiler-filled reviews. This movie, man, it just comes off to me as be. It's so it, the whole setup to the movie is just so cliche. I get the whole film noir angle, the whole mm-hmm. detective angle and stuff. I get that. You know, that's okay. But it's just the way everything's perceived. Like the character, this dirty ass cop. Yeah. 
um, you know, he's he's a piece of shit, really. He's he's a dirty cop. He fucking cheats on his wife. He does drugs. Yeah, you know, he, he does cocaine. He, he tries to fucking you know even fuck some whores. He, he tries to frame his fucking his uh, his partner. You know, yeah. once his partner kind of figures out some shit. Um, mm-hmm. And shit like that. Just the whole development in this film, I find to be so cliche. See, There's, but I, it's not, I it's completely not, disagree with that because I don't find that there are very many films where you follow a bad person the entire film and they're the lead character trying to solve the mystery. Like, I can't even think of another film that does that right Oh, now. there's other films out there. I just probably can't name them right now, but there definitely is. I mean, you see... I, I thought that was seen... an interesting spin on it because we're not following a hero in this Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. But the, he's still trying to solve a mystery. So he's, that... he's an anti-hero, essentially. Well, you know. I mean, really anti, heavy on the anti. Like, I mean, well, this guy is like framing noir, his. He's not. Every noir, the person's a fucking anti-hero. That's kind of the point. Yeah. So. Well, but I mean, this guy's a I real mean, piece. Not to this extent, though. <laughs> like, like this is. A, at this least is they a... make. At least they make the lead. You know, the detective. You know, smart. You know, mm-hmm. like he he does. He knows a lot of shit. You know, I mean, he takes his detective job serious he's not really smart he gets a tape in the mail and he puts it on a fucking public tv in a bar but is that in but is that actually in reality is that happening in reality or is that just uh-huh. a hallucination or yeah all right so i mean i get that you know if well, you're looking well, at based like from on the point. ending there, there's not a strong sense of any of this being reality that's what i'm saying so i mean when you're watching the film for what it is that part right there you you do question you're like nobody but yeah of course no no detective would put a fucking tape on that he just received from some random asian kid you know in the middle of a packed bar i mean this is not going to happen right so yeah it's just not going to happen but that's why you perceive the ending you go well none of this shit was reality because of what happens um I don't know. Does it? I, I to be honest, I just find it like it, I find it a very tedious film. I find well, it. I, I fi- it, it, it's 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 mm. it's a very it's a lot deeper than than people give it credit for because the whole thing with the child that he's trying to find, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that doesn't exist. Yes, there is no child. It's a metaphor yeah. for his innocence. Yeah, yeah. Um, when he was a child, and it's what's happening is this entire uh story is the manifestation of his sin and and evilness that, yes. that yeah. has mm-hmm. took place yeah his he's, evilness is he, the one that's created he's the engineer yeah, yeah so correct. essentially yeah his evilness is the one that's created this whole psychological drama that we're put yeah. through for 100 minutes um but I, I just find it like I don't find it actually that exciting at all. Like the whole the way everything, you know, un you know unravels in this film. So much hallucinogenic scenes, a lot of like mm-hmm. kind of nightmare scenes, you know, dream sequences, things like that. I I just find it to be overdone so much in this, you know, and you know at least this movie has an outcome where you're like, okay, that completely wraps up everything and it does make sense. I'll give them that. You know, it's not, it's not an ambiguous ending because I think with a film like this, you know, some of the the scripts and the directors, they'll, they'll try to give you that, you know, they'll just like, you know, we're going to make it a little bit ambiguous, kind of fuck with the the viewer a little bit. They didn't do that in this. It was played very straightforward kind of. Um, I just didn't enjoy the ride that much. I didn't think the acting was that great. You know, I mean the music, Oh my God, dude, 
they just literally I, pull, they I pulled like the soundtrack. The, they the pulled the soundtrack type music that they do in this film. The uh, like, I, yeah, I mean, there's portions, but I mean, the, the actual score to it, it's it's pulled straight off like their their sound library. It's that and it drives me nuts when I hear shit like that. It just it cheapens the movie. Yeah, but they they do a lot of like detective genre, like jazzy, like like uh, you know, south side of town like type music that that I I think. In the indoor the scenes, in the indoor like scenes, and sh- yeah, in the indoor scenes, I think in the in the bar scenes and things like that. But like the at, the overall score to this film is just very it's tedious the, to me. The, there's a there's a scene that happens in this movie that I, I think that I was noticing a lot more. I, I feel like even if I watched this movie again, I would notice more stuff. But there's actually some really interesting things here that I noticed. Um, whenever we see this detective, like when we first meet him, like we don't know he's a bad guy at first. Like he's just like a, a no, we just know he's a piece a of mur- shit. A murder scene. Mm-hmm. Well, no, we don't. We ju- we just see him, you know, at a murder scene investigating oh, the stuff. Scene, yeah. yeah, and then and then we see him with this girl and the cocaine and the girl and and as this is playing out, this white light turns to a red light. Which I think is, you know, a representation of of the evil that's taking place and and consuming him at that moment. And it's actually you might miss it, but it it, it fades from this white light into this red while he's banging that girl. And I thought it was really really good. I think that stuff is is I think a lot of people miss that in these Hellraiser movies because they don't expect that in here. But there's actually some interesting stuff that that Mr. Scott Derrickson uh, pulled off and and other stuff you know later in the film too with. Um, like some of the snowing indoors and, and different artsy stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah, this one's very artsy. Artsy, yeah. artsy. Oh, yeah, it definitely has that angle to it for sure. Yeah, yeah. They, they tried yeah. a lot of things. I mean, especially with all the, you know, like I said, the, is it, you know, the, is it real? Is it not? Hallucinogenic scenes and things like that. Yeah. I, I, I also do give really them credit like for the, trying um, something different, you know? The, they they did this cool thing, this cool effect where these like two like female Cenobite looking things like stick their hands Not under either. his chest. Yeah. I thought that effect was pretty cool. That's something different. Yeah. I love the shot at the end with Pinhead walking. Like he's he's it's a long shot from the end of all I think it's an alleyway and he's like walking through the darkness. It's fucking mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. It's a great shot. There's a lot of I, I give him credit for trying something different with this one, you know? It's 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 okay. Yeah, I I really thought I'd give them credit for for what they ended up doing. Like, if you take this as a Hellraiser film, like a sequel, like it's it's not a good sequel. It, it has nothing really to do with what what we know. The worst previously. part of it is about it being a Hellraiser sequel. Yeah, if you That's take it as part. as just a story of a bad person, and uh, you know the 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 twist is that he you know is going to hell, and Pinhead is is the uh the one that takes him there uh from what i understand like these this type of movie was more influenced from like the comics which was a lot of stuff like that's why i was wondering why this idea would work you know or be interesting to people too because it's so different you know the way the way they you know they're making this character spiral into you know the depths of hell essentially yeah you know it's like a psychological it's it's like it's like yeah it's like psychological fucking torture in a he sense he might be in right? hell but we don't know as the audience if he's in <clears throat> yeah well, he's not it's it's kind of like it's like the prelude yeah. it's like the prelude the whole movie is like the fucking prelude to you know taking him to hell kind of thing right the reveal of you know the, the psychiatrist in the film oh 
I just, I just fucking hated that. Yeah, I just, That's I, probably I, the worst part. I couldn't, be, I couldn't buy into it for a second. There's like, nothing. How is he pinhead? Yeah, I just, I don't know, man. It what wasn't making it. He during one of his hallucinations, the mm-hmm. psychiatrist reveals that he's actually pinhead. Well, no, pinhead is no. I mean, it's it's to he, the point where like the, he's, he's like, revealing that everything around him is yeah. a facade. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I mean, it, I thought it was neat, honestly. Like, uh, it's not saying that this guy has been yeah. pinhead the whole no, time. No, no, no. Reality. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but. Uh, I like the uh, some of the there's some interesting banter between I actually really like Tony the partner cop like I thought he was like so cool and, and just like a nice nice guy dude you that guy I mean? that guy plays a fucking cop in like every movie he plays in yeah right? he, <laughs> he was like a straight Dave like a Joe Pesci you know what I mean like that <laughs> that Italian accent you know and uh, like yeah. the perfect cop character and I like the uh, the palindrome thing the line of dialogue there uh, where he's like, "What? What's your? What's a ten-letter word for your name?" And it's because his name is the same spelled backwards, yeah, or like, whatever. I thought that was like, I like stuff like. Yeah, that. there's That's little like little cool smart little quirky dialogue. things in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, I don't have a ton on this one. I, I think that it's kind of, kind of one of those movies that I think, I think is a little underrated. I think that it has uh, this one has uh, some pretty damn laughable effects in it though at times some of the effects are pretty shitty what do you expect they didn't have a big budget well it was 2000 you know it was at that period yeah. where I think a lot of makers were experimenting with you know the computer generated effects oh, and definitely. shit and they just weren't really coming out though I mean they're just they, they just didn't age well I mean they probably didn't yeah. look good back in 2000 but man you watch them mm. now and it's like holy shit it's so laughable um, yeah. I don't know, Apparently, man. Apparently, Hellraiser three was one of the first horror films to use CGI. Oh, really? I learned that from somewhere when I was reading this. But um, yeah, uh, man, dude, uh, I don't know. It, Why do we do the Hellraiser? I, I, I guess it's just it's just a movie that I just really don't. I just mm-hmm. could, I could never get into this one, man. Like, I mean, even though the next film, I guess, is kind of similar. <laughs> really it's very the next film is so fucking worse it, it, it's it's very similar to this one but i don't know this one just had this it had this weird feel and odd atmosphere to it that i just i could not buy into it. and i i hated the fucking reveal of it too man it just drove me nuts but yeah not anyways <laughs> at least Deader has some cool stuff happening in it though yeah no okay, no no so, we're talking about the um, reveal but I don't know. There was nothing like that intriguing. There was nothing that cool, overwhelming in this film, you know, like that was really capturing me. I think it's the story in itself. I just find the whole yeah. setup, like everything just felt so cliche to me that I wasn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get enthralled with the character, you know. And, and I mean, that's a big problem in a film like this where it's literally like, you know, it's a study of that character, you know, essentially what it turns out to be. But, you know, you know, it's kind of funny on the IMDb trivia, it actually says, like Hellraiser Hellseeker, after uh, after it, Inferno was originally a non-Hellraiser-related horror script owned by Dimension. So, like, mm-hmm. even the trivia on IMDb states that. And apparently... So maybe he's lying to you. I mean, he could be, but I, I, I looked into further information, and I saw some interviews with him when this film was being made, and he was talking about, 
coming up with the idea and stuff. So I don't know. But doesn't it seem um, like this movie? So why it, wouldn't he put more Pinhead in it if he was writing? A he, he did say one thing, and he was like, "If I remade the, if I would have went back and made the movie again, I would have added a little bit more Pinhead." I think what he was, what what he said is he was focusing so much on like the the end impactful thing of like you know. Uh-huh. pinhead taking him in that that he wanted that to be the the oomph moment and kind of kind of did kind of overthought it probably a little bit honestly mm-hmm. but um i could kind of see where he was coming from on that i mean this was his first film um i could see why he didn't want to make a straight up another i mean honestly this is way more interesting than the last film to me you know what i mean like this, i mean this, this movie right here falls i mean the rumors of it not being an original hellraiser script i mean when you watch the film it, it almost confirms your it, it almost confirms it you know because this one's so different it just follows like it, a totally different angle. Thing, nothing though, about this film feels like a hellraiser film and i think that's i, I can never get into it man it just there's so little but of it that is aspect. all about hell it is right? it is it's just I, not that, about the hellraiser hell <laughs> exactly and and i think you know just that this angle is just not cutting it for myself. I just don't find it that intriguing because you have to remember, I mean, this is still part of, it still has the Hellraiser brand on it, right? So when it strays so far away from any of the mythology leading up into this film, it's kind of a problem for myself. I mean, it's still technically, you know, it's not a Hellraiser sequel, but it is still a Hellraiser sequel. It's part of the franchise, you know? So I think it's one of the biggest issues with it. But even if this movie was a standalone film, if it was just called Inferno, whatever, mm-hmm. I don't think it still would be that intriguing. I'm glad, you know, it's it's cool that you got intrigued by this film and stuff. That's that's interesting. But yeah. for myself, I just, it, it felt super flat for me, man. Super flat. Jeremy, did you, did you actually like the story in this one? Or, like, what was the... What was yeah, your... I like, I, I, I think, like I said, at least they were trying to do something different. It wasn't the same old, like, oh, how are we going to expand the the hellraiser uh uh, you know world how are we going to do that i mean if they did that every time with these movies i mean by hellraiser 8 like how much farther are they going to be able to have it go but so but when you think about it though this is hellraiser 5 technically Mm -hmm. and you know they haven't really they haven't explored you know that much of the hell dimension in the franchise I, mean, I think that what it is is I feel like they painted themselves into a corner with Hellraiser four, and they were like, "Let's just do something completely different." Remakes were kind of just starting. To, well, not even no. This is two thousand. This is pretty, remakes weren't yeah. a thing right now. Like they were just like, "Let's just do a completely different story," um, and probably uh, having li- li- little amounts of special effects. Uh, writing a script with little special effects probably was better for the budget, better for dimension, uh, stuff like that. I'm sure Scott Derrickson considered that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug Bradley came back. I, I think that he was interested in, in the concept of this movie. Uh, I, I think that they set up decent characters in this one too. I didn't mention that, but the uh, like the crappy, like druggy, like ice cream guy. Like he's like gross and disgusting. I, I liked <laughs> yeah. his character. He's kind of funny. Um, it's I, I don't know. I like the mythology of like, like if you've seen this film, then not ev- everything in this movie you're gonna know where it's going. Mm-hmm. But if you watch this movie as if like you never seen it before, you didn't know how the like most of these Hellraisers go from here on out. Like 
the the mystery of it is kind of cool like you you do kind of expect that there's some like this engineer like supernatural thing uh i can say that the first time that i seen this film i didn't know that the guy was you know in his own hell type of thing uh i thought that there was like this engineer thing was some sort of you know something you Mm know and uh yeah like it's and i like that sort of element of the the film where everybody thinks he's crazy and he doesn't and as an audience member you like almost want like you're kind of like you don't see any evidence that he's crazy you know because you're seeing it from his point of view where he's seeing crazy shit happen and it's not in his head to us because we're seeing him see it happen so I, there's like all these like cool little dynamics that I, I actually really like about this movie and uh i think that it's often misunderstood i kind of get where you're coming from too though where if it if if you just aren't interested in what's going on with this one if you find it kind of dull like you're it's just going to be a painful ride because there's just if if you're not interested right away then you're probably gonna well sometimes have too much fun sometimes the riding of film can be really tedious and kind of boring but you know once the reveal happens you're like oh yeah that's actually pretty fucking cool but when it's it not ha- a powerful enough of a reveal for sure. And I think, if, if and I think not. when it didn't over, it didn't overwhelm me. And I was like, Oh man, you know, like Jesus Christ, you know, like I, I'd seen this movie before. I hadn't seen it in so long. I didn't even remember it. You know, it was like watching it for the first time. It felt like that. You know, I remembered certain things, but then it just, it got so laughable at the end with like all the multiple, like, you know, sequences that kept happening in the end of the yeah. film. Like, what the fuck? Like, can you please end? You know, this one's like 100 minutes. It took 80 minutes before Pinhead even shows long. up. Yeah. What well, is an hour and 40, right? Yeah, man. And, yeah. The, you know, 80 minutes before we get to see Pinhead. And, you know, I, I mean, you know, it's it's just runs too long. It, it's mm-hmm. definitely way, way too long and just wasn't for me. Was not for me. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, no, I don't have anything for trivia. This one was not released theatrically. Um, so I guess Jeremy? Six out of ten. Moods? Uh, I gave this one four. Oh, come on. Oof. Oof. Um, I, I, I like this one a lot. I gave it a seven. <laughs> Holy shit, really? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, so complete, complete different across the board on there. One all the way down to a four, up to a seven. Jeremy, would you rate a six? six. So kind of, kind of like a little arc there. But all right, I actually didn't see this one being rated so differently. That's kind of interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I, <laughs> wow, I kind of didn't either. <laughs> um, I actually thought that I don't know. I, I don't know. I thought that. Like into you said that you didn't like this one, but before that, I thought that this probably would have been your favorite out of the next three or so. But I, it might be still. I don't know. So <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's see where we go next. Because put some pain on you. Pain. How dare you use that word? He's got pins in his head. What you think of as pain is only a shadow. Pain has a face. Allow me to show it to you. Gentlemen. I am pain. Jumping into 2002 with Hell's, Hellraiser Hellseeker. 
um, directed by Rick Boda. Yeah, Rick Boda, who did I think he did a bunch of pretty cool stuff, didn't he? Uh, what, Hellraiser. Besides the Hellraiser, Hellraiser, I thought he directed some. Oh no, he didn't actually. No, so yeah, he basically started his career directing Hellraiser films. We'll talk about this guy in the next couple films. He directed Hellseeker, then next Debtor and Hellworld, both in two thousand five. <laughs> and then he jumped into TV, and that's all he does is TV. I was thinking of somebody else. So, well, they... I guess Hellraiser killed him, huh? <laughs> yeah, he's he a said, t- fuck this shit. TV director, mm-hmm. but maybe Harvey Weinstein touched touched his wiener, so he's like, Which fuck this. Kind of makes sense actually, because you know why you get hired onto doing so much t- uh, television after? Because this movie right here has that TV feel to it. Oh, it's horrible for some odd reason. It, it totally feels like a TV film. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely. I, I think that the next two do honestly in a, yeah. in a weird way, um, like a, like a Showtime. TV yeah, movie. yeah, kind of. Yeah, but uh, so so this one, uh, you want to give the synopsis on this one? Yeah, a shady businessman attempts to piece together the details of a crash, a car crash that <laughs> killed his wife, rendering him uh, amnesiac and left him in. Possession of a sinister puzzle box that summons monsters. Fuck, I couldn't get that out. <laughs> um, so this one here is starring uh, Dean Winters, of course. I always remember Dean Winters from uh, the show Oz. He was he was batshit awesome in that film. Great, great show. Uh, we also get the return of Ashley Lawrence for a little for a little bit in this a minute. one. <laughs> well, a minute here yeah, and so there. <laughs> she she plays the girlfriend at the beginning who yeah. is killed in the car crash. Yep. Uh, and then we. Um, we yeah. fi- we don't really necessarily know how much time has passed, uh, but we get the sense a little bit of time has passed, and this guy kind of awakens. Um, I and think he I has... think they said it's like a month. Okay, so a month, uh, and he has memory loss, and yeah. there's this detective that's up his ass that um, <laughs> that is 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 oh. like, hey, we know something's up with your wife. We never found her body. Like, what'd you do to her? And then like, well, he's so questioning right away. Slowly get. What's that, Jeremy? He's boring. He's God quest- damn, this movie is fucking he, boring as shit. So yeah, I completely disagree. It's, it's so no. This, this movie's not boring. boring. This movie's not it's boring. It's so boring. At least dude, it, it, dude, there's nothing boring about this movie. I didn't so find this one boring. boring. If you if you thought Inferno wasn't boring and you think this one is boring, yeah, because this one is the it. same thing as fucking Inferno. No, but this one it's, it's this the one same has, but different as well. Like this I mean, one, the, the ending, has, the ending twist reveal is like the only fucking good thing about this movie everything else is this fucking cut and dry boring bullshit no it's not because here right. here's why so this film is different from so. inferno for this reason right in inferno we're following a, a a bad dude who uh you know is having hallucinations yes. this guy we don't know he doesn't feel like he's a bad dude we don't see anything that he's done bad but all these things allude to the fact that he's done bad things and you're like okay so it turns out that He's just like he looks like he's a normal guy, and and because he's amnesic, he thinks he's a good person. And then all of a sudden, there's this little reveal that like, oh, he's f- like his boss. Clearly, he had sex with his boss before or something, or that she's coming on to him as if they did. Yeah. Clearly, this this girl he also had sex with, and he doesn't remember it. So it's kind of like almost like a mistaken identity type of movie in a weird way mm-hmm. and i think that little play on 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 the almost inferno setup is much more interesting than inferno yeah i i agree too man this one actually you know runs at a respectable length at 89 minutes so 
it actually mm-hmm. the pacing is a little bit better in this film and i do like this angle because the whole time you're watching this this main character played by dean winters you're like okay something's got to be up here but what makes the film is the is the the detective in this one because he's always on him he keeps asking his questions and yeah. shit and he but at the same time he's trying to also figure out what the fuck is going on because right yeah. off the bat we get this detail that his wife was not in the car and he was hellbent the only thing he can remember was that his wife drowned in mm-hmm. the car and th- th- it's actually a really really intriguing opening scene in this film too because you don't get this very often in horror films where you know there's kind of a dilemma issue right well yeah he he also they wreck the car because he's kissing her yeah okay but as the and car so he wakes up in that and that's a dream that he has. Yeah. So he wakes up and and to him, he has this false perception. And, and this is going into spoilers, but he has a false perception of who he is in mm-hmm. this moment. Yeah. And I think that is so intriguing. Like, could you imagine waking up and finding out you've done all these bad things, but you don't feel like that guy? Like, you mm-hmm. don't feel like 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 imagine if I just told you moods that you like you know cheated on your wife all the time you fucking did all this stuff and you're like i don't remember doing any of this stuff like how do you not remember what do you mean he was in a car accident amnesia is a real thing jeremy it's a real fucking thing okay so in the beginning of this film what in the beginning of this film there's this really cool moment here where the car goes into the water he gets out of the car and she's trapped inside and he has to make he has to make this moral decision on to go back into the car or go to the surface and take a breath. You don't see this very often in films like the in horror films. And I think it's like, it's totally alluding to the story, right? The reveal in the end of this film, because there's a moment here, like he's looking at her and he's screaming, but he goes up to save himself. You know, it's kind of, I guess it's kind of like the air. It's kind of like the airplane thing, right? You know, when you're on an airplane, they always tell you to, you know, if the, the oxygen mass drops down to put it on yourself before you help somebody else. You know, you could look at it like that too, but it's this moral decision that's quite interesting. But I think it's it's kind of like a prelude to the reveal in this film too, because he's making that decision mm-hmm. because of what the whole film is, is about. And I think it's actually, so, I think a lot of people might miss that too. And I, I, I was watching, after I finished watching it again, I was like, fuck, that's actually pretty, that's actually kind of a clever moment. Right? Piece by piece, this guy's finding out more about who he was. Yes. And, yeah. it, but he's in denial of it. Like he doesn't feel like he was any of this. Like you can see it in his face through the acting. I think this guy's a pretty good actor. He, uh, he's like confused by it. He's put off by it. He's like, okay, what? Like, and then as you find out more and more that, that he planned on, you know, killing his wife for this insurance policy and stuff like that with his friend. Yeah. And then you find out the, the, the future twist that completely changes everything you thought about, the fact that um, was he was doing it. all this, but then Kirsty flipped it on him and made a deal with Pinhead, and and that's why this whole shit played out. It's kind of mind fucky, honestly. Yeah. Um. And honestly, like, dude, I think that this movie is super underrated as a as a Hellraiser movie and as just a movie in general. Like, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in this. Yeah, one. this one is way more interesting to me than Inferno because. I mean, really, the, at least the reveal in this one made you go, "Damn, that's fucking awesome," you know. But the whole build up no, to there is it's actually quite. Awesome. It, it's in, it's it's interesting. The whole the whole pace it's and the whole build up to this yeah, film, all yeah. all the things that develop throughout this film, 
are actually quite cool. Like there's a scene where uh, where Dean Winters, Trevor, he sits down and he's watching a tape of like his anniversary and stuff like that. So there's those moments where he's like he's he's still in that that old mind state, you know, like he, he feels like he doesn't he hasn't done anything. And there's those great moments in the film like that. But the police investigation plays out really good, too with it too because mm-hmm. because they keep revealing these things that are adding into the story into the plot and it's moving it forward yeah. perfectly and he's investigating these things at the same time and everything plays out you know really well it's actually it's yeah. good it's actually pretty good i'm again watching this one i was completely shocked at how much i really how much i enjoyed this film i was like yeah and we crazy. watched it back for the 2002 show and i i enjoyed it then i was like yeah. oh, that was actually really good and then watching it this time, I liked it even more. And so I only watched I. it like two years ago. So did I. And I picked up more things that was neat about it. And I was like, I don't this know, maybe is... because I've never seen it, but I'm not seeing anything you guys are saying. I did you understand the movie? Like, yes, I understand. Did you watch this film in a I bitchy, just, tired, just... tired mood? <laughs> what? Did you? Was this like one at the end of a marathon or something? Like how many? No, films? I just just like I was just bored the entire time I was watching it. I don't know. I find I find it's totally int- it's got so much better pacing than Inferno. It's it's intriguing. It's a better version of Inferno. It's better acted. Sure. You know, it's it's got <laughs> there's some awesome scenes. I lo- I love the scene where he, you know, he has that vision of hooking up with that chick and then he goes over he's like, "Oh, remember what we did last night and that dude's in the fucking apartment and shit?" I love that. I love that. He's like, yeah. "What are you fucking talking about? None of that shit happened." And you keep getting uh, these moments like in the film. The he's like, "What the he, fuck?" He, he walks into his office, and I don't know. This film has like a weird, eerie mood to it too. It does man. like his apartment, the office? It's just like it's like he's in a stupor, the, and the whole world is like moving in slow motion, and it just feels like like you're inside his head, and you're like, "What the hell is going on?" Like, it kind of like feel- everything feels like off white, like off reality, like. Reality, but like slightly off. Something's up with reality right now. You know what? It feels if, a little if, different. I think they did a good job because the whole feel, the whole feel of the film, is like kind of a foggy. I just don't understand why it's a the foggy detectives feel. never thought about looking into if Christy was still alive or not. What do you mean they did? That's what they're talking about. They're yeah. like, we can't find your wife, yeah. so we n- think you're up to something. They alluded if to she that. Died in a, you said that she drowned in the car, yet the door was locked. And she's not in the car. So what the hell, buddy? Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So they, they, they do, do they bring that up, you know? Yeah. Um, I like the scene where he goes in to talk to his friend. And he's like, he's like, dude, 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 the, like the cops think I'm up to something. Like you should have blah, blah, blah. And then the cops like sitting right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just sitting right there. And it's just funny. But the overall fogginess to this, to the movie is is a is like a full representation of what happens in the end of the film what we what we find out yeah. you know it's almost like yeah, it's it totally between, makes sense it totally does it, yeah. it's it's almost like the whole thing is just shot you know through his eyes and now it all makes yeah. sense you're like oh that's crazy the only thing <clears throat> the only thing that that i'm not a hundred percent sold on is would kirsty do this well, I mean, if she felt like her life was threatened, I mean, if she found, if she finds out that her husband is going to kill her for this inheritance, it actually was Frank's inheritance, which they even brought up Frank's yeah. name in the it film. It was too. interesting. I even said yeah, that when was I was watching. Cool. I go, "Hey, yeah. you mentioned Uncle Frank." Yeah, so it was Frank's inheritance <laughs> somehow that she ends up getting it after. I don't know how the fuck that works, <laughs> you know. Uh, but apparently, Frank left his money to her. Um, Just dumb. 
But uh, yeah, so, yeah, so I mean, I mean, if she feels threatened, I mean, I mean, it's pretty it's drastic. It's, she it, offers five souls and not just his. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, what the, that kind. But again, the people that she's offering, one was gonna try to kill her, and and I guess the rest would be the people that her husband was fucking. So I just, <laughs> I just feel like it was, you know, a chance to. It, it's kind of an interesting way to tie it into the other Hellraiser. It which is. is really neat. Like, it is. Because especially the, even mentioning Frank at this point is super cool to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and apparently the originally the uh, girl who was – it wasn't supposed to be Ashley Lawrence. Um, it was just supposed to be a girl named Kirsty, And then uh, – which I don't know why on earth – that would be the case that they would have another character named Kirsty. Yeah, it's but stupid. apparently that was what it was. And then apparently Doug Bradley, I think, stepped in and was like, "Hey, we should just get Ashley Lawrence and have her be this character." And um, yeah, they probably shot her scenes happened. in one day, <laughs> one yep. fucking day. Well, I think they did. I think they yeah. did. And and apparently, um, like when she was in the film, they like nobody was supposed to know about it. And then. Apparently, she came out and like broke the news on like to Fangoria, and it, like so it's like Ashley Lawrence returns the Hellraiser. So <laughs> she did it for like a minute. Like a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, uh, yes. So, yeah. I mean, it, like I, I. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I like this one. I do too, man. I, I'm surprised you're being. <laughs> It's so boring. I don't find it boring. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, what what do you what do you not like besides that it's boring? Allegedly, at least at this point, they're all fucking turning into the same goddamn story or the same at least semi similar story, and I'm just fucking getting tired of watching all these goddamn movies that are have somebody trying to solve if they're in hell or not. I mean, that's a valid point. I mean, it really is. This is only the second one to do that. Right, that's like saying the first Hellraiser. Jesus Christ, was... you must really hate Deader then. <laughs> <laughs> Hellraiser okay one, like the last twenty minutes, and then but the whole but movie is him trying to solve it, something. Think about it, right? Isn't Hellraiser like two? It's like, oh, well, that was just like Hellraiser one, except no, not for really. But I mean, it, it kind of is. No, they have like a. Somebody gets whole... resurrected through blood, and they yeah, must but they're use going, the box to... At least they go to a different fucking setting besides just the house. <laughs> I got the hospital, and you got fucking. But I'm saying it's it's a, it's a similar core plot, right? Yeah. Yeah. And okay, so this one is a similar core plot to the last one. It's only the second film to do that. Mm-hmm. At this point. Yeah. It's interesting because I find the execution to be so much better in this one. Than Inferno, I, I I do too. Like even though I like Inferno, where Jeremy liked Inferno too, and he doesn't like this one, <laughs> I like them both. I just think this one is way better. It, it's a similar, same type of setup, but this one's just as executed better. I would say the only thing that Inferno has over this one is the cinematography. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd say. I yeah, give it credit. That, that's that, a valid that, point. The twist is interesting. It's it's that's not definitely a highlight of the film. I said a little while ago. Mm. I, I I definitely wasn't thinking it was going to go that way. So, also, you did say that you're tired of characters trying to figure out if they're in hell or not, but this guy's not doing that either. You, you as an audience member, are trying to figure yeah. out if he's in hell or not, but this guy's not. 
Yeah, but you still understand what I was trying to say. Yeah, I mean, but is that is that like I don't know, like I kind of like that idea. Well, as it goes on, it gets really fucking old after a while. <laughs> Why are you guys breaking my balls? It's the first time I've seen any of these fucking movies. Not I'm breaking not your balls. Just asking you a question. Oh, JP's. Yeah. Oh, I could already tell JP's like, oh, I don't understand why you don't like this one. What do you mean? I didn't. I, I mean, I, Moods is the one that said that, not me. Well, I mean, it's just it. It is intriguing. I mean, that you found this one crazy boring, which I, yeah. you know, I just, you know, but it is what it is, I guess. Uh, who's up? Ratings? Do ratings? Uh, on this one? I think it's it was the sixth one. Your turn, or is All it right. my turn again? Uh, who rated Infernal last? I think it was... Ah, whatever, I'll just go. Um, Hellseeker had to say... Or I said what I had to say about it. Um, I do I do find this one actually pretty entertaining. I mean, I like the investigation part. Twist is awesome. The reveal in this one is, is totally cool. It, you know, it's acted well. Um, it's got some pretty decent scenes in this one. <laughs> I like the scene, actually, where the chick... The chick is standing in front of the window. She's changing, and he just kind of waves at her. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, who the fuck does that, man? This waves yeah. at somebody naked. She fucking slams the curtain. It just made me laugh, man. Um, but yeah, man, I actually really enjoy this one. Surprisingly, uh, liked it probably even more than I did when I rewatched it for the 2002 show. And I'm coming in at a seven out of ten on this one. Yeah, I, I, I really like this one. I was super surprised. I thought that. Um, I was probably going to come down on it from the 2002 show because I thought when I watched it then that that was the maximum that I could ever like it. And I was so surprised when I was like, dude, this one is so cool. And I think that I think it's a solid script. Like if I think if maybe Jeremy didn't just watch Inferno and he's seen this one before Inferno, he would probably like this one. I think because they're so similar and he's seen Inferno first, this one just seems like a retread. Um, which it kind of is, but in, in a, it's a better retread. It just depends what order you see them in. And since I've seen them both before, I can take them both and judge them, you know, separately. Um, but I, I, I'm coming in at a 7.5 out of 10 on this one. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's true. 4.5. <laughs> all over the place on that. We're like all over the place on these films, man. <laughs> <laughs> I had it at a four, but I'll bump it up half a point after a discussion. Okay. To a four and a half. Fair enough. Okay. (laughs) Oh, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. Yeah, 2005 with Hellraiser, Deader. Yeah, one of two Hellraiser films that came out in 2005. We mentioned before. And the second one directed by Rick Boda. Yeah. The, uh, The writers on this one, though. The one guy, Neil Marshall Stevens, like he did a ton of movies as Benjamin Carr, uh, head of the family, hideous, um, curse of puppet master. Oh, he was a full moon writer. Yeah, Killer Eye, Johnny Mitchell, Boy Wizard, Retro Puppet Master. He did a bunch of uh, Tell, Tales, man. Well, full, full moon films, and I believe during the production of this one. Uh, the uh, makeup guy that I mentioned earlier, uh, Tunicliffe, he uh, did a short film with a different guy playing Pinhead 
that's actually not that bad. It's it's pretty cool. Uh, basically about Wait, Pinhead. Laminate, right? No, nah, that wasn't the one. I forget what it was called, but um, there, there's been a bunch of shorts, but th- this one was done with like two thousand dollars and like the effect and and like some of the leftover makeup stuff, and basically it involves Pinhead, um, in a world that has been fully ravaged, and there's no more souls, and his people are eventually gonna come for him. It's it's kind of a simple short film, but it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of cool concept. Um, it's like a post-apocalyptic setting. Yeah, but it's Without just souls. literally Pinhead sitting on a throne talking about it. Like not like you don't really see anything. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, at least you get to see cool Pinhead. Dialogue. It's more than this movie. All right, so set it up. All right, a journalist uncovers an underground group. Who can bring back the dead and slowly becomes drawn into their world. And one of them is a toy maker, which is the most retarded thing I've ever heard in the entire fight. Dude, you do realize like you, you, you just said retardus. You just said retardus. Well, that might be retardous. the most retardous thing I've ever heard in my life. Yes, it is retardus. <laughs> but but you're saying it like you keep saying this, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? How He's not saying think... that the guy is actually a toy maker. He's just calling him that because his descendant was a toy maker. Yeah. He's, refer- toy he's maker. referring to the original one, but being a descendant, yeah, he's, How do you have he's a just considered... And not, not mention one time that this well, dude is actually... Because that's connected. the reveal. Because we don't know until Pinhead tells us. That's but the reveal. in one line at the end of the movie. That's, that's the reveal, stupid. though. That's kind of important... That's kind of a big deal. No, 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 no. It doesn't have to be important throughout the film. That's the reveal to the film. That he's a descendant of the toy maker. That's why he has these powers. Oh, that's so stupid. Yeah. Well, I don't... Explain. (sighs) I just don't understand how you could have him as the descendant and not not mention it at all until the end of the movie. But that's... It's the reveal. It's the you, twist. You it's can't like know tie-in. You can't know what the the cult leader is is all about. You just think he's this sleazy fucking cult leader. Yeah, if you know some they crazy shit, kept that then part. What's just, the point just, of the reveal? Just kept it out. Just kept that part out. It would have been. It would have had the same fucking effect. If you reveal that he's you know a descendant of the toy maker, then what do you get in the end? Then yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you get know. Hellraiser just going but, toy but maker. Fuck you, the toy maker. He can do this stuff is because he's a descendant of La so, why, or whatever. so why didn't the other guy in Hellraiser for him any fucking special powers? He did. He created the the anti. Pinhead device. Get the fuck out of here. That's, well, that's what do you that's mean? What he doing. Get the fuck so out he of here. Make, he makes an anti pinhead to set, but this guy could bring people back from the dead. I mean, I mean, that's two totally different things than making an anti fucking well, device. The fact is that he can create something that, that, uh, that does shit, right? Like, that's that bloodline can do that, apparently. Get the fuck out of here. I don't buy that. I, don't I, buy. I just don't know what there isn't isn't to buy. I just don't buy that, 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 up. that Yeah, see that's the whole thing with the toy or the you know, Winter or Toy Maker, whatever you want to call him in the film. Is that he's a descendant, but for some reason he can't open up the box himself. That's why he creates what he's doing. Right? That's I understand that. That's the whole I'm thing. Just saying the point of him fucking having magical powers to bring people back to the life just because he's a fucking toy maker is stupid he's not a toy maker he's dude. a descendant it's an insult that like 
the, he's the pinhead is using an insult. That's an insult by by lessering his profession to a yeah. toy maker. It's it's like a diss. Exactly. You get what I'm saying? Sure. <laughs> like you can I I think like you thought that like oh he's a toy maker so like you kept saying that as if Pinhead was saying that he is a toy maker so he can do this stuff. No 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 I'm saying because. He's a descendant of the toy maker, so just because he's bloodline, he has fucking magical powers. That's stupid. Well, I mean, that would be more of an issue with the bloodline, kind of, because they set that up. <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, there's a difference between making an anti-configuration part four and bringing people fucking back to life. You know? Well, I mean, it's definitely a different thing that he's doing, but. The fact that he created a portal to hell, I mean, that's pretty powerful. I, I'd assume that bringing someone back to life is in the realm of possibility if you can open a portal, if you can make the portal to hell. You, you, you fail. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is so why I'm have, here. I'm here to get laughed at. So, so we have this character in this one um, named Amy, and... For some reason, I find Amy extremely attractive. I don't know about mm-hmm. you guys. Yeah, she's uh, spank bank material. Yeah, so <laughs> Look at I actually looked bank. into this girl, <laughs> and um, I was looking her up, and she's in like a ton of other movies, but uh, she did a bunch of nude scenes in other movies, and, and I was like, okay, well, her boobs are big in these movies, or at least bigger. And I was like, why? And like, the, clearly they're implants. And then in this movie, you see a little bit of her boobs. Nips. And she's like uh, kind of flat chested, you know, not, not super flat chested, but de- definitely not yeah. boobs. Yeah. And I found out that she actually had um, an incident with one of her implants and she ended up just getting them removed. And apparently she's on record saying that like, um, pressure from like um, her agents and stuff caused her to get the implants in the first place, which she didn't apparently even want, but they said it was the right move. So, kind of interesting little fact on uh, Carrie Wur, Wurrer, Wurrer. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, Wur. <laughs> yeah, but she's still weird. very hot, even without the implants. Like, yeah. when she, like, I absolutely love the opening to this film when she's in the, uh, like, the trap house. <laughs> Sorry. Way to absolutely destroy our audience's ears. <laughs> Way too loud. <laughs> I had to give I had to give the boobs. Come on. But so um she goes she's in this like um like sort of trap house thing and uh there's like just all these junkies like everywhere. Like it's such like a desolate looking environment and yeah. like um, I think they kind of went overboard a little bit because um, typically there's like not that many people in those, you know, things. Um, but she uh, she's like an investigative like reporter type thing. So she was like kind of getting she's like, you know, living the life. Yeah. Like and I, I thought that was a kind of a cool setup to the film and kind of kind of decent character development to kind of show you. I love the train is. people. Train people are fucking dope. I mean, until I was, until the reveal happens, you know, at the end, like, aren't you questioning why in the fuck the videotape was sent there? You know, to that agency. 
Because, uh, like, it could have um, been sent anywhere, right? I guess I didn't think about that. Yeah, I didn't. Either. You know? I mean... Like, really? It, like, why was it her that was picked? You know, kind of thing. Why was it sent well, to there? But then, I mean, the you are shown picked her. But, yeah. Like, <laughs> you're shown why, but... Like, through the whole... F- I'm like, why in the fuck is that tape even there? Wait, but, I can't even remember the ending right now. What happens at the end of this one? A whole pile of oh, people yeah, get the, fucking... Oh, yeah, the dude. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah the... the, the, the <laughs> like, uh, wait a minute. Like, her boss? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he has something to do yeah. with it. But, like, you don't know, because I, I was, like, half an hour in the film again, I was like... Why in the fuck does is she picked? I'm like, what the fuck? Oh yeah, and then the end happens. I'm like, okay. oh yeah, her boss picked her. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Because they actually show it happening again. Right? See, that's the there's thing with watching victim. fucking ten Hellraiser movies. Like the shit fucking blends together. Yeah. The, yeah. The, by this point, I was like really like blending together. But um, well, like, yeah, the, C- one the CGI, scene this movie. the CGI chains are fucking horrible in this movie. Yeah, but yeah, at least at least they're really bad. At least we get some deaths in the end of the film, though. Christ, yeah. it's, it's pretty pretty moderate, man. Until that point, and then, and then like fucking twenty five people get massacred. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I actually like really like the, you know the the whole opening of this film, like I mentioned, and then when she goes to her uh, like office thing, um, it kind of has like this soft lighting, like almost again like a TV. Um, it like, does. It's like a trait of this director, man. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, and I, I kind of like that. Like it, it kind of has a cool atmosphere and then like the um her going to romania um is pretty cool and i, I think that the like settings and where's this the underground kind of yeah this, this was shot in uh, bucharest I, th- I believe and that's uh, where the wifey lived and taught was in the city they shot this oh, movie okay. yeah looks like a shithole <laughs> well romania was a third world country at one time right yeah. So it's, well, they that's why, that's they, they also shot films there. It's actually quite. She said it's quite beautiful there. It's you know that's it's it's old. It's old school because they haven't had anything updated. But yeah, they literally they have, have real castles. They like have it's... underground communities that capture people and torture them underground. <laughs> well, th- there was there was <laughs> yeah. like most of uh, the '90s like full moon movies were shot over there. Oh, it's just like, super cheap. And, yeah, yeah, they like subspecies, like all of those. Like they were. It was like a really big. Um, it was like the Philippines. Cheap, the cheap place to shoot movies. Yeah. And uh, so, the, I mean, that kind of makes sense. It's that... too bad they don't utilize this, uh, you know, the setting a little bit more. You get yeah, to yeah. see a little bit of it, but like, you know, Romania, you know, from the outside looking in is pretty cool looking. So, so. Moods, how much screen time does Pinhead have in this movie? Since you always fucking were paying attention. Uh, has, like nothing. Yeah, Pinhead. I think Pinhead finally shows up about 57 yeah. minutes into the film. And he's only on screen for something like six minutes or something in this one. Oh, yeah, pretty good actually. Six um, one, one five, of my, five or six. It's pretty. It's pretty pretty low. One of my favorite scenes in in any of the Hellraiser sequels after Part Two is actually in this movie, and it's the scene where she awakes and she's like bleeding, and you see that she's like stabbed. Yeah, yeah. There's something about that scene that is it, it, just like terrifying. It's one of the coolest scenes in the whole film, and then when she has to pull it out of her back. Yeah, and she's like, just like the like the like the overview shot in the bathroom with like the like you know like it's just an escalation of of like just paranoia and like fear when when she has well, that no, and because- the blood's really good there. It's because yeah. she killed her father, so that's why. Well, it all plays into that, right? Of yeah. all the the yeah. the abuse and all that type of shit that's mm-hmm. happening, but yeah. um, 
it's kind of interesting how they played off, you know, with her storyline, like how she was actually killed, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of reanimated. And, so, and all this is kind of played because, again, this whole movie is like very psychological. Like, what the fuck is kind of going on? Right. Yep, it's yeah. just like the other two. It is. It's very much like the other films. It's got a very psychological approach to it and stuff. But there's a lot of cool things that are happening in the film. I mean, yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> like the, I don't know, man, the scene where she first shows up at that uh, that girl's apartment and she's she finds her dead on the toilet. Yeah. watching that scene was so frustrating to me because you could see her moving yeah i saw that too i wrote that down <laughs> i kept laughing the, i was like man but you know if you were amy wouldn't you just like suck it up for Kick a second you just move move <laughs> the arm or move the leg and just grab the you know the yeah. the envelope and shit i'm like fuck that man. i mean just technically she's hanging there so technically there could be some sway yeah but oh, she's still sta- she's still <laughs> sitting there she's like actually on the shitter <laughs> <laughs> but maybe she know, burst man. her hemorrhoid and that's how she died well the toilet seat is closed so i don't know uh-huh. but uh no i don't know man there's actually some pretty decent scenes i i really fucking love the train scene me too Z- my I, I guess there's a couple scenes like that but could you imagine just having the the the, the ability last three trains so this is like a party yeah weird just to be rolling around on the subway system you know and partying yeah. I want to see cool. a whole movie based on those people. Yeah, man, that's so <laughs> like what, what what kind of mischief do they get into? Who are they fucking up? I don't know if you guys noticed, but all the weird shit that like when she's walking through the train, like all the weird characters and shit. There's the, like you know, there's like, people fucking and there's, a lot like, of titties and le- lesbian yeah. sex and but there's all of a sudden there's like this ten year old kid just standing there. <laughs> and I'm like, and then the next scene is these two lesbians licking each other's tits, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> obviously not shot at the same time but like, like i said great. i want to see a whole movie yeah yeah it, very 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 interesting like i feel like this one is the one that's not originally a hellraiser oh, and i completely. think this is the one that um doug bradley yeah. alluded to that's yeah. why i they definitely added in that stupid ass toy maker line <laughs> Well, I don't the, know why that line pisses you off. This so whole bad. film definitely doesn't feel like a Hellraiser. F- I mean, until you know the sixty-minute mark, seventy-minute mark, when you finally get some Hellraiser. Because they but, just add it in out of nowhere just to yeah. fucking try and connect it to the other movies, and it's fucking stupid. But I actually don't mind the story and like the, the whole thing that's happening in this one. Yeah. It was it was yeah. pretty entertaining yeah, until to be he honest. Says you are a toy maker. He <laughs> doesn't call him a toy maker. You are a descendant of the toy maker, or whatever the fuck he says. It's stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I really don't have a pro. I mean, because it's the reveal. I mean, he's the descendant. I mean, you have to have something there. Yeah, I would. I actually would rather have it there than not. Right. I mean, it, you it, are, it, it ties you into are a everything. Toy maker. Now watch my shitty CGI chains kill you all. It ties in. It ties in everything. But. Those are so bad. I kind of like the whole necromancy thing, you know, all that type of. I, it was kind of cool. I mean, it was essentially the main part of the plot. Well, would incestors? So. That, no, that's revelations. Oh, revelations! Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> this one does have bad effects, though. I will. I will agree with yeah. that. The CG and shit is, you know, it's pretty kind of put together. Um. It's too bad there wasn't a little bit more deaths throughout the film, but I guess they couldn't based on what the story was. But it just it, yeah. it, the end of this film feels like it was just attached to a different film. It exactly. totally it totally does. That, that's why that line shouldn't be there. 
but it has to be or else the whole film would feel like it shouldn't be there exactly. <laughs> that's the point it should have been another movie I, I think you're too hung up on that one little connection honestly it doesn't really matter at the end of the day it's still the same movie with or without it uh-huh. it's just that line can you know kind of kind of make it feel more at home a little bit Mm-hmm. To the series, but everything that happens at the end of the film makes sense. Feel I mean, a little bit more yeah. at home. when Amy, you know, Amy yes, has to stuff. kill herself. She has to kill herself to to close the box and stuff, and all that stuff mm-hmm. actually makes sense, right? Yeah. So I, I mean, at least that. that works, right? I don't know. I don't. I didn't really have a lot of problems. I definitely like this movie a lot more it's than way better than I, than I remembered than Hellseeker <laughs> <laughs> that I remembered it being. I remember hating this film for some reason. Maybe. I was just like, where the fuck is Pinhead? You know, I'm just like one of those people. You know what's funny about this Shaking my beer and foam going everywhere. Where the fuck is Pinhead? You know, it's like. I I bought this one on DVD when a a, a video store closed down in the area. And I remember popping it in so many times, trying to watch it and just being like, I get, you know, in that state of mind that it's a Hellraiser and just, just never getting really far into it. Just always, always shutting it off. Mm-hmm. This was back be- way before like YouTube and I like watched movies like the way I well, do now. Well, I, I have to be I have to be the first to admit it took me three settings to get through Revelation. So I'm proud of myself. I made through nine <laughs> films, eight films. Dude, you have the worst. You have the worst attention span ever. Revelation is like seventy minutes long. It took you three settings. It's horrible, bro. I just could, I just at that point I just couldn't stomach it anymore. I couldn't take any more pinhead. <clears throat> I was pinhead out. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. Jesus. So, shit, man. I don't have. I don't have like any notes on this one, honestly. Uh, let's see what I said. I said, um, "How does this guy know English? Who's in this apartment? That's fucking stupid. If he's in Romania, why is he not speaking another language?" Well, Aaron probably taught that guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling well, you, man. Some of our students uh, were just he- kids. Why do these bitches open up the box even after being told not to? That's stupid. Which and I said, bitches? "Curiosity killed the motherfucker." And I said, cool, "Or something like okay. that." That's it. What do you got? Anything else? <laughs> um, it's bullshit. He's a toy maker. He's not a toy maker. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Here's the scene. I. Is it when she finds the box or when she finds some? I can't remember what the fuck she finds, but man, it's like so fucking. It's so deathly cheesy. It like it kind of slows down and it goes all oh, cheese I music. Something now. Oh my! I remember when she is like in that tight crevice, the wall keeps oh, fucking the, moving. The claustrophobic. <laughs> oh, it does that's like yeah. such a I, that, fuck, dude. Why would you ever put yourself in that situation, man? Like she voluntarily put herself into that claustrophobic fucking situation. Screw that. Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, this one's just like, like such a weird, bizarre Hellraiser. Like I like it, I like it, but it's just it's out. It's like weird. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. Well, all three of these are the same movie, so you could have got rid of two of them. And well, this one has a lot of movie. lot of different imagery and a lot of different scenes and type of things yeah, that, are, that are going on. I mean, on this it's one, but... still like an investigative narrative, but it's like it's very different in its. I guess quest. Mm-hmm. 
It is, is because um, like she's been killed and resurrected, you know, and she doesn't yeah. know it, right? So we're following her thinking that she's alive, but we ultimately find out. I mean, I, I guess we kind of realize when she gets stabbed in the fucking back and she's not dying. It's Dude, like, I love that scene. Seriously like, that wrong. scene went up, like, took my rating up a full point just from that scene yeah. of, of it, her it waking a, up with the knife. It is a good scene. At least they took the time to shoot it from above and, like, actually do yeah, some pretty decent cinematography. Like so cool, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. That's cool. And, and it honestly was, like, one of the more Hellraiser things <laughs> in these movies. <laughs> But yep, I mean, I guess you want to go into ratings. Sure, man. I don't really know what else to say without giving the whole fucking thing away. Yeah. I mean, it's um, Hellraiser debtor. Again, I like this one. I'm very surprised at, at where I'm coming in on these films, honestly. And uh, yeah, I, I like this one about as much as I liked Inferno. I came in at a seven. Hmm. Jeremy, <laughs> six out of ten for me. Uh, I am at a six and a half, so I'm right in the middle of you guys. Huh. It's not so. me for once. Fuck you. <laughs> well, that's the, I mean, that's the chance you take when you're going third, right? <laughs> you might come smack dead in the middle. Who knows? Yeah, but I always get made fun of. Oh, he's always the one that just comes in the middle. Well, I mean, let's be, let's face it, man. Usually you can't think well, of Well, now ratings, you have your like... ratings wrote down, so like you feel like an idiot for changing them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the public to see, so... Yeah. See when I see when I put all my shit up on Letterbox, I put a question mark beside all my all my ratings. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't rate them until after the show. Yeah. I don't care. Fuck them. <laughs> well, I mean, I do it for my own enjoyment of not knowing what you guys are gonna say. But clearly, you don't have that same desire. No, because what I'm gonna put down on the fucking Letterbox. I'm not going to be able to remember what I what I liked about it anyway, just like every other movie that we talked about today, so it doesn't really matter. So I don't even know if that had anything to do with what I said. <laughs> but uh, let's move on here. All right. Where are we at? Aren't you happy you brought me back? Things seem to have changed. Hell is more ordered since your time, princess. And much less amusing. All right, so we're going to jump from June of oh, 2005 man. until September 2005. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. It's like four months later. Uh, Hellraiser, Hellworld. <laughs> Am I just having like a retard moment or something? I, I don't know, man. They're, they're it's like, like four months later. It's the same year. Four months later, we get Hellraiser, Hellworld. Like, I just feel like at this point in the Hellraiser franchise, like, (laughs) Dimension was like, all right, let's just, you know, take the budget that we would have for one Hellraiser and let's make two out of it. And uh, let's uh, just make them vastly different and see, throw shit at the wall and see which one sticks. That's exactly what probably happened here. Do you want to know what sticks? That's what what sticks. One of the worst performances in horror movie history. That's what sticks. All right, Hellraiser, Hellworld 2005, also directed by Rick Boda. Yeah. What else can we say? Uh, synopsis, gamers playing a MMORPG-based game. This is a you fucking cl- clearly tell game. has never heard of that. It's just a click-based game. It's not even yeah. an MMO. It's fucking retarded. Based it's like a on- flash game. <laughs> okay, so based on the Hellraiser films find their lives endangered uh, after meta. being invited to a rave 
And they call it a rave on here. So, I, I thought so it was his party. The host of which intends to show them the truth behind the Cenobite mythos. So based on the Hellraiser films, which they know what Hellraiser looks like because you see him on this fucking game, but actually he's real? That's fucking stupid. Well, I mean... I mean, I, it's not like I mean we've seen that before. I know. Yeah, yeah this I isn't know. actually a new new premise, but yeah, like uh, you know, um, I mean, I, I guess like a lot of things are always based in fact. I mean, it's like the, not that far of a stretch. Like, let's just say the Chenard <laughs> occult thing got to the internet. <laughs> Get the hell you know what I mean, and and it just blossomed from there. Now JP's trying to connect Hellraiser two right. to Hellraiser. No, 8. no, I'm just saying the concept that Chenard was able to find out this stuff. Well, that was pre-internet. Imagine what would happen in the internet world. You know what I mean? Oh, you're gonna make my head explode. Which is which is kind of it's it's probably not a shame but it's a sh- it's a shame at the same time that they didn't really show a lot of the internet graphics. They didn't actually create a like a you know a lot of game a good looking game oh, no <laughs> they didn't really show us a lot of this man so they take this premise that it's based off a game they don't really show you a lot of this one man you hell can do a better job with adobe <laughs> hell world is essentially something you know obviously making debtor and hell world in the same year they tried to do something completely different uh this movie essentially is a fucking revenge film that's exactly yeah. what it is it's just a full-blown revenge film um, yeah that's like the reveal you know what I mean? It, it's it's so weird. I could totally see the mindset of making this movie, right? Like, yeah. like okay, let's let's make two different Hellraiser movies. Let's make this one like, mm-hmm. you know, post Scream era, like almost like slasher, like maybe a little Saw influence. Like, let's just take everything that's hot at the time and like mash it all together. And they did two thousand five. Like they, they, they yeah. <laughs> you know, they they you know you know what was hot in two thousand five was horrible acting. <laughs> Yeah, well, when did Hostel come out? Chelsea is literally the worst. Hostel came out in 2005, I think. So Um, they took a little bit of... has been out already. So they took elements from all these films because, I mean, there's torture-esque scenes in this. You know, it feels very slasher-esque. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's everything that was hot at the time. Mashed yeah, into a hell bit world. Of meta there, meta fucking you know, scream and stuff. Oh god, it's all over the place. Everything about this film is just—it's just a Horrible. mashup of of hot topic. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. Which hearing stories about dimension from Todd Farmer and Patrick Lussier, it totally doesn't surprise me that these guys was just taking everything that was popular and mashing it up because like literally they've made so many movies based on that concept. Yeah. yeah. In fact, that's how we almost got the Hellraiser film that was like final destination. Remember that story that Todd Farmer tells when they were trying to remake, uh, (laughs) uh, Hellraiser and, and final destination like five or something came out and was real hot. And then they were like, Oh, make it like that. You know? (laughs) So it's like, it totally doesn't surprise me at all that this movie was made like this. Now there's some (laughs) cool stuff in this movie. Like it kind of has that neat, like that's mid two thousands vibe, you know, (laughs) and Jeremy, I haven't agreed with you much on this show, but I will agree. Adding the cell phone angle so in this stupid. is so fucking annoying and irritating. <laughs> Every fucking scene, phone's ringing, people are talking on it, they're fucking reading <laughs> texts. It's like, fuck off! It's so 
stupid. It's so fucking. It's so agitating to watch, man. It's so agitating, especially since they were like in the ground this entire time with a fucking cell phone next to their ear. It's like this is so fucking stupid. There's just. I mean, we've always talked about how cell phones and horror films can ultimately ruin films. It's it's such a mm. shitty thing that's been incorporated, I mean, just due to technology and the way the world works. But to have, like, a main... Like, it's like a focus thing in this film. Yeah, and how does, like, a five-digit <laughs> like, I, I like the concept of the numbers on the head, like, hook up with the person thing. But, like, it's just... I it, Like, it does not make sense that... Okay, like, okay, no, you're going to buy all numbers. these cell phones, and then you're going to, like, it just doesn't, it's, like, such a silly concept. So stupid. Very much of the time, too. Like, that's some shit that totally reeks of 2005. Yeah. This whole film reeks of 2005. Oh, yeah. But also, like... But they had it, like... I mean, dude, saw. I mean, saw. saw I mean, the, the death where the chick is, you know, strapped in the chair, and those those yeah. blades are coming. Out. Like, I mean, how fucking saw influences that? Like, you know? super saw. And like, literally, come she's on. like, she, like, the saws are like, like in her skin, and she's still fucking screaming for like twenty <laughs> seconds after she would have been totally annihilated. Yeah, it's like, like saw this... had just come out too. It was like the year before. Yeah. And I want to know how Pinhead knows how to use a computer. Well, Anybody? I mean, this movie well. <laughs> is like just throwing like, the, like, I mean, okay. A- answer me this. Answer me this. How in the fuck? Okay. Actually, I probably just answered my own question by thinking about it for a second. But since Lance Hendrickson turned down the role and what in the first film, so he yeah. felt like he just, you know, well, shit, man, Hellraiser. Uh, you know, well, you got to remember at this time too, this was prime time, like from here to like 2009, to get a, a horror name in your movie, like whether it's Daniel Harris or Kane Hodder or Tony Todd or Lance Henriksen. Yeah, like, that's true. It was just the thing to do. You but know Lance I mean? still has to take the movie. Like, did he not read the script? Well, I mean, look at the movies Lance has taken, t- taken though. Like, he's he does this all the time. Like, this is... Thing. I guess so. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah it, it, hey, Chuck, can, we talk, can we talk about the acting, please? Oh, speaking of the acting, actually, uh, Chelsea is literally one of the worst performances I've ever seen. Okay, is she is she is she worse in this film or in Satan's Little Helper? Because remember, she's the hotter older sister. She's in that film. way worse in this movie. She is, man. I it's man. she's so fucking flat and oh. Well, she has big tits, but she has big tits. I don't know. But... Like to me, like <laughs> acting, Absolutely like this this horrible. level of acting, like I've seen way worse acting. Than no, this. Like, not I don't me. know how. Like like obviously it's bad acting, but. I never and those like, fucking two shots, those fucking two shots of them in the car. It's so fucking nauseating. <laughs> it's fucking just, just take a gun and shoot me with that fucking pop music playing that... in the fucking background. <laughs> that stuff doesn't bother me, man. Like, oh god, so and then the fucking license like, plate changes. It's a fucking long ass yeah, Canadian that was plate, and then it changes to a fucking New York plate. It's fucking. Where's the script supervisor? Damn it. Fucking. Oh, God. That fucking montage. That montage bullshit. Oh. I mean, that. I, I mean, those type of montages are just to show distance. I know, but they're just nauseating. I, I, I've no, I don't think I've ever been nauseated at, at something so small. <laughs> but, um, okay, so, like, the, the the setup to this film like okay that doesn't make sense like no th- this party they go to come oh, on actually okay so the setup to the film is this it looks guy like they used the they so, used the sign from hellraiser 3 and there was like oh let's just get a welder to 
All right. the ladders around. Well, let's start at the top here. So the beginning of the film starts out where this group of five friends, they're at this funeral for their friend Adam, who has fallen victim to this game, uh, Hellworld. Um, he got too deep into it and then just he killed himself because he couldn't handle it and shit like that. So it jumps a year into the future and now they have won their way to this uh, hell, this hell world party or something like that where they, of course, all go to and then the shit goes down from there. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which, like, you would have, like, you're led to believe that this must be, like, a massive ass game that everybody plays because like the people that are playing it for one like come on we know pe- the type of people that mostly get really deep well it sounds like it's MMOs. like the it's like the hottest rpg game out there or whatever yeah and... but still i mean like these are all mega attractive people at this party right yeah like those are not gamers like you're saying you know i never thought right? of it like that but that's so true like even but even chelsea give me a fucking break she's playing that shit come on She's yeah. way too hot for that. She man. doesn't even look like she like she okay like her character. Dude, she's a fucking cheerleader. She should she should be playing in one of those fucking cheerleader films or some shit. That's what she looks like. Ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, Stupid like casting. the very concept of this movie literally makes zero sense on the surface. Mm-hmm. The whole video game angle, but I do like. Um, I I will say I I do like a lot of the aesthetic in the film though. There's just so much Hellraiser stuff, like that huge yeah, Lamont configuration, like, like everything around. If you if you watch the film, if you just kind of like look in the back, there's so much Hellraiser shit. It's kind, it's actually kind of cool. So it's it's like um, I think that this movie, like the device to get to the the plot, you know, the plot device to get to the party is really dumb. Like the whole concept is stupid. But I gotta be honest, like, I don't hate the part, the whole thing at the party. Like, I think it's kind of fun. Yeah, there's some really cheesy bad moments, too. Um, but <laughs> okay, I so, like the atmosphere. Okay, so, okay. Um, so, three of the friends that are getting killed, like, right away. Well, not right away, I guess, whatever, throughout the film. And then we got Chelsea, and who's the other person? Is it Jake? No. Yeah, he was the one that, like was like kind of like distanced themselves from the group from when they their friend died yeah okay so so chelsea at this point she doesn't know that her friends are being picked off because she's locked upstairs in this in this attic where pretty much like the whole film is is happening and shit then you got this other character jake who is in the party but all of a sudden he's like um invisible to the rest of the party what the fuck? Yeah. Like, so, mm-hmm. why all of a sudden in the did I miss something there? Even with well, the reveal, I, mean, the I was thinking kind of. I I guess, but like, why was he invisible? Because she wasn't, or maybe she was. No, maybe she was. She was invisible to the outside world. That's right. Like, okay. When the police yeah. come. Okay, so that made. But I mean, it all makes sense in the end. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but like, it, but there's just this point in this film where they're all of a sudden invisible. And why does that happen? Even though, I mean, we it's find out... hallucinations. Like, what when we find out? Like, there's really no explanation. Like, at the time, you're just assuming that it's... No, 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 I know, I know it's, like, the hallucination stuff, but, like, why all of a sudden did they become invisible? Right? Because, like, they were part of the party, and then all of a sudden they were just... There was, like, a portion where Buddy was, like, trying to order a drink, and he <laughs> wasn't getting any love. 
Yeah, I think that it's supposed to, like, at the time, you're supposed to think that it's something supernatural going on. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's that's their way of telling you, you know, that there's something going on here. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. But I I just thought it was so odd. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know. But. Like, the whole movie, and even the reveal, is super fucking convoluted. Um, I don't know why I kind of had a little fun with this one. Dude, the like, last scene in the movie is so good. fucking yeah, stupid. Boy. The last scene in the film is so fucking stupid. What? In the in the car? Oh yeah. What? That doesn't even make sense at all. I like yeah. I I bursted out laughing last. I literally like just started howling. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I didn't remember it at all. The Lance Henriksen cameo. Yeah, at the end. dude. Yeah. I was, I just burst out laughing and I was like, that is so fucking. Yeah, stupid. It, like it literally. Like you don't at this point, there are do- no fucking rules to Pinhead at all. There's no rules, but like, why would they even bother to throw that in? It it does nothing for anything, except go. That doesn't make fucking sense. It just brings well, the Pen- film down. Pinhead's in this what like a minute, oh, minute and a half. Yeah, he's like two minutes of screen time, if that. Oh, why would he agree to do this? Well, uh, apparently this was the one that that put him overboard. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh Christ! That fucking black guy with asthma. I got asthma. I fucking oh. Yeah, this is like a a torture, yeah, if, torture porn slasher revenge an, film. If you have an if you're having an asthma attack, you wouldn't be able to run around an entire fucking house and go down the stairs and fucking. <laughs> well, maybe he was running on adrenaline. Asthma's fake anyway. Fuck you! No, it's not, dude. <laughs> Haven't you seen it? It's just water. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. But yeah, this movie's fucking retarded. Yep. Yeah, it is it's pretty fucking stupid. It's pretty fucking stupid. At least it had Ratings? a decent aesthetic. I actually couldn't believe it though when I was watching. <laughs> I was like I just I, I thought the coolest thing though was that huge puzzle box, you know, on that rotated, like that huge motherfucker. I thought that was actually kinda cool. They actually did that for the film. I was like, wow, that's really ambitious for such a shitty movie <laughs> yeah I, I mean the whole locale was cool like yeah. for a different movie that had a different I'm sorry this is script the i was pissed though six of the hellraiser franchise no. that no, no, uh no, that no, chelsea no. or their catherine winwick didn't show her titties in this one fuck yeah but this is nowhere near as <clears throat> bad as children of corn six i disagree i think it's way worse Dude, this at least had like the plot no, might be no. dumb but it is follow you can follow the plot no this movie's like, way better than children of the corn six yeah dude like well, this is not like, even on the same it's not it's not playing. i mean nothing is as bad as howling seven i mean well no, except for maybe like, slaughter okay Cause, like but. Uh, this movie is dumb and it's like plot holes and stuff but it's a coherent narrative. Like, mm-hmm. it, yeah. it has a story. Like, Children of the Corn 6 is an absolute mess. Yeah. They're, they're actually, you can't even make sense of that movie. Yeah. This even, movie even, the writers, even the writers are dumb. scratching their head going, that doesn't even make sense, but we're going to keep it Yeah, there. like, this movie 100% <laughs> makes sense. Like, you, like, like, it makes sense. It's just really fucking dumb. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> ah, Ratings... It's your turn. Yeah, I think it's your turn. Three out of ten. Um, <laughs> oh, my next. Uh, what did I? What did I give this one? I gave this movie a three and a half. Wow, that's what I wrote down. So I'm gonna stick with it. 
This movie's um, just but, a just a hunk of fuckery. Believe it or not, I find this movie entertaining, but I do not factor in entertainment much with my ratings. A little bit. Um, I do think this is a better movie than Bloodline. Truly, I think Bloodline is just an absolute mess that makes no sense. This movie, stupid, but still makes sense in its world that it tried to set up. Um, at least more, it, it's faster paced. It's not as fucking dull. Uh, I gave it a four, man. Four, three. Oh man, we're a half a point, you fucking bitch. <laughs> really? Half ten point. Oh, uh, ten and a half. Well, it has to be nine and a half. Actually, it's got to be under. Yeah, 10. so you're dumb as hell again. Jesus Christ, Jeremy! Have you been paying attention to being on the show for? We have no Hall of Painters as well. I guess we'll find out. Two flicks left, man. Well, there's two left. Well, yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> All right, well, wait, 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 let me read this. It shows guests around the mountain, a mansion, allegedly a former convent and asylum also built by Philip Lamarckan. Don't tell me this house is a fucking toy maker house. Fuck that. Oh, yeah, they say that in the movie. They do. They actually do. What a load of shittery. (laughs) You're not liking that toy maker thing, are you? God. I mean, it's not as retarded as that guy being a toy maker, but he wasn't a toy maker. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jeremy! Oh man! <laughs> All right, let's go. Okay. This is not a room. This is the Holocaust waiting to wake itself. 2011. We get Hellraiser Revelations. This masterpiece was directed by Victor <laughs> Garcia. It took me three sittings, bro. <laughs> 75 minutes. So he actually directed um, Mirrors 2 before this one. And I wanted then to do the Mirrors film. I he went on to direct The Damned, which I actually never saw. I never seen this one. He did Return the House on Haunted Hill, too. What a masterpiece that movie is. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's how I know his name. Return to movie ha- House sucks. That's right. The re- <laughs> Didn't that one have Chris Kattan in it? <laughs> that was the sequel to the remake. <laughs> Didn't return to have Chris Kattan in it? Oh, no. No? Or that was the first one? That was the first one. It wasn't the first one? Fuck, brutal. I haven't seen this in a while. Um, But yeah, man. <laughs> Written by that name that I said that would pop up again. Uh, for All the way back from Hellraiser 3, he did the special effects on Hellraiser 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. And now he finally gets upgraded to writer. Uh, Gary J. Tunicle. Well, he definitely does not deserve a medal. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, what's the uh, plot to this one? Two friends discover a puzzle box in Mexico, which unleashes Cenobite Pinhead. That was Mexico, by the way. Mm. Sorry, I'm sick. <clears throat> so, what we get in the beginning of this one is kind of well, I, I will say the most annoying cinematography slash it, it, it almost plays out like it's found footage at first. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. Um, of these two characters that are in Mexico partying up because they've had enough uh-huh. of their their very rich boy life. You know, very yeah. typical white people. They have get sick of being <laughs> the, rich. So the they Jeremy go, life. Yeah, so they so they head down to Tijuana and they're filming a bunch of shit and they find this box, they open it up and unleash the fury. So that's what we get with Revelations here. 
three hundred thousand dollars this film cost. So yeah, a little backstory on this movie. Uh, Dimension was about to lose their rights. They were working on a remake. They kept pulling the plug on it. They were about to lose their rights. Apparently, there was some kind of clause in their rights when they signed over the rights that they had to make a movie every like five years, or else they would re- lose the rights. That's why we saw so many Hellraiser movies. Um, and they quickly ran out of time, so they threw this film together with a three hundred thousand dollar budget, and I believe just a seventy page script, and uh, I think like uh, like just over a week of shooting. It's like um, a David Sterling film. Yeah, and we and we got that. <laughs> and like I know I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this, but oh, don't I don't like this despise movie. this movie. Oh, I actually like Jesus. this movie. Jesus Christ. I'm not even joking. Okay, this is so... the most Hellraiser film that we've seen since Hellraiser 2. Oh my god. We would still um, believe this jabroni. It is not a well-made movie, but I think that it has moments. If 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 it had better acting, better casting and more time, I think it would have been a pretty solid Hellraiser sequel. And obviously the one hugest awful thing about this movie is this just dweeb ass <laughs> doofus who's pinhead oh he's pinhead, a bad pinhead. Pin, pin, pinhead is yeah he's like he's like that he's cokehead so tra- i feel he, like he's like a cokehead this dude inflated fucking cokehead pinhead <laughs> like i feel like this guy was like oh man i get to play pinhead like this is gonna be so cool like and i just wish somebody was like dog do not do this you're fucking gonna look like an asshole don't so do this dog you're gonna have his retarded offspring gutter pinhead who doesn't make any I sense i actually kind of like that thing. so what we get here is steven smith collins plays pinhead and then there is there's a voice there's actually two guys that play pinhead fred taskascori he does the voice so i'm assuming that the other guy either was the worst actor in the world voice actor or something or his voice just wasn't right but there's a dub like over say, there's a like, dub over like the shit with the dude coming out of the bed that was pretty cool well listen let me let me make a little bit of a case why i like this movie um it's it's a film filled with depravity like I, every character in here is a piece of shit and I, it fits so well with what we know about uh, the people that that get sucked into this box and and stuff like that. You have the vagrant back, which is kind of cool that they took the time to write that character back in there. You have um, these well, two just awful. Think of anything else? I mean, I mean, is that? I, I mean, that I think that's actually thinking on your feet when you have uh, a week to write a script or whatever. Like, oh, let's bring the vagrant back. Like, I think that's pretty cool. So why um, didn't they bring back CD Cenobite then? Because that wasn't cool. The vagrant's cool. <laughs> um, so I, I think that, you know, these two kids are awful characters. I like the found footage approach at the beginning. You're kind of filled in on what happened on their trip. I like that this guy, like, kills this hooker in the bathroom because he's a piece of shit. And then his friend kind of, uh, you know, helps him out and feeds him people like the Frank Julia thing. It's kind of a different aspect where it's not this re- love relationship. It's It's these two... You know, almost like they remind you of like the Columbine kids or something. You know what I mean? Just like rich white kids who are pieces of shit. And uh, then you you have this you know skin swap thing where you find out it's a little bit of a twist towards the end where you find out the one kid actually turned on his boy and and is wearing his skin and and uh, like at first you think it's incest, but technically it's not. But then it kind of turns into like a home invasion film. Yeah, but you still got a bone. You still got a boner thinking it was incest. 
Yeah, yeah, because I love incest in movies. We've discussed this before. See, that's why there's like a million stepfather porno videos coming out lately because people like you. Stepfather porno videos? Yeah, I keep hearing it on Howard Stern. Like, the new trend in porn is having like a stepdaughter fucking her stepfather. I thought it was like the, the like. Or the stepmom um, fucking the stepson. I thought it was like the the like black guys banging the the white. But that's not even incest though. If they're step, they're not related. I mean, yeah, yeah. no, but it's just like that gets people hot or something. I don't know. But um, yeah. So like, okay, there's so much wrong with this movie, and, and we know like the pinhead thing is awful. The uh, acting is is awful. definitely below par. Um, it's 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 not great. Um, but I think that the actual script to this movie is not bad for, especially when you consider the time that it was written. But I, I think the script's pretty good. Jeremy, want to chime in on that? Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely not. not good, or absolutely not that you don't want to chime in. Both. <laughs> <laughs> Like I like I had to give it credit. Like at least it's trying. Like like I said, that bed shot is at least they're going back to its roots a little bit with the mm-hmm. idea of getting rejuvenated by somebody else. Like it's interesting, but it's like like when he comes back and he's in the house, fucking holding all those people hostage. It's like wh- why is this a Hellraiser movie? And I don't know. Well, I mean, like what what do you mean by why is it a Hellraiser movie? It just it just feels like it was – I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like the reason he's holding them hostage is because he thinks – and this doesn't work out for him. But he yeah. thinks he can trade their souls yes, for his. I know that. Yeah, man. Nico's a piece of shit. Yeah. He's, trying to, he's trying to save his ass. He kills his fucking and friend. I, I do he think killed- he does a good job of being an asshole. Yeah, like I mean, he, I mean, yeah, he's not. He killed his fucking friend. He was helping him out. He killed his friend. He killed a hooker. He killed a couple other hookers. Um, he, he, he made his he made his girlfriend think that she was incesting, which is just pretty <laughs> cruel to do. <laughs> Dude, so funny, so funny. <laughs> Dude, I don't know, man. Like, I, I actually like this movie. I'm not gonna. Lie. I was I really liked it the first time I seen it, <sighs> and I like it now. It, it's so hard to get into because like the first five minutes has the most obnoxious cinematography in it ever. It's just it's shot. I mean, I understand it's supposed to be shot found footage style, but it's like five across the eyes times ten. You know, it's just like it was giving me a fucking headache five minutes into it. The acting. I do agree. It's some of the worst, man. I think there's a scene where the Steven character is like freaking out. Like after he, he comes back, like out of out of the blue kind of thing, and which oh, is okay. actually Nico, but it's. Steven, the, the actor, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like, uh-huh. oh my God, there's a couple scenes there. He, his acting is so fucking bad. Like it's yeah. laugh. It's so he's laughable. Like, he's trying to be mad. Give me my chicken noodle soup. No, there's a scene where he's like getting all pissy and shit. And I'm just like, oh dude, shaking my head. But um, I don't know, man. At, at least, you know, the effects in the film weren't too bad. I'll give him that. Yeah, I mean, besides Pinhead, like Pinhead's a piece of shit. We all agree on that. But yeah, like, Pinhead's. But some if, of the gore it, effects that, were pretty if good. This was Doug That's Bradley, kind of like though. The most important thing. It's like if there's one thing you don't want to fuck up, it's Pinhead. Yeah, it's like, which is true. <laughs> but if this was Doug Bradley, dude, like, do you think people would actually be like, "Oh, this actually isn't a bad attempt at a Hellraiser film," actually being one? 
I think what hurts it though, yeah, it's got this really short running time, like a full moon film. It's got a shitty pinhead, mm-hmm. and it just comes. I, and maybe the way it starts too. I don't know, man. It, for me, it was super awkward to watch. The, I actually, the first time I seen it, that's like the first thing that I liked about it was the way it starts. I, I mean, in retrospect, now I can see where you're coming from with the amount of shakiness. But I think I was just so intrigued that it was like, oh, this is a found footage Hellraiser. That I was kind of like, that's kind of cool. And yeah, and honestly, like I like the miss the piecing together what happened in Tijuana because it's kind of mysterious at first, like where you don't know what happened to these guys while they were down there. So and then it's like slowly pieced back together. Yeah. So they, so the family ends up with the camera mm-hmm. of, with the footage. And so how does it get back there? Um, I, I assume, I, I think that it was found. I can't remember if they that say ends. this or if it was in a deleted Cause I, scene. Cause I, I did watch swear, the deleted scenes. I swear that they said something that the police had it or something, but it doesn't go any further than that. I was like, if it was evidence, why oh, in the fuck would they, they ever have wouldn't. it? <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't yeah. have it if it's evidence, right? But if the police, if it was, but it was evidence. So I, I was so confused by it. I'm like, why the fuck does yeah, the family have those cameras? That's definitely a plot hole why the, because the, there's like a, I, I <laughs> it doesn't make any I, I sense. Mean, okay, they're, they're, I don't know, I can't remember what they show on the camera. Yeah. But um, the only thing they show is Pinhead. They don't actually show any of the murder. If you actually pay attention, it cuts into from the found footage camera actually back into film. Like, it's a very weird found footage sense where. Yeah, I get that. It actually is cutting back into regular, like, like traditional filmmaking quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's almost all during the bad stuff, except for when Pinhead comes out. So, like, technically, the police wouldn't, I guess, if there's no evidence of a crime on it, you know what I mean? It would be just, like, we found your missing guy, kid's stuff. <laughs> just besides this guy with fucking pin sticking. Well, I guess none of that shit was, yeah, it wasn't shown on there because there is dialogue in the film with the, the father says, you know, maybe they were killed or he alludes to the fact that like he didn't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, so, like, so the it only wasn't thing shown that's on there is like a brief glimpse of pinhead, which, you know, that could be anything. You know, yeah, that exactly. could be a special effect. That could be like a student a film or something. Effect. Like, so I guess technically the police would have no reason to keep it if there's no murder investigation. Mm-hmm. Like, think about it. If somebody goes missing and you find find their stuff, like, there's no crime, there's no evidence. This movie's like Very Bad Things meets a Hellraiser film. <laughs> um, but there's actually a, a scene that was deleted because I did check out the deleted scenes on the Blu-ray. And there's there's a scene that actually changes the chronology of the film. Hmm. Um, you know when their car gets stolen? Yes. Okay, so in the movie we yeah, see that. Yeah, the car, by the way? Well, it's Tijuana. <laughs> it's, Tijuana. it's probably <laughs> Wait, one what? of JP's cousins. <laughs> yeah. But, it, I mean, that's a bad area. Yeah, Tijuana is pretty I mean, when they get junky. back, where do the cars go? What's that? Where do these guys' cars go? Whose cars? The people inside. Shouldn't there be two cars outside? One for the people who own the house and one oh, for the I, other people? I have people? no idea. Where the um, fuck did but, they go? But well, anyway, my point is in this video <laughs> scene, what, in the movie, when they're first in like Tijuana, that's when their car gets stolen, right? Like Pretty much as soon as they get down there. Yeah. Okay, in... The deleted scene, it's actually after they murder the hooker that their car gets stolen. So it's like weird. It, it like changes the timeline of that happening, when that happened. 
Wow, that's strange. Big difference. <laughs> not not a huge difference, but you know. Um, well, when you're talking about this movie, any difference helps, I guess. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, did you guys truly hate this flick? I think, uh, you know, another thing, you know, it's better me, than that hell world. you know, me with going back and forth with storytelling. I mean, this has been a ongoing thing throughout the history of the show. You know, the way certain to- stories are told, you know, with the, I guess, the flashbacks of, you know, the Mexico scenes to the to the present. Mm-hmm. It just kind of goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's just not really my cup of tea. Were you not interested in what was going on in the Mexico stuff? It was. It like, was. I found that it's okay. to be more interesting than what was. Oh yeah, happening with the family. Well, the yeah. families. I mean, I would have rather just been mostly that, you know, yeah. and, then, and then kind of change over. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the family was just ridiculous, man. I mean, they're getting together on the year anniversary. Her of- sister's a really bad actress. She does a really shitty John's movie. Uh, dude, I, I mean, what, I the, think across the board. The girlfriend or whatever? Job. Yeah. No, the girl, the sister. Oh, fuck, man. Jesus. Like, so I, I think the fucking best bad. actor in this entire movie is the vagrant. <laughs> like, I'm not probably like, probably yeah. like literally across the board. Each family member like it's a, it's like the dad's like the horrible when, he's, when he's laying on the couch and he's like, <gasps> yeah. <gasps> yeah, you don't it, have it, to do this. It's the bad acting that is like you feel like you don't even want to make fun of it. You just feel bad for the people involved. Like did right? it just hurt their career? You're just like, man, <laughs> like I, I feel bad that you got wrapped up in this, homie. Um, but <laughs> except for Pinhead, he should fucking known better, man. <laughs> but um, there it's there is actually like something that I like in the ending. Head. The ending when the father shoots the 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 kid and he's like you know like if anybody's gonna kill you i am and then like pinhead gets super serious and he's like he's like i could have took him and and you know made him suffer forever or something and and that would have been good but instead you know now i'm gonna do this like it's just like this guy like royally fucked himself (laughs) (laughs) by killing that kid like he like he just screwed himself so bad because not only would pinhead have tortured this kid way worse than what this guy did to him but Mm. now he's gonna take him in his place (laughs) his wife i mean (laughs) man i was having a rough time with the scene i guess where where nico at least least they weren't toy makers oh fuck that would just royally ruined everything like that whole that whole end scene man where nico's waving the fucking gun around and he's basically torturing the family with whatever um that shit goes on forever it's like a 75 minute film and it feels like that scene goes on for fucking 20 minutes it's so long they padded dude, it's the so sh- funny i felt like this movie whizzed by for me dude <laughs> like i was like holy shit it's over yeah because it's 75 minutes yeah it whizzes by for everybody well it, it only runs about 70 minutes before the credits well, not it's me because it took 71 three, it took, took me three sittings <laughs> <laughs> took you like fuck a whole day to get through it that's so funny Ah shit, man! Yeah, that scene just—it it felt uh, very long dated. It's it just holy shit, man. There was one really cool kind of scalping in the film. I thought it was pretty nasty. That dude gets—he uh, gets kind of scalped a little bit. I, I thought I thought the effects on that were pretty cool. So they never answered how there's two pinheads. I mean, they did a pretty good job for like a week of filming. The effects were decent in it. Um, I guess the actors didn't have any time to rehearse their parts or anything or get accustomed with the characters because, you know, it really shows. But, um, yeah. 
I don't really know what else to say. I mean, I felt like this one might have been since part three, maybe the goriest, probably. Yeah, just based on the bed scene itself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is probably the goriest film. Some pretty nasty shit going on in this one. They probably just went into the closet and found the recycled skin suit from part two and like, oh, this will work. Let's put it on this dude. Yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, the kills were okay in it. Bloody. So, did they answer why there's two pinheads? Who this other pinhead is? Um, He's just like a... Uh... What you would call like a like he's like a, a, a trainee like an apprentice. But why is he pinhead then? Um, he says something in dialogue like every something that you do you get a pin or a nail or whatever it is. So why isn't there? A sh- but he doesn't do that. He gets a shit ton of Hellraiser two. We see him get. Well, like, I mean, is, I don't know how much continuity this film's keeping up with Hellraiser two. I'm just saying what they they're doing in this film. So the the apprentice pinhead is that not? I think I. I swear I thought it was Steven. I think it I think it might be. Um he's it's kind of an interesting concept, right? A skinless, like the classic skinless Frank, skinless Julia, now skinless Nico or whatever, but like with pins in their head. Like that's kind of kind of an interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah, unless Well, no, I think it's other... act, I think it's actually Steven's body because Nico is wearing Steven's skin, right? When he came back yeah. to the house. So the yeah, apprentice... it's Steven's skinless body. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of fucked. Yeah, kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I, I know that Doug Bradley was approached to play Pinhead in this role. Yeah. Um, but he actually didn't. He turned it down after they said they gave him the script, and he said that they said that there was no, there wasn't going to be a second draft of it. It was they were just shooting off the first draft script, and he was idea. just like, and and also being told that, um, he he would be uh that apparently his, what his quote is that his salary would be cut down to the price of a fridge, um, <laughs> so sag rate, which is like well, when you make a three hundred thousand dollar film, how much can you pay him? Yeah, like yeah, but I mean. I completely understand why I bowed out of it. But had he actually done it, I think that it could have been... Well, at least one of the performances would have been good in the film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think uh, I think I'm good on this. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> Ratings. Oh, check, the, check this out for trivia. The actors playing Nico's mother is only two years older than Nico himself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that figures. Fuck. (laughs) They didn't have time to cast. They just hired whoever first walked into the door. Yeah. Um, Oh, another little bit of trivia. The families are named Craven and Bradley. Uh, obviously for Wes Craven and Doug Bradley. Oh, I didn't know. I, was I, didn't even, to that. I didn't even think of the Craven one, but Jesus, man, I noticed the Bradley. Yeah. <laughs> didn't even notice Craven. That's funny. Uh, so, yeah, uh, ratings. Um, I believe it is Moods' turn. Uh, what did I give Revelations? I came in at a three and a half out of ten. Hmm. Not 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 really my cup of tea. Even though I did enjoy the gore in this, I thought that some of the kills and gore was pretty pretty well done. Man, there's just so many other elements of this one that's driving me nuts. But um, 
Yeah, I, I still like it more than Bloodlines, that's for sure. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, this one to me, like, I, I do like this movie. I truly do. Like, I, I would not mind watching it again. Um, that being said, like, I don't think it's good. Uh, and you know, that's that classic debate where we come in. If I wrote this, rated this purely on my personal, like, like for it, I would come in a lot higher than I'm actually coming in. But I, I do think that it's a mess. It's a bad movie. Um, so I came in at a four out of ten on this one. Same same as Hellworld. Um, I think they're about equal in quality. Like obviously this one is super more low budget and stuff, but at least the story made more sense in this one. What was your rating? I gave it a four. Okay. <clears throat> Three point five. But th- this one actually did hurt me a little bit because I do like this movie. So I like most of the hell. I think I like all of the Hellraisers except for part four, and that's it. I like them all. <laughs> I'm here to turn up the volume, to press the stinking face of humanity into the dark blood of its own secret heart. Brand new, 2018 Hellraiser Judgment. At the time of us recording, I don't even think it's out yet. It is nope. not officially out. No. It'll be. Out, it'll have just it'll landed the day after. When, after you get this, the day before you get the this. The day before. before. Yeah. Directed so, um, by Gary J. Tunnicliffe. Tunnicliffe. Yeah. Remember the name I told you about? Wow. He this guy graduated all the way up from special effects on part three, all the way up from the writer to revelations to the director Man, of Hellraiser Judgment. This guy's literally worked on so much shit. It's like it's fucking insane. Yeah, but at least he's been like around the franchise to know what's right and what's retarded. He definitely loves his <laughs> franchises, Hellraiser. man. I mean, he worked on in Hall- or Halloween. Like he worked mm. in the Exorcist franchise, Dracula Can't franchise, it, man. like Return of the Living Dead franchise, Pulse. This is ridiculous, man. Scream. Yeah, f- and he, honestly, like, like so like, many franchises, so crazy. It's wow. so funny that he's been with the Hellraiser franchise so long since yeah. Part Three. Yeah. Okay, so synopsis: Detective Sean and David Carter are on the case to find a gruesome serial killer terrorizing the city. Joining forces with Detective, joining forces with Detective Christine. Uh, Ericton, whatever. They dig deeper into a spiraling maze of horror that may not be of this world. That that's yeah, man. You know, I always have a problem with detective films when one of the detectives is like twenty-two years old and hot. I mean, I know, like that's that's just not plausible. You can't become Wait, a detective that know. young. No, you just can't. You have to work your way up. You don't just graduate from fucking the academy and become a detective. It just doesn't work like that. I don't know what it like. I yeah, that's I mean, something yeah. that I literally wouldn't know. Like I don't know what it entails to become a detective. You have to have experience and years on the force before you become a be, becoming a detective before you're 25 is pretty unlikely. But you know, I mean, she's super young. You can tell, right? She doesn't, you know. Just casting, couldn't, but couldn't find an age. But I, I seriously laughed so hard when it, the Carter brothers 
you know, this detective team. And one of them's name yeah. is Sean Carter. That's Jay-Z's real name. <laughs> just, so it, just it takes life. four years to become a detective from a straight-up police officer. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you graduate, you got four years. I mean, at a minimum, probably, right? So um, It says four or five, typically four or five years. Yeah. It's probably not that common to become a detective four or five years after or into the force, but yeah. They like experience. What about Heather Langenkamp? They like the experience. Yes. Also with a cameo from Heather Langenkamp. She plays the landlady yeah. in the film. That's Haven't actually seen her in a while. I know, it's so random. It's so random. Uh so thoughts on Hellraiser Judgment. What a weird intro. <laughs> It Dude, really, I love the intro. It's Listen, very who, artsy, avant garde weirdness. Like you, you meet this fucking. What did it? Uh, what, what's auditor. the guy's name who is has the cuts all over his face? The auditor. Dude, he stole the show. Yeah, dude. He, like, you meet him and you're like, you meet him in the first, like, two and a half minutes and you're oh, instantly, dude, that is like... Jerry, Gary J. Tunacliffe himself. I fucking yeah. love this Holy premise. Shit. I love this premise of having an auditor and yeah. then his audit goes to the assessor who fucking eats it, regurgitates this with shit. With children tears. That, yeah, with children tears. I don't know why the, where the fuck they came up with that idea. And um, regurgitates this shit. Then it goes to like this jury. Who and, are naked broads. Who are naked fucking Which bitches. Which I'm fine with. I, yeah, and then sense. they make a decision on what's going to happen to this soul. Based on the puke. Based on and the puke. It's, it's a very, very bizarre guard. sort yeah. of uh, but setup that I really liked. Me too, I was man. Like, I was cool. Right away. Yeah. The assessor and... I was. This is fucking awesome. The auditor and assessor. First I was like, all, this is awesome. When when I seen the the photos for the Cenobites that came out, I instantly talked mad shit. And I thought this auditor dude or this assessor dude or uh the audit the, the auditor, auditor dude auditor. looked kind of kind of like he looked okay. But I was like, okay, this is like gonna be one of those gimmicky like Cenobite things. But dude, like I'm not even joking. This guy fits right in there with Pinhead. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the only also. But then Pinhead they to... is definitely a big improvement from the last. Pinhead. Actually, then... I really liked Pinhead in this film. I thought he mm-hmm. was actually pretty damn fucking good. Then they had to fucking throw in that blonde broad and just ruin it all. I don't know if it was because I watched this directly after watching Revelations and watching that shitty performance, <laughs> but yeah. it was like I was like, oh, Pinhead's actually pretty damn cool. His voice was good. He came, yeah, it was decent. Cool characters in this one. I hope they keep rolling with this. The auditor and assessor and all this type of I, shit. It's pretty cool. Like, honestly, dude, like, it's a good movie. Pretty cool fucking concept here. Yeah. Like, like it, it seems to be a little bit, bit more in touch with the, the world of Hellraiser than the the other detective narratives that we've had over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like, it's kind of like you get to see, like, the inner workings of their, their um, I guess, beyond the just pinhead coming and dragging you back with chains like we kind of see like a different aspect of of mm-hmm. what can happen in in a different way being judged in in hell. and it's literally called judgment but like i like dude the auditor was so cool and the way he's just like typing shit and he's like oh yes yes <laughs> like I, he just did such a good job could you and please tell me about your director could you please tell me about the guy you killed first now please, yeah. please, those those, those are definitely you know some of the major positives for me the negative actually is kind of I found this film to be really predictable I don't know about you guys but I, I saw where this was going like right away 
and it, it kind of hurt the story. I was See, like, I man, the biggest problem with the story is the I just the, knew what was going to happen. The, I was intera- like, the interaction with the angel or whoever the hell that blonde broad is. I didn't like that either. Yeah, I think that's like the biggest. It, it's it's kind of getting into the Halloween two territory. I, with, I think it. I think it's kind of getting into the like, hey, this is like heaven and hell territory. And which I, that's how I saw it too. How Razor films not doing that. You know, I like that it's mysterious with that. Well, it's just, it's supposed to be its own world, right? I mean, when you incorporate that, it just seems like you're getting back to basics in the Christianity type thing. Yeah. The one thing that I will say though, is it almost takes a little jab at religion and, and honestly, at like the Christianity type religion. Of course. Where, like the um because the bible was filled with like sacrifice and you know like god the like basically casualties of circumstance you know what i mean yeah and the angel kind of directly says that i kind of i almost kind of liked it but at the same time i would have been happy if it would have been out you know like i I kind of appreciated certain aspects of it but i would prefer it to be out why does she decide who gets to go and who doesn't why isn't pinhead like fuck you bitch um, well, she doesn't get to decide. She's just uh, simply uh, delivering a message. Yeah. Um, and she yeah. is saying basically that, like, like this guy, we want him out on the street to um, – why did she say? I forget. But uh, she, they want him there so that uh, – because there needs to be a balance. There needs to be evil in order for uh, people to – uh, praise us essentially is what is what they're saying is what she's saying you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and th- th- then there's like that nice little twist where he's like i've been forgiven and she's like oh no you're still gonna have to be punished after you eventually die of your you know whatever causes but this is just not the time for that yeah, <laughs> yeah. which was kind of cool but like i'm with you i would have preferred had it not been in here but i do appreciate aspects about it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some pretty interesting uh, scenes in this film where they uh, they find that young girl dead and the fucking dogs inside of her. Yeah, that that, that was, was pretty kind original. Of a, a but I bizarre. I love the way there. they played that off too, because <laughs> later on in the film, it's it's like you know most people are gonna look at this situation and be like, oh poor dog. <laughs> but you know, it's kind of like how people really are, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, that poor dog, man, had to sit inside the womb. Yeah. But there was a lot of poetic shit in there, you know, throughout mm-hmm. this whole film. I, I really did like how the sequences went and stuff, but I don't know. I just, I had this feeling right from the start where this one was going. Maybe it's because I'd watched nine films before and I just had, yeah. a, just had a distinct taste for the rhythm of these films. But I don't know. I still actually kind of really enjoyed this film. I thought it was way better than I was anticipating it to be. Um, some really cool characters. I really hope that they keep they develop this, you know, into more, into more. I, films. I don't know if they will, man. Like it's too that bad because because that is the start of where you could develop into something even bigger. You know, have these type of characters and, but just I, to, I just don't know if dimension is maybe come up with a different story. None of this investigative stuff. I mean, we don't need that anymore. Because because Lionsgate released this right. And like, so I I don't know, like, did they just, 
because we uh, Jeremy pointed out that uh, Harvey Weinstein's name was removed from this in the credits, right? I actually yep. looked for it. Yep, it just says Bob yeah. and Bob yep. and. Like, did they are they just trying not to release anything so they like pass it off to Lionsgate but still retain the rights, or did they sell off the rights? Like, what's going on with this? You know what I mean? <laughs> Who fucking knows? I think it's whoever buys the Weinstein company gets the rights. Yeah, but also you have to factor in that I, this movie was supposed to come out last year and it never got released. So I was thinking maybe they ended up losing the rights or something. Uh huh. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm kind of. I, I actually think that for the first time in in years, like Hellraiser's kind of in an interesting direction. I yeah. thought so. Too. I was like, you know, I you know, I I really liked the approach. I was a little bit worried at the running time on this film. Like it's really short and stuff, but they actually made it feel like a almost like a bigger film. I mean, they took that. Um, oh, I want to say like Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, remake approach where you know like the credits uh, ran the after 20, 25 minutes into the film where this one was like 13 <laughs> minutes into the movie the credits run and I was like fucking rights and I like yeah. I like shit like that man at least they, yeah, it, that's they took a, a different cold open yeah so it, they call it a cold a cold open yeah yeah, yeah cold yeah look at you film school term boy. <laughs> but yeah I, 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 I like that approach films. I really liked it I, I thought the film was pretty decent for what it was man there was some really cool you know, in the investigative portion with the cell phone and how it died in, in the throat, but mm-hmm. it stored the location. Like, things like that. I was like, that's fine detail. And, the you know, the script actually wasn't too bad. It's kind of cool. So what happened with... So th- this is this is why I bring this up, because the same writer wrote this one as Revelations. Um, Clearly, the guy has some, like, ha- half-decent ideas, but I think he was just rushed with rev- Revelations. Well, you know, he just threw something together. Obviously, the, the script was probably in... It probably went through rewrites and stuff, right? He had time but to... this one? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, this one was still kind of a little rushed, too, but maybe he had thought about this concept a little bit, being involved well, with even, so long. Well, even having like that. the auditor and the assessor and, and that whole angle and stuff, and that right there was a win. You know, yeah. you already had a better script. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty awesome. And we get like our sixth iteration of the chatterer as well. Yep. We do. We do again, you know. But. So what's the history with this one with Doug Bradley not doing it? I, I just think that he wasn't even asked, honestly. Like, oh, I really? think that I, I heard think... that he wasn't even approached on this one. Yeah, he he's said in the past. That well, he's it says Gary Turnkleife. Wanted Doug Bradley to reprise his role as the lead Cenobite known as Pinhead, but Bradley refused, criticizing the mentioned films for the perceived quality of the Hellraiser sequels. After Conkliffe pleaded with him, Bradley again declined (laughs) to accept the role after he learned that he would have to sign a non-disclosure. Oh, that's right. Oh, this is the one that had that. The non-disclosure. I remember that now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we talked about that That's on the right. podcast. Yep. So unfortunately, I think I think that Doug Bradley just has a bad taste of working with Dimension. The best thing that could happen to this franchise going forward is to, for Dimension to lose the rights. Well, fucking uh-huh. Harvey Weinstein probably raped him. <laughs> He's probably not feeling very good from it's that. Too soon. You can't rape Pinhead, damn it. <laughs> too yeah, he'll put chains. There's... He'll put chains. He'll put chains in your erect cock right through it. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck. But yeah, I mean, I like this movie. Uh, it was definitely way better than I anticipated, especially after Revelations, even though I like that movie. But like, just the quality of it had dropped so far. 
and knowing that Dimension was rushing this one out again, uh, kind of got me interested to see what's up with the new Children of the Corn that's coming out because these yeah, went March. in production at the same time. Yeah, man, I'm curious. I know everyone's like, "Oh, fuck Children of the Corn." I'm like, "Whatever, I'm gonna check it out." Yeah, we checked out all the other ones. <laughs> it's a co. It's a cotc film, man. Whatever. Who cares? You bitch, Children of the Corn. <laughs> you... Not C O T C. Children of, of the, the corn. C O T C. Fuck yeah. off. <laughs> Apparently, this one had a three thousand three hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget as well. Way better. See, isn't that crazy? Sometimes budget, you know. I mean, that goes to prove how much better of a film you can make just if you have a little bit of time to. Yeah, same budget as the last one. Way more time. Not way more, but more time. Yeah. Definitely and feels honestly, a lot more polished than the last one for sure. I mean, th- this- also this is Gary's second crack at the writing aspect, so he learned probably from his mistakes on Revelations, as well as, hey, I mean, this guy not not a terrible director, man. Nope, not at all. I wouldn't mind having I, him do another one. I give honestly. him I give him kudos for the the cold beginning open <laughs> open. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, and it says. On what it would take for Doug Bradley to return to the role of Pinhead, he explained, I'd absolutely be open to doing it again. I've never closed the door on the idea of right place, right time, right motives, right script. I'm pretty relaxed about other actors playing the role. Since I turned down both movies, it follows that I knew other actors would get to play the part. Good luck to them. I don't know about taking over, enjoying temporary ownership, maybe. He expressed a particular interest in starring in a film adaptation of the Hellraiser novel, The Scarlet Gospels, but accentuated that no such film was in development to his knowledge. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude's 63 as well. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. to, to get half naked and put on the leather, like, I, I know he's said that before that it's, you know, eventually he's just not going to be able to do it anymore. He's okay yeah, but you know, that, at the but... same time, the pinhead role is so not physical. I mean, the physicality oh, yeah, of it is yeah. just sitting there and putting the makeup on for probably six hours. But in retrospect, I mean, if you look back on these films, like he doesn't even move. He just mm-hmm. stands there and talks, man. It's not, it's got to be like, you know, for a good actor and Doug Bradley does the role very well. I mean, it's a pretty fucking easy part for him. I mean, the worst thing that could happen to him is that he could lose his memory and he could stop. He couldn't remember lines, <laughs> you know. I mean, he could probably I, do I this till he he's eighty. Done this one, uh, we we barely ever see an actor leave a role, an iconic role, and actually return to it. So maybe if another one happens, maybe we could get him to do it again because yeah. I would like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I think by this point everybody's kind of convinced that we'll never see Robert England pr- play Freddy again. Um, which is sad. I mean, Robert England's a lot older now too. He's in his seventies, I think. Right. Um, but yeah. I think that yeah. if I, I honestly, like originally Freddie was written as an old man, so let's fucking do that too <laughs> while we're at it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, do, do you guys want to get into ratings on this one? Yeah, we might as well. We might as well wrap it up. I mean, the show's been close to six mm-hmm. hours, so <laughs> seven out of 10. It was my turn, but okay. Um, I uh, go ahead, Mitz. Uh I'm I'm actually at a seven, also seven out of ten. Yeah. Uh, I actually probably would say that this is the best Hellraiser <laughs> film since part three. Since yeah, 
Yeah, pretty pretty much. I actually think I'm. Mm, that's what yeah, I. That's exactly what that. I said after I watched it, man. I said that to myself out loud because I'm weird like yeah. that. I said that's the best film since Part Three. Yeah. I actually it, think it got more depth in part three as well. Because <laughs> it feels like it feels like a fucking Hellraiser film. It feels more like a Hellraiser film. It still doesn't feel like the. No, the it, first it, it's not the first two, but it, it it definitely has that angle. It's the it's the cool ass auditor and you know assessor. That's fucking cool, man. So uh, I came in. I'm in, I'm sitting at like this is where I wish we did like point two fives, but we don't. So I'm just gonna go seven. I can't quite give it a seven point five, but. Um. Yeah, it was good. You know, I, I definitely liked it. I could maybe come up higher on it if I watched it again. Maybe I'd like it um, more. But uh, I think this is an interesting franchise because there's now 10 movies and there's never been a remake. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, are they all sequels in terms of chronological like continuity? No. But are they technically sequels? Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Which is kind of interesting, right? There's never been a remake to these films, and there's ten of them. That's got to be a record, right? I mean, besides witchcraft, those don't count. Imagine if David Sterling made a Hellraiser film. Oh, God. Well, you make three of them <laughs> first. Jesus Christ, yeah. we don't need that. We don't need so, that. I think the last thing we had to do here before we get out of here is no, we had some questions. questions. Yeah. Oh, shit, I completely forgot. I meant to do them at, like, the halfway point, but I totally forgot. Fuck you, Dexter. All right, what do we got for questions? All right, so these are the questions the group wanted to know. Um, Should they let the franchise die, or this new film actually a positive addition? Could they now be heading in the right direction? I think we summed yes. it up. I think that we just said that it is a positive edition and i think they are going in the right direction so yeah i think we said that yeah i i think i've been on record saying that i think hellraiser needs a remake um but i'm kind of pumping the brakes on that concept right now because i'm actually not mad at where it's currently at um with the newest film so I uh, i would like to see a continuation of that and um see where that goes and or a new story like i'd be fine with that too but you know uh you know, you're only as good as your last film, and I think that this one definitely is an improvement on the previous two films, which is Hellworld and Revelations. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right, uh, number two, if John Cena became a Hellraiser character, would he be called a Cenobite? Cenobite? <laughs> if he was, would anyone see him? Oh, my God. <laughs> how does this one get picked out of why, all the questions? why not man <laughs> I didn't even get that when I first read it I John like, Cena like, bite oh, John Cena was a <laughs> I fucking I laugh when I read that that's pretty oh, funny man. I just wish we had the John Cena music I, w- I would say no because I like, love that prank call it's so funny like we stated before the Hellraiser franchise has kept a pretty straight angle there hasn't been that much comedy I think that'd just be a little too goofy but I'm, I'm I'm still gonna call him John. I'm gonna call him for forever now, John Cena bite. That's just that's buried in my mind. <laughs> that's gonna get moods flagged on YouTube. Yeah, probably. Um, so uh, the final question here is: How many beers would it take for you to hook up with the female Cenobite from Part Two? The consensus around here is nine. Uh 
I would say zero. Jeremy would have Jeremy would have limp dick after three, so there's no hooking up there. I'd be in a coma by nine beers, so I don't think that's a good number. Nine beers does shit for me, so dude, it would probably take twenty four. Dude, I would do it for free. I'm just saying. It's not that bad. I mean, how many energy drinks would it take? (laughs) <laughs> for JP. <laughs> let, uh, let me Google her. Female Cenobite Part 2. She's nasty what looking, she man. Looking like? I mean, the Cenobite uh, portion. I, uh, I think she's kind of hot. Better looking than Jerry. I'm just saying. <laughs> she could probably deep throat. <laughs> <laughs> gurgle, gurgle. <laughs> Um, and then he finally relax, bro. It's too loud. You gotta learn volume. Uh, it sounds like he's saying John Cena bite. <laughs> he says, uh, "Thanks again for the opportunity. Keep up the good work, and don't be too hard on Jeremy. He's an NIB. Haha. What's an NIB? I think he was trying to say noob. Oh, newbie. Um. Anyway." That's well, it, dude, we did it. That is going to conclude episode 129, Hellfra- Hell- the Hellraiser franchise. I am so happy this is over. Yeah, me too. Because I'm a little bit Hellraisered out right now. I'm super Hellraisered out. When you watch 10 in a week or in five days, it's I did like. It in a week. <laughs> oh, dude, did you guys see the uh, post credit scene in Judgment? I forgot to bring that up. Fuck! Oh. I, I, well, I mean, it was 12 o'clock, and I, I was watching on my computer, and I, I totally turned it off as soon as the credits started. I missed it. What is it? Is it a You'll spoiler? You'll have to watch in Hellraiser Judgment to find out. Well, I guess I'll, I guess I'll watch it later tonight. <laughs> Shit. All right. Wait, can we leave now? My Jer- yeah, uh, yeah, man. I, I need to go eat. I'm starving. It's been six hours, so actually, we've been on here for seven hours, I think. We've it's been like on here for we, we've been on here for six and a half hours. Told this you, co- fuckers. So the show's probably six, but yep. Yeah. All right, Jeremy, take us out of here. Thank you for listening. You're gonna let, you're gonna let me do it. Yep. Go All ahead. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 129 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Order podcast. As always, if you want to follow the man Moods and stuff, you can do so at YouTube.com/slash Moods. 616 as always you can follow jp over on his channel youtube.com slash double shot j and guess what everybody he did not get the puppet master box set because no no people watch his videos and as always you can follow me on my channel at youtube.com slash nes ruler 22 as always join us on the facebook page videos because i don't make any videos facebook.com slash 22 shots podcast so always follow us on twitter twitter.com slash 22 shots podcast and always you can leave us voicemail at 724-426-6665 but we will not answer and as always you can leave us an email at the 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com that's the 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com and please support the patreon to get that sand sucked out of my vagina patreon.com slash 22 shots podcast and that should do it everybody for episode 129 of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast we'll be back in a week or two with episode 130 where we're doing i saw the depth on Patreon picks. Again. So that should do it, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the Hellraiser show and you enjoyed my amazing contribution to the discussions. I know everybody fell in love with them because I was so amazing. And that guy is a motherfucking bullshit toy maker is horseshit. So that should do it. Thank
Thank you, everybody, again. And Tyler Jones, fuck you. Hey, Moods. Yes. <clears throat> what? When Jeremy makes videos and doesn't make videos, what do both those things have in common? They both suck. Nobody watches. <laughs> <Remember> that. <sighs>